Hello, everybody, and welcome to Turn to Page, Season 2, Book 7 of Grail Quest. The Tomb of Nightmares. Are you ready to get night scared? I, not not really. Out of all of the the, <laughs> yeah. the titles so far, Voyage of Terror, etc., I didn't remember the other ones immediately, but Voyage of Terror sticks out in my mind as one of the scariest ones. Tomb of Nightmares definitely still raises the bar. Are we going to be especially horror-themed, fighting ghouls and ghastlies? We've seen skeletons before. Yeah. I just... It also feels like... It feels like a step down of, like, you know, the whole universe being, in you know, corrupted. This is a yep. tomb of nightmares. It's like, ah, well, don't go there then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it kind of seems like... <laughs> The fate of Avalon, how to save a country. Also, this janitor's closet is slightly haunted. Yeah, don't go in then. Okay, problem solved. <laughs> Easy, Easy enough. But I am ready to solve this son of a gun. I will say there's a brief like mechanic that is introduced to us before the book kind of like starts. I don't know how mm -hmm. to really explain it, aside from the fact that, yikes, uh... The secret doors here. Do you have a... I didn't read this, but I know... I kind of know what it is. Do you have a way mm -hmm. to explain it cleanly? Uh, effectively, in any section that you should like, you have the ability to roll for looking for a secret door. On a 4, 5, or 6, you're entitled to check the secret door table in the back of the book to see if there is a secret door there, and then take one of the passages out. If you roll less than 4, then you've missed any secret door that might have been available. Important to note, though, if you do leave and return to an area, you can re-roll for the secret door. So if there's an area that is just completely safe and open, we're capable of just going back infinite times to re-roll looking for the secret door. So for those cases, we're very likely to be able to just go, yeah. we stay until we find the secret door. And, and considering there are, like, it looks like 224 possible roll, you know, roll for doors... There may end the, you know, there may it may end up being a mechanic that we are like, all right, let's see if there's a door here, because mm -hmm. that's an extra roll on every page forever. <laughs> it's a lot, so we'll see. But uh, that's a new and important new rule, as the game mentions here. But would you like to take us to the Gold Rush? Absolutely, Gold Rush. Merlin here. I've a little job for you. Nothing dangerous. None of that saving the world business. Just a small collection job. I need somebody to collect some money for me. Oh, or precisely, treasure. Well, booty if you want to use its proper name. Gems, jewels, trinkets, ingots, ivory scrimshaw, jade miniatures, silver figurines, and gold! Gold, I tell you! Gold, gold, gold! Oh, excuse me. I got carried away thinking about all that gold. It's what comes of a person trying to live on a pension. Even a pension from King Arthur, who is admittedly quite generous. I'll just cast the spell again and bring you back to my time. King Arthur's time. Avalon, Camelot, heroic deeds, dragon slaying, not that you'll be doing any of that, of course, wizards in towers, damsels in distress, the odd ogre or troll. Stand by for the spell. A bitter, bitter toil and tritter? Oh, no, no. A mutter, mutter, toil and trutter? No, 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 no. 
Oh, bongy bongy toil and drongy. Yeah, that's it. Oh, this isn't coming out right, even though I'm certain that last one was correct. I keep feeling there's someone looking over my shoulder. Hmm. What? Bongy bongy toil and drongy. <laughs> I'm using that from now on. That's mine now. <laughs> Yoink. <laughs> this is interesting. This is the first time the, the book has started like this. Uh... Oh, this isn't coming out right. I feel like there's someone looking over my shoulder. Page one. Double, double toil and trouble. You tell him impatiently as a silent. And more or less painless. Explosion inside your head transports you through the centuries to. What? The spell you were trying to remember? Double, double toil and trouble? It's from Shakespeare. Wait, what? Actually, apologies. Yeah. It's from Shakespeare, who hasn't been born yet, in a play that he hasn't written about a Scottish king who doesn't even exist yet. That's a new one. That's a that's an end quote and start quote immediately from the same character. Mm-hmm. That's... How could we have been mixed up? Um, what must be the oddest living room you've ever seen? Walls, floors, and ceilings are all gently curved to form the interior of a sort of elongated sphere and colored the most delightful shade of blue. Merlin has always lived in some odd places, but what can this one be? Uh, a rock egg, says Merlin, who's obviously been brushing up on his mind reading. Some drunken sailor presented it to King Arthur. Since he hadn't any use for it, he gave it to me. As I was a little short of living spaces at the time, I moved in. Short of living? To your certain knowledge, the old fool owns a log castle in a forest, a bubble house at the bottom of Glastonbury Well, a hollow tree house, a magic cube house, a philosopher's barrel house, and a crystal cave. Each one fully furnished and equipped with spellbooks and alchemist furnace. He needs another house like he needs rabies. If this old fool's still reading your mind, he ignores it. Uh, about this money that you're going to uh, collect for me, he says. Well... Yes, of course, sir, you say politely. I mean, I'm always interested in adventure. Even a dull, boring old adventure like debt collecting? Oh, good, replies Merlin briskly. If you know how to conduct yourself in Grail Quest, uh, life points, fighting, magic rules, and so on, you can turn directly to three. If you don't, or if you need a little brush up on the rules, I'll fill you on on two. So let us move on to three. Merlin Merlin smiles ingratiatingly. A sight designed to chill the most stout heart. And scratches the end of his nose. Oh, grot the huddle, he says. You blink. I I beg your pardon? uh, Grot the huddle, Merlin repeats. Uh, He owes me money. Who does? Grot the huddle? Merlin exclaims. Uh, That's his name? He's Welsh. He's ad- he adds as if it explains everything. I loaned it to him in the meeting of the Wizards Guild, and now I need it back. Uh, which is, of course, where you come in. I want you to collect it. I see, you say. His lair. He coughs. <laughs> I mean, his home isn't very far from here, so I've taken the liberty of packing your gear for you in advance. No sense in going through all that business about choosing your equipment when this is such a routine adventure. Or hardly an adventure at all, really. More like a relaxing little interlude. He hands you the familiar old battered backpack you've used so often on your adventures. You glance inside to find that it contains the following. 
Rather basic. Adventuring gear. Axe, blanket, bandages, cooking utensils, container of oil, climbing spikes, change of clothes, change of boots, food rations, knife, lantern, rope, uh, sacks, stout canvas, six and all, saw, tent, tinderbox, water bag. Right at the bottom is a neat little leather-bound tome with a gold block lettering on the cover. And, Pips combined yeah. spellbook. New edition, revised, enlarged, and signed by the author. Oh, read that later. Merlin snaps testily as he begins to thumb through the book. If we wait too long, the tide will come in. Since you're well used to Merlin's nonsensical comments by now, you don't even bother to ask what the tide has to do with anything. Instead, you say... Why do you think I need magic on this adventure? Merlin purses his lips and winks. Oh, you never know about these things? He says mysteriously. Ah, besides, uh, Grot the Hoddle is a wizard, or more precisely a sorcerer, so it's only courtesy to take along a spell or two. This Grot character, you frown suspiciously. Just how much money does he actually owe you? Fifty gold pieces, says Merlin promptly. Uh, plus interest, of course. Just how much does the interest amount to? Oh, just about everything he has. You echo. What? Nope. Merlin tells you cheerfully. Uh, the loan's been outstanding for quite some time, you see. Everything he has? You finally echo. <laughs> Won't he object to giving you everything he has? Oh, yes. Merlin agrees. I expect that he will. Uh, but then again, he might not. He might think twice about objecting to Pip the Wizard Basher, Dragon Slayer, Realm Saver, Gateway Closer, and Chaos Tamer. You've quite a reputation now, you know. Uh, that's, of course, why I've decided to send you. You mean you want me to threaten him? You ask Apold, abruptly realizing the greedy old wizard has called you back through time to act as a sort of minder of mafia hit person. Uh, no, 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 not threaten him, exactly, Merlin says. Just lean on him a little. Oh, and if that doesn't work, just take the money. It's mine by right anyway. He hesitates, then adds. And you'll get a 10% collector's fee, of course. That's different. You say? I presume this Grot is a very evil sorcerer? Very. Merlin nods, which leaves you only to collect Excalibur Jr., your amazing talking sword, and read your combined spell book on page 179 before slipping onto page 4 to get the sus suspicious adventure underway. So 179, just having spells again, finally, is mm. great to me. So I, I'm in. I, I gotta say, having spells as well as the book being like, oh, here's your items, just take them and go. Like, ooh, ooh, yes, thank you. This this is what I wanted. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I will say we also read the rules, or you read the rules, and you said that it mentioned we have the dragon armor. Yeah? Yes. So it doesn't mention it in the text itself, because I believe it's only ever relevant if you played through the very, very first Grail Quest, but we have proof that we did that. It's true. Uh, in the very bottom section where it does give a description of the rules, at the very bottom it says, hey, you always have EJ, and if you've also done the very first of the books, you have your dragon skin armor. Mm-hmm. And apparently we had it last book too, but we just... Hey, we didn't need it. We just, well, we, we died a bunch, but whatever. We, we didn't need it. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, oh, some of these are, are familiar. You want to read this these uh, spells? Absolutely. We have uh, 
Pip's armor of nearly impenetrable coruscation, which is uh, four damage point reduct from any uh, from any instance. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Any damage scored against the user. Additional to any other deductions like your dragon skin jacket, etc. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and actually uh, burn through and quickly uh, yes. summarize these. Uh, Pip's outlandish wall. More damage on your next attack that you do to an enemy. Pill, uh, Pip's instantaneous levant, uh, levity and laughter causes the opponent to fall around laughing and miss rounds in combat. Pip's attacking dart, uh, which is just a dart to attack an enemy, does damage. Pip's immunity to poison has to be cast before poison is taken, but prevents the poison from killing you. Pip's instant neutralizer, uh, and it opens magically locked chests and doors, counter-effects a spell. Pip's immense rapid repeater allows us to take two strikes in any combat session, uh, for the entirety of that combat session. The very special spell of invisibility, which can only be cast once, but then says the sections where invisibility... Yeah, okay. Uh, Can only be cast once, can only be done in sections where invisibility is labeled as possible, but does, as you might expect, invisibility to do, and apparently has huge effects. Firefinger, which we remember from the very, very first yes. book, zap your enemy for 10 life points. Fireball, which we remember from the same, zap him for 75. Mm. Pip's patent lock picker uh, will pick a lock on a uh, section, on a throw of six or two, uh, better on two dice. Okay, yeah, pick locks. Makes pick sense. Lock. Uh, Pip's incredible duncher, which is a magical cap that makes you small. Pip's amazing legume spell, uh, which makes friendly reactions from attacking vegetables. Pip's instant levitation, uh, which makes you levitate three times over the course of the adventure. And then finally, Pip's obliging power sword, uh, which alters EJ's power. It'll double the damage by EJ on next, but halve it on the roll after that. Huh. Must be used before rolling to determine a hit. We could... I... Could you use that? You could probably use that with... Oh, interesting. Must be used before rolling to determine a hit, which does imply that it doesn't, that it take, doesn't take combat action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I will say there's that one that makes your attack do plus 10 damage. So you could do that. Plus double it. I mean, maybe you got us do going. Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, back up we go. It seems like we basically have, like, the gang's all here for the most part with those spells, which is great. Mm-hmm. Right. Feels very, very familiar. I just miss Firefinger. Like, just oh, it it added this really interesting layer of strategy in such a simple way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I remember so clearly each of the moments we had to you know effectively pair a fight down to okay, how many Firefingers do we need to expend over the course of this fight in order to survive against the average damage output of this enemy? And Medusa effectively yeah. is, is largely what I'm remembering in that instance. Mm-hmm. But oh. What fun that was. Anyway, page four. Already? Asks Merlin cheerfully. Excellent. Now, let us be off. Us? You ask in some surprise. Oh, yes, of course, us. Merlin snaps. You don't think I'd let you go off on your own, do you? You might get lost. Or worse still, get yourself into trouble. No, we can't have that, have we? Oh, can we, rather? No, what we want here is a nice, safe adventure. No troubles, no difficulties, no undue excitement. What is it, EJ? I think he's gone to Lollipop. EJ whispers. No, he hasn't. He whispers back. He's just being 
cunning? All this business about a safe adventurer is meant to lull our naturally suspicious natures. You mean this isn't going to be a safe adventure? EJ asks. I shouldn't think so. After a moment, EJ remarks. Ugh, I wish I'd stayed in bed. But Merlin has opened a fragile door in the wall of the rock's egg and is ushering you outside. The egg itself is set at the extreme end of a rocky premonitory jutting into what appears to be a rather angry sea. Landward, the promontory narrows dramatically, so that the high tide you could well imagine it would be submerged completely. As it is, breakers crash along it in various places, promising you a thorough soaking if you're not careful. Follow me! exclaims Merlin and sets off along the rocky causeway at a furious pace, one hand and his wizard staff held aloft in the manner of a traffic policeman. And while Merlin's magic frequency goes wrong, frequently goes wrong, this bit of it goes absolutely right for as you shoulder your pack and follow him, you notice that the crashing waves are now recoiling as if an invisible barrier were there. You reach the mainland, a wilderness of rock and sand, broken by only the occasional twisted shrub. Where exactly are we? You ask curiously. Cornwall, Merlin says. I use the egg as a holiday resort. It's quite close to Tintagel, actually. The King's Cornish Castle you appreciate. He hitches his robe firmly about him, switches his wizard staff to his left hand, and points with his right. Now, Pip, that's where you're going. You follow the bony finger to discover it's indicating a second premonitory jutting into the sea no more than a quarter of a mile away. At the end of this one, bravely set against the waves, is a grey stone tower, although rocky. The causeway is substantially wider than the one to Merlin's egg, and it seems to be a, a proper little road laid along it. And here, says Merlin, is your map. Map? You protest. Why would I need a map? It's just a step or two down the way. Oh, you can't be too careful, Merlin says. Now, be off with you. Aren't you coming? Oh, good heavens, no. Uh, far more important things to do. I got you this far. You can surely look after yourself from here. He glances around nervously and begins to scamper back across the causeway to his rock egg. Hey, wait a minute! You call. You haven't even told me what this grot character is like! I mean... How am I going to recognize him when I meet him? He's quite old, Merlin calls back over his shoulder. In fact, he's so old, some people claim that he's been dead for years. Uh, but I shouldn't listen to that sort of wild rumor if I were you. And that seems to be all the help you're going to get from him on this safe little adventure. The landward end of the promontory leading to the stone tower is only a few minutes walk to 47. If you want to waste time consulting the map he gave you, you'll find it on page 26. If you want to waste time, they're really trying to trying to lead us on that one, huh? Mm, mm, but it's additional information. Even if it's inf like even if it's not information about the actual lay of the land around here, it's information about what Merlin thinks the lay of the land around here is. So I think it's still important. Yeah. All right. Let's go to 26. Let's do it. Uh what the heck? Hello? None of this is as it should be. According to this map, To keep the keep to the west at the end of the promontory is a false keep. Whatever that may mean. While going north or east leads to death and destruction respectively in nasty surrounding places like Strangulation Forest and Doomglug Swamp. <laughs> Those are some Goosebumps names right there. Doomglug, I, mean, I love it! Also to the south, there's it's pointing... 
Okay, well, I guess maybe. But the oddest thing of all is, according to this document, Krod is dead. Or if he isn't, the soon he soon will be. Since they buried him, his tomb is clearly marked on the map. None of this makes any sense after what Merlin told you, but you're going to have to make a few decisions anyways. And the place to make them is on page 47. So, That's yeah, so good. To the south, it just, yeah, it points to Grot's tomb, and it just says, Grot, rip. R.I.P. <laughs> He's got a headstone and, and upturned earth for his grave and everything. Yeah. Well, on to 47. That didn't take long. You're standing landward of the rocky promontory. This is the most I've ever said that word in my life. Leading to the graystone keep of Grot the Hoddle. That neat little road you notice in the distance looks even neater close up. Very nicely surfaced for a wilderness place like this. Runs westward almost dead straight until it reaches the keep itself. Westward takes you to 13, eastwards 56, north to the up the coast 65, or south down to 36. <clears throat> okay. So, the neat little road you notice is even neater. Close up. So, I mean, if we wanted to go to the tomb to the south, we know it's down there. Mm. That would make sense. Given, given, you know, our, our read of the map, Merlin himself said that we needed to go to the, the false keep, right? It's true. But he also called it not a real keep and called it and said that's where the keep is. So, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, should we go to our usual strategy of picking between directions or would you prefer to head to Grot's tomb to get more information? It's it, I feel like it's going to bite me in the butt but I kind of want to, like the book is called the the tomb of uh, something spooky. I, I can't remember. this. The tomb of, ah! I think is what it is. So yep. something Yeah, I just, I just went and looked and that was Ah! So I feel like I'm really curious because it would give us a lot of information really quickly is kind mm -hmm. of my thought, whether or not it's the right path. I so like I, it. I wouldn't mind going there. I just feel like because it could give us some meta information. All on board. Same reason I wanted to read Merlin's map. Let's meet on 36. All right. The road twists and turns alarmingly, sometimes even doubling back on itself until you're hardly sure which direction your steps are even taking you. For a time, you seem to be traveling south as you did originally, then for certain you turned eastwards for a while, then southwest, then east again, then northeast. See, reps? Ooh. We got there. Fortunately, before your confusion gets too great, your eagle eye spots a signpost ahead. A single arm pointing northwards towards a sheer rock face just a little way beyond. And on the arm in gothic script is written just two words. Grot's tomb. Tomb? Surely Grot isn't dead, because if he is, then how are we going to collect Merlin's money? Pretty easily, honestly. <laughs> Surely even mm -hmm. Merlin wouldn't want to turn you into a grave robber. Although you never know, of course. Frowning, you move past the signpost towards the cliff face, and sure enough, the mass of rocks shows signs of having been worked at some time in the ancient past. Tunnels and passageways have been cut into it. Many of these are now completely blocked by fallen rubble, or so overgrown by thorn bushes as to be quite inaccessible. But closer inspection shows four entrances that could actually be entered. The first is a broad, stone-flagged passageway, which, however, reaches an apparent dead end some 30 feet into the rock face. The second is a narrow, gloomy passageway at the end, which you can just make out a closed door. Third is a wider, almost open-ended chamber, at the northern end of which closed double doors are clearly visible. And the fourth 
is a single door set in a cliff face itself, tight closed, so that there's no means of telling what lies beyond it. Uh, what are you gonna do? Asks EJ curiously. A good question. There's still an opportunity to retrace your steps, but which will ultimately leave you back at 47. But if you wish to find out about this Grotz tomb business and what it's all about, you can go in the first entrance at 7, second at 17, third at 22, or fourth at 51. Oh my, oh my. So 36. Wow, we immediately got another... I'll say it feels like we made the right choice being offered four mm -hmm. options like that for, like, going where we need to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just wonder if we may end up needing some information from other areas yeah. to correctly navigate these. It's how it goes. That said, I'm happy to I'm happy to learn that manually. Hey, that's kind we of have where I'm four at. doors here. We have spells as well. Like we're we got spells. We got armor that some other rookies aren't gonna have. Like we might be able to true. just face smash it. But yeah, I, the first is a broad stone flight passageway, which reaches an apparent dead end. Apparent dead end. Oh, apparent dead end. What do you want to bet? I forgot about the mm -hmm. <laughs> secret doors. <laughs> um, One of these is the northeastern door, right? One would assume. Although I can't really tell. Narrow, gloomy passageway. You can make out a closed door. Third is wider. An open-ended chamber at the northern end of which closed doors are clearly visible. I mean, I'm fine to kind of just go through. We said that our favorite number was two, right? We made that, we chose that last book. We we did. I will say, I believe the northeastern one is the uh, fourth door. The single door set into the clear face itself, tight closed with All no right. means of telling what lies beyond it. 51, we'll go to fourth door and then second. Let's do it. And also we'll... I rolled for our secret door and there is no secret door here anyways. So, mm -hmm. all right. Great, cool. <laughs> you hesitate. Above the handle of the door is a large wrought iron knocker in the shape of a gargoyle face. Should you knock on 11 or just try the handle on 30? I mean, it'd be rude to just burst into someone's house. I mean, it's like, what's the worst that's going to happen if we try the handle? Like, exactly. oh, I know that what's the worst that's going to happen. The gargoyle face comes to life and bites us. But I'm willing to have that be proven right rather than be rude. Exactly. Let's do it. I'd rather have my hand bit off in real life than be even a little rude. Legitimately, legitimately fair. You try the handle. Oops. Also, let's roll for the freaking door. Okay. No, there's no door here. You try the handle and discover this door opens easily, leaving you in a large empty um, chamber. So Wait, what? Did you not try the knocker? Oh, my God. To be polite. To be polite. Oh, yes. The, or the, I wonder what would happen if we did the other way. I wonder if it's locked. Uh, the gargoyle head grins at you. Come in. It says, what a funny knocker. If you still want to, you can try the handle on page 30. Yeah, Raps, I think I might be fine with trying the handle on page 30. Let's do it. <laughs> you try the handle and discover the door opens easily, leaving you in a large empty chamber, the east and west walls of which slope inwards as they move north. In the middle of the north wall facing you, you can see a pair of brass-bound double doors and tight shut. You walk towards them and then hesitate, as you well might, because you have the option of trying to open the left-hand door first at 5, open the right-hand door first at 10, or trying to open both, both doors simultaneously at 15, or 
go all the way back at the other doors or all the way back to 47. Wow. Mm. We are really getting knee deep down mm-hmm. some decisions. I'm right, writing down all these. Try glad to hear opening. it because I was thinking about trying to draw a map, but uh, the very first direction we went said, you went south and then east and then west and then northwest and then you jumped into the air and then yeah. you moved to a different planet and then you went south again. It's like, what? How do I map that? Yeah. A rocket ship? <laughs> trying to open the left-hand door first, the right-hand door first, or trying to open both doors at the same time. That sounds funny. <laughs> It does. What if, like, one of them is a trap and the other one disarms the trap? Something like that. I I could certainly see it being the case. Although, before we do anything, we're now inside of a chamber. Hey, that's a six. All right. Does page 30 have a secret door? Nope. Oh. Well, I tried. I go around fumbling it. Pip, rather, goes around fumbling at all of the walls for a while. Not here. Not here. Damn it, not here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What do you think for, for doors? I I kind of want to open both at the same time. I want to I want to go like, you know, the, the new sheriff has just arrived in <laughs> you know, Pernickety Springs and is just kicking down both doors at the same time for the saloon. All right. <laughs> what? <Dude. laughs> Good grief. <laughs> the roof's fallen in. When you finally dig yourself out, you find you've tunneled your way all the way to page 14. Really? What? Are you? How? How? Are we sure it's not page 16? It definitely said 15, but page 16 looks more logical, but... It it looks more logical, and, you know, 16 could easily be the transcription error, but, like, what? Huh. Interesting. Uh, So, I guess let's read page 14, since... We're dead. Like, all right, because Let's we do it. Open two doors at the same time. <laughs> Instant death. I forgot how badly they built caves and mountains yeah. back yep, then. Yep, 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 yep. That's a load-bearing door right there. Oh, but only if, <laughs> <laughs> but if only if it's closed. It's not. Uh, only one door. Well, that's it then. Knackered yet again. One dead pip. A severe case of galloping rigor mortis. But don't hang about feeling sorry for yourself. Leap forward before you stiffen completely and roll up your life points again. Once you've done that, you can decide whether to return to the section you just left or start your adventure again from the beginning. There's pros and cons to both courses, so consider carefully. Whatever you decide, you must first record your unfortunate demise on the Deathometer on page 185 at the end of your adventure. It allows you to compare your adventure score with those of your friends who are making their feeble attempts to scrape through this adventure with considerably less expertise than yourself. Huh? I'm sorry to say that with our first death here, we are no longer capable of reaching the adventure rating of Adventurer Lord. If we die up to a total of five times, we can still become an Adventurer Knight. Then it's Master Adventurer, Senior Adventurer, Adventurer Novice, and finally, if we die 25 or more times, bungling nincompoop. Is it really? Death rate is the total number of boxes blocked in. What? Mm-hmm. And your adventure score is 1,000 minus your death rate. So it's literally Why? just 1,000 minus how many times you died. <laughs> Why does it start at 1,000? Well, because I might this... die a lot. I know, but why, is it just, why isn't it just 25? It's, 
It's it's like when you play one of those games that you know every single score ends in a thousand, and it's like you could just say Final you could have just the the top score could have just been thirty six. Why is the top score thirty six thousand? Then forty six thousand. That yeah, forty six thousand is actually higher. I guess that would be the top score. Yeah, it's like Final Fantasy. Like I, you know, my ult does three million damage. It's like oh sick. It, yeah, it uh, it it did like three percent of his health. It's like mm-hmm. okay. okay. Honestly, like, there is something I deeply love about a game that can, like, deftly avoid that and is, like, one. One is impactful. Enjoy your one. I know. I love it. It, I'm a fan of one damage, sometimes two damage. And then if you're popping off out of control, three damage. It's like, I know what, I know the impact of that. It does leave you with the weird space where upgrading from one damage to two damage is so massively impactful, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. But it's not like the Final Fantasy games are going from two point nine 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 million up until three, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Increase your damage by three percent. That that. Oh no, you don't get the option of getting three percent damage upgrade, six percent damage upgrade. Oh no, oh no, what a loss that is. Okay. I don't know how I'll survive. How will I survive with no twelve percent damage upgrade? Uh, okay. Back to page thirty. Left or right door? Uh, oh, it's got to be the left door, obviously. Okay. <gasps> That's on five. It's a five. Good grief. <laughs> you've fallen <laughs> down a pit. Roll two dice to discover how many life points you've lost. If this kills you, go to 14. You may climb. If not, <gasps> you may climb out of the pit and discover that the door you tried to open has not opened. You may either try... Both the right hand, okay, the right hand door, or both doors simultaneously. I think we should try the right hand door. Let's do that. I gotta tell you, I rolled a snake eyes. We're taking two damage, and oh. our max HP was the second highest capable. Uh, with a roll of 11, we got 44 max HP plus 11 maximum HP from previous adventures experience. So we're on 53 after that pitfall. All right. Let's go to page 10, right? Absolutely. Good grief. You've been struck by lightning, or rather zapped by a firefinger lightning bolt attached to the door that you just touched. The door itself, however, remains tight shut. <laughs> you lose 10 life points. Now you can try the left-hand door if you'd like. No. Oh, yeah, let's give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> wait, let's, wait, what if we try them both at the same time? <laughs> I. You know what? I now definitely understand why the roof fell in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay um all right so wait 51 uh, i believe was 50 oh boy oh that was the handler Seven knock something? so 36 yep 36 will get us back to uh the entrances we have the first second and third at 717 and 22 respectively we said we were gonna go to the second so let's go to the second on page 17 Perf. The gloomy passageway runs north only a short distance before ending in a door. On the door is a plaque inscribed with the words, Death lurks beyond this portal. Which you must admit makes a change from a welcome mat. If you feel this message is simply psychological warfare, you can try the door on 62, or you're quite free to zip back out and try the another entrance. <laughs> you know? I think death, the, the, the metaphysical concept of death resides here i think that's i think that's it that's that's my pull if we go in we just see a grim reaping dude 
I want to do it. I want a, a mm-hmm. Harley Davidson t-shirt in real life. Hell yeah, brother. Vroom, vroom. Creak. The door opens slowly. Slowly at your touch. You pause to draw EJ while the door itself is open. Only a crack. Then you bravely fling it fully open and leap forward right into the arms of a skeleton. This is feeling like... This is feeling more like Goosebumps where they're like... <laughs> It's all bad, mm-hmm. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. All the options kill you. <laughs> hack, hack, slash, cut, thrust, stab, kick, gouge with lightning fast reflexes. I've played Parappa. I know what that's. You fling yourself into combat mode, sword flashing, dice rattling. Then you lower your sword sheepishly and put away your dice, having suddenly realized this isn't an animated skeleton, just a mortal remains of some previous adventure long gone to 14. The bones, it appears, has been had been wired together and hung up behind the door as a frightener. You step forward, boots crunching on the bits of hacked-up bones scattered all over the floor. You're standing on, standing on a, in a high-ceilinged, hexagonal chamber with stone-flagged floor and dressed stone-block walls. It's bone-dry, musty, and silent as the tomb. Appropriately, you know. There are double doors set into the northern wall. Let's open them both at the same time. You can... Uh, hopefully open these double doors on page six but in a place like this it might be worth searching for secret passages which you can do at 12 well speaking of i guess we should probably i'm gonna tell you what i've checked and there wouldn't be a door even if we rolled all right Mm -hmm. so i do feel like checking for a secret passage will murder us but i also want to do it because i don't want to know that it was the correct choice and we just didn't search he is Here's my offer. I guarantee it won't kill us, and it's because the game is still at this point trying to teach us to use secret passages. And if, like, if in your tutorial True. you're like, here's how you drink a health potion. Whoops, it went down the wrong pipe and you died. Like, no one's using a health potion in your game. <laughs> it's true. Let's see if Game Design 101 holds up on page 12. <laughs> Bit of luck there, Pip. You have not discovered a secret door. Oh. You've actually discovered three. Oh. Two lead into narrow little tunnels, one of which runs southwest, the other southeast. The third gives access to a wider corridor running east. Which now has me wondering, it's like that, uh, just that the gamer instinct where it's like, oh no, this is the right way. I was supposed to, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was supposed to test the double doors and die. Yeah. This is the right way. I, I need to, I, but... The herbs, the green herbs, are in the other direction. The bullets. I need the bullets for my gun. I understand. There's a page over there that Alan Wake wrote, and if I read it, it'll tell me what's happening. Yeah. Oh, this is not the time for this. But have you? Are you playing the second one? Is it good? Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, anyways, so southwestern tunnel leads to fifty-three, southeast to thirty-three. The corridor east may be entered on page eighteen. What do we think about that corridor east? It's the closest to what we like. So I say mm-hmm. yes. We like north, we like east here. The corridor runs eastward for quite a distance before turning abruptly south and ending in an impressive set of double doors, which you may try to open on page 25. Or you are, of course, free to return. I mean, I It only makes sense, right? They're double doors. I we know love, those are good. We love those. The doors open easily into a large, high-ceiling chamber, the walls of which slope outwards to the south, and then to the south wall, there's a single door. 
closed, possibly openable on page 16, which is your only option here since the doors which you entered from have closed behind you and will not open again. Mm, okay, so we do have the ability, it's worth noting, uh, to return to page 12 flawlessly uh, and in doing so go out those other entrances. So I'm just going to like 12 with a little circle around it to say, hey, there's like two undone things here. Great. So to page 16, since it's the only option. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, we knew this. You're back yeah. outside, standing by the fourth entrance of, of the tomb, to be exact, which you can explore on 51, if you wish. Alternatively, bloop, 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 all the other ones. Okay. So uh, what that means is that these uh, tombs inside are interconnected via at least the secret rooms. Yeah. Uh, and because of that... Uh, the, the fourth area was dangerous because we entered it in the wrong direction. Yeah, interesting. The second area seems to give us access possibly to... I mean, it had three secret doors. Maybe the second area gives us access yeah. to each of the other areas. I don't know. Let's go to page 12. and I, I like the idea of exhausting pathways. I love it. Southwestern or southeastern? Uh, southeastern is still at least a little east. Perfect. 33. The tunnel runs southeast for only a short distance before ending in a one-way door. As you step through, you find yourself in a large chamber open to the south, but with double doors set into the wall to the north. Hmm. Even a passing glance will tell you going south will take you outside. If you want to leave, you can still try the other entrances. But you also have the option of opening the double doors with a flourish on page 80. Okay. Uh, with a flourish? I mean... I've always wanted to open double doors with a flourish. I tried to do it recently, but they killed me about it. All right. Let's go to page 80. They wouldn't do it twice, right? Thunk. As you fling back the doors with a flourish, you have just enough time to catch a glimpse of the solid wall beyond the built-in spring-loaded mechanism that launches a spear that impales you directly through the belly button. Assuming you have one. And protrudes alarmingly out the out the back for a loss of twenty life points. Uh, hanging from the end of the spear is a scrap of parchment on which is written the words, "I did warn you." Signed, Grot the Honor. If this unexpected development kills you, go to fourteen. If not, twisting the spear while screaming loudly will remove the weapon from your body. <laughs> After which, you may leave this disastrous chamber, go outside, and select another entrance to the tomb. All right. Uh, let's see. <sighs> Back well, to so that doesn't give us any new options whatsoever, and we don't even get to keep the spear. <laughs> we get to keep the wound. Uh, we don't get to keep our belly button anymore. All right. No, we no longer have one. Let's. I mean, let's just go to fifty-three. Let's exhaust and let's see how many ways this kills. Or do we just have a large belly button? Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> The secret passage ends in a one-way door, which gives you access to a second passage running due north-south. What? Due north-south. Yes, so it's going up and down. It's, it's oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Okay. I just, I knew that directions were messy here, so. There's a daylight, there's daylight filtering in from the south. Well, to the north, the passage stops abruptly at a dead-end wall. Set into this wall, however, is a small lever, uh, which you may, of course, feel somewhat tempted to pull. If you do so, turn to 44... Should you prefer to find out about the daylight by going south, turn to eight. Two options. I mean, 
I'll tell you, 100% of the time, that daylight is back outside. It's true that it should be. If they've got, like, a sunroof in this mountain, I'm just going to be endlessly impressed. <laughs> now I want to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah worst case outside, scenario. We, just we know we can get back yeah, to 12 we, yeah, and then 53, yeah. Yeah, great. All right. Eight. You're back outside, standing by the first entrance of the tomb, to be exact. All right. So let's loop-a-doop all the way back to 44, I guess. Uh, absolutely. So that would be uh, heading back in through the secret entrances and then going north in that tunnel instead. With a dreadful rumbling noise, a huge stone slab slides from one of the side walls, completely sealing off the southern entrance to the corridor. You stand in utter darkness, wondering what to do next. And with limited options, one might add. You might try running out running at the stone slab with your head, in which case turn to 24, or waiting patiently to starve, in which case try 14, or pushing back the lever the way you found it. Which EJ considers far too easy a solution. On page 68. Okay, so 44, mm. we actually have options. 24. We do indeed. Let just, just quickly... die. We can also no just... secret door, never mind. We can also just die on page 14. Mm, that's appealing, that's appealing. I mean, running into the stone slab with our head cannot be good. It can't All right. so be good. Let me pitch the situation in which I think it could be. This is like a... Uh, th this is illusory magic, I will start with. Yes. Right? So there's many different ways in which that could occur. But the trick here is that if we haven't hit the switch, the bl the brick wall is actually there. It's just invisible. And so, you know, you'd run into it and stumble and thump and blah. Uh, whereas when it's visible, it's not actually tangibly there. I'm not sure, sure that's true, but that's the only way in which it would work in my head for running directly at it to be appropriate. And do you want to test that theory? Absolutely. 24. <laughs> All right, let's go see... If this is special illusory magic. Thunk. Ouch. That whimsical decision of yours just cost you 15 life points. If it kills you, go to 14. Otherwise, go back to page 44 and reconsider your options. Well, I got great news. We're almost um, unconscious. <laughs> We're on eight health. I mean, that's great. We we have the secret path back in here. Not that... That is this, true. If 68 isn't the option, then we are... <laughs> this place sucks. <laughs> 68. Swiftly, you push the lever back to its original position. I don't really think that's going to do anything, EJ remarks in the darkness. You might be right, but then again, you might get lucky. Throw two dice and note the result. Now throw again. If your second throw scores higher than the first, turn to 74. Otherwise, go to 86. Do you feel like you are rolling high or low today? I don't know. I haven't rolled. Well, wait, okay. I've rolled. I rolled a six and a four. So, oh dear. Roll... So I have to beat that now. No, 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 no. That's what I did in the past. Oh, okay. So you're rolling high today. Do you want to roll second? Yes. And I've already rolled. Oh, God. Did you beat 12? <laughs> I got 12. <laughs> Which means that it still fails. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, let me just mark down. Dang. 74 and 86. So at 86... Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. Told you so, says EJ, which is the last words you hear since you're now sealed in the Stygian darkness without hope of escape such as time as death itself enters this fateful chamber and claims you at page 14. Okay. 
Okay, 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 okay. So we're dead. But that does dead give number us two. that does give us the I, the reason they put the deathometer. I'm seeing the gimmick of this book very clearly now. Yeah. We kill you a lot. See how many kills you keep, like how few kills you happen to get. I see the gimmick mm-hmm. of this one. Um, Which means, like, mentally, I'm immediately starting to treat death as not a fail state at all. Mm. It's literally just part of the scoring. It's it's like yeah. it's like how some roguelikes, anytime you take damage and they take a score away from you, it's like, sometimes you need to take damage, buddy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, since we're on sometimes the deathbed, should we just go to 74? I think we absolutely should. Like, we could just go until we correctly do it, I guess. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? Well, okay, hold on. I guess. Uh, roll, roll two dice for me. Mm-hmm. Eight. Eleven. I win. We're in. Okay. Puff. There. That doesn't count as a death, even. I'm sure people cared at this point. Uh, but hey, how about that? The slab is sliding back. This must rate as the world's worst trap. All the same, since it never really pays to take too many chances, use Zipply. Zipply. What? Zip swiftly. Zipply. Out of that passage into the bright sunlight and the fresh air, breathing a little too heavily on account of the relief you feel. And here, once again, you're faced with four possible entrances to Grot's tomb. Oh boy. The first is a broad stone flagged passageway, however, reaches an apparent dead end and some 30 feet into the rock face. The second is a narrow, gloomy passageway in which you can find a closed door. Is this the same? It's not the same page. It's exactly the same. It's not the same but, page. It's exactly the same description as was given us to yes, uh, first seeing here. Different page options, though, right? No, I don't believe so. No, these are the same option. Wait, no. Oh, wait, yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the fourth is a single door to the side of the cliff. It's the same thing. There's still an opportunity to retrace your steps, which ultimately will leave you back on page forty-seven. Otherwise, you can go to the first entrance on seven. Second at 17, third at 22, or the fourth at 51. Huh. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. So. So we've been in through the second, and we've been in through the fourth. So I believe 7 and 22 should both be new entrances for us. Okay. 30. Oops. So it's the same as 36. I just want to examine if it's different for some reason. No, no. No, it's, it's all the same. All right. Do you have a preference between 7 or 22? Uh, I'm going to say 7. All right. Carefully, you enter the passageway, tapping the walls to either side in the hope of discovering a secret door. Uh, at one point, towards the end of the eastern wall, there is indeed a hollow sound. But try as you might, you cannot find an actual opening. You continue to the dead end, facing what seems to be a solid rock, except for now you're close. Now that you're close, you can see, set into the rock, a small lever. Which... You may, of course, feel somewhat tempted to pull. If you do so, turn to 44. Otherwise, you can return to 36 and reconsider your options. I mean, I want to know... Uh, yeah, right? We just... Uh, I would recommend Wait. not. Only because this is the exact same lever we pulled just same... before. Yeah, that so takes us to 44. Yeah, exactly. So what yeah. was happening was two was taking us through all of those secret passages to uh, you know other parts of the area. So we've already explored all of one. Uh, and when we went through eight, we were exiting uh, through the first door. So yeah, we, we're we done with that one. All right. Path complete. I guess on to 
22. We'll head back outside and go through the third door on 22. Have we? Did we land on 22? Anyways, you step into the open chamber and move cautiously towards the double doors to the north. As you approach, you can see the handles have been roped together and the knots of the ropes have sealed, been sealed with wax, which bears the imprint of a mystic insignia. Hanging from the seal is a small, tight roll of parchment. Gently remove it, the spider, or remove the spidery, what? Parchment and unroll it. Written in a spidery hand, not unlike that of Merlin, is the message. These doors have been sealed for your safety. To attempt to open them will occasion you grievous bodily harm, perhaps even death. Please proceed back to the entrance in an orderly manner. Signed, Grot the Hoddle. Well, all right. So this it's- is the warning that Grot said that he gave us on the page yes. where we got uh, flung with a spear. Interesting. Does that mean Grot isn't dead after all? If he is just, if he is as eccentric a wizard as Merlin, he may just be living in odd places. But be that as it may, what are you going to do about the message? If you want to leave, you can still try the other entrance. Nope. But you definitely have options. The option of using old EJ to cut open the rope, which allows you to open the double doors with a flourish on page 80, which we have done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so That was how we earned a new belly button. Very true. So, okay. That's we've done 74. 62 to 6 is the only thing we haven't done. Right? Uh and where was where was 62? That was when it situated? was um oh god, it was early on. You can inspect you can open the double doors onto page six or search for secret passages on twelve. That's if we elected to not search for secret passages. Right, right, right. So this is entering through the third door where the skeleton uh, ambushes us, uh, or rather we are ambushed uh, by a uh, completely unanimated skeleton. Uh, yes. And then instead of searching, searching for the secret passages, cool, let's do it. These double doors have to be good, right? Surely. Curse splat. <laughs> As you touch the handles of the double doors, a viciously barbed spear propelled by <sighs> hidden spring flashes out to impale you through the solar plexus. By the time you manage to rip the weapon from your quivering flesh, you will have lost a double dice roll of life points. That's it? Uh, if this oh, kills you, snake eyes! go to page 14. If not, you have the option of returning to 62 to reconsider your options. Or if you're feeling really Looney Tunes, having another try at the double doors on page 20. At this point... How likely is it that they put two spears in there, right? Like, does it have a reloading mechanism? I bet not. It's unlikely. Curse splat. (laughs) Oh, no. As you touch the handles of the double doors, another viciously barbed spear propelled by a hidden spring flashes out to impale you through the solar plexus. By the time you manage to rip it out of the uh, quivering flesh and plug what is now turning into a very large hole, you will have lost a second double dice roll of life points. Uh, if it kills, it go to 14. If not, you have the option of returning to 62 to reconsider the options given there. Or gulp, having another try at the double doors on 32. They can't have three. It's not possible. We lost 10 health to that spear, by the by. We're down on 43 at this point. All right. 32, where there cannot be another one. Not at all. Curse splat. That is the sound of the spring trap set behind the double doors. 
fortunately, quite harmless now, since it's run out of spears. You step through and do the doors, and silently behind you, of their own accord, they close. You spin around and try to desperately open them, but to no avail. Quite obviously, you are trapped, perhaps forever, in this... In this... You turn around to figure out what exact, where exactly you're trapped forever, and discover you've entered a long, dimly lit gallery running due north-south. Along the right-hand wall are hung seven full-length life-size portraits of what appear to be giant dwarfs. Along the left-handed wall are huge oil paintings of graveyards. To the northern end of the gallery is a dark archway beyond which you cannot see. And here's an interesting development. Lying in the southeast corner is an old sack of the sort of, the sort of adventurers would frequently use when they can't afford a backpack. Inside it is half a bottle of healing potion, good for three doses, each of which will restore a double dice roll of life points. Somebody's loss is your gain, Pip. Okay, we've unlocked absolutely a new whole section here. As uh huh. If you want to examine the portraits closely, turn to 21. If you like to browse along the graveyard scenes, 27. Search the right hand wall for secret doors on 38. Left hand wall on 50. Take a closer look at the dark archway, turn to 69. Holy moly. So we just had to get to. What does that teach us about the book we're going to be reading here? We needed to get... We needed to avoid searching for secret rooms actively. And we needed to take a spear to the chest twice and say, yeah, let's go again. Mm -hmm. Re-up. Yeah. Uh, another one. <laughs> I kind of like it now. <gasps> All right. Okay. Do you have an immediate lean out of these available pages? I do not. I was taking all that time to write down the uh, plethora of options we now have. Sounds great. I um, would really like to look at those portraits. I, They're uh, giant yeah. dwarves. I like the thought of that, and also, yes. And also, it doesn't seem dangerous, and it seems to just be information. But we will see. Exactly. <laughs> no. On closer inspection, the portraits turn out to not be giant dwarves at all, but a small selection of Grothahadl's ancestors. Each portrait is identified in small brass plaques set into the bottom of its frame, and the seven are, in all their own voices... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fangthane the Terrible, the father of Grot. Goody Scratch, the grandmother of Grot. Boris Dreepdango, the great angle of Grot. The Reverend Lancelot Bong, good friend of Grot's mother. Langerin Stokes III, Grot's grand, great-grandmother. Doomdark Moonshine, the great-grandfather of Grot. Hal and Aaron O'Shaughnessy. Grot's second cousin, twice removed by Undertakers. And that is Raps's audition reel. <laughs> yep, I mean, hey, I, w I was told you should have eight voices on there, so those plus Merlin. That'll do it. <laughs> and a right ugly looking bunch they are, too. Now return to 32 to select your next option. Is there some reason? Also, the Reverend, Le the Reverend Lancelot Bong, good friend mm -hmm. of Grot's mother. Interesting. So the thing is, that easily could be Lancelot Dulac. Oh my god. Lancelot Bong is his name? Okay. That's true. I can see why he changed it to, to Lancelot Delac. <laughs> he was walking around looking for things that he could interact with that he would be named after. 
in order to get yeah. <laughs> a slightly more serious name for resume entries. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I don't... Hmm. Just trying to figure out if there's anything... Information-wise, yeah. Yeah, to, to really lock away. So there's the people that are related to Grot, who it's possible theoretically we could interact with at some point in time and be like, oh, uh, I happen to know that blah, 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 blah. Alternatively, the thing that stands out here exactly is the Reverend Lancelot Bong, which is all of the rest of these are direct relations. You know, second cousin twice removed still technically counts in this instance uh, as a direct relation to Grot, whereas the Reverend is just a good friend of Grot's mother. Yeah. All right, well, back to 32. Okay. Uh, I feel like browsing the graveyard scenes feels like another look-don't-touch kind of safe moment, but I could mm -hmm. be wrong. Let's do it. Seems like a good info gather in a safe way. Who knows? These scenes are quite tastefully executed, considering the subject matter, indicating an unhealthy obsession with tombs, open graves, rotting corpses, and the like. Several are identified by rhyming couplets, which of which is a typical example reading the grave of scrat who ate his horse he's dead of course now turn to 32 to pick another option scrat who ate his horse if, if these things become relevant i'm going to be over the moon about it yeah uh search the right-handed wall for secret doors left-handed wall on 50 should you take a looking close archway on Mm. It definitely have... feels like that dark archway is going to be our exit, but for what it's worth, secret doors also probably form an exit as well. Yeah. Left-handed door? Well, let's do it. 50. How interesting. A section of the wall has slid back much like something in a very old... And very bad... Horror movie. Revealing a westward running corridor, Westward Ho at 67 will take you where the corridor leads, but you can also go back to all the other options. Mm. Let's note that 67 is an available option and then yes. go check the right-hand wall for secrets. Yes. You got lucky, Pip. Scrabbling behind a portrait of a cross-eyed hunchback. Which a small plaque identifies as Doom Dark Moonshine, great-grandfather of Grot. You discover a narrow corridor running east. If you're interested in where this corridor leads, you may turn to 43. Otherwise, pick another option. Two separate, disparate paths... Hmm. Interesting. Indeed. Do we want to choose to take one of these paths, or do we want to have a look at the shadowy corridor? I kind of want to look at the door, because I feel like it will kill us, is kind of my thought, but I could be wrong. Let's do it. That's odd. Uh, what's that? EJ asks, having possibly taken mind-reading lessons from Merlin. Shut up, EJ. I'm trying to think. In fact, you're trying not to worry. The archway is still dark, despite the fact that you're holding your lantern right up to it. Something about it seems to absorb the light, but whatever's happening, you cannot see through the archway. The question being whether you want to walk through the archway, which you can attempt to do on 48. Alternatively, since there's no one here, you can chicken out and go back to any of the other options. Okay. Interesting. Many a choice has been presented upon us. What do you think? I'm probably least likely to proceed into the impermeable darkness. Mm. Uh, what, well, you chicken? Uh, maybe. A little. Yeah. Etc. Um, 
<clears throat> that's an egg. Um, I think <laughs> one of these secret paths leads to the east, and oh boy, that sounds good to me. Yeah, wait, which one was that? Safety. Uh, I believe that was the, on the second one that we checked. Um, cannot remember which the second one we checked was. Eight quarter running east to forty-three. Yep, forty-three. Curse splat. No, you're in an east-west. Or west-east, if you prefer. Corridor, which ends in stone steps downwards to the east and a door to the west. You may descend the steps to 28 or open the western door on 23. But doors have been so darn nice to us. Mm. Although I imagine that western door takes us immediately back into the room we just came from. Probably. Should we then cross that off and confirm? Or... Uh, sure. All right. Uh... You find yourself in a rectangular room, which seems to have been lined floor, walls, and ceiling with some type of blue metal sheeting. An open corridor running west while a closed door is set in the middle of the east wall. Uh, the western corridor will take you to 58. If you're interested in the door on the east wall, turn to 43. Or you may, of course, search for secret doors on 72. Huh. Hmm? How? We went east from a previous, and I... Hmm. So I, I'm going to assume that it's it's one of those secret doors that's one direction, and as soon as we went through it, we were now in a position where we don't have the ability to return through that same secret passage to the previous one. Yeah, I think so. So the east wall 43, we have been. That's how we got here. Western corridor uh, 58, or search for secret doors on 72. I I mean I'm happy I'm happy for either um i believe that 58 uh is uh is is where we've been have we i don't have it marked off anywhere but that doesn't mean it doesn't eventually so good you want to find out like to <laughs> yeah let's let's go check it let's go let's go find out since this seems wacky ah 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 ah, ah. 58 wait what it might be another instance of uh, two different pages referring to similar yeah, area this is, text. This, yeah, it is the, um, it's all the same options as before, but it's on page 58 instead of page 32. That is, yeah, that's interesting. So they're all the exact same options, though, bringing us the same, mm -hmm. the archway, the secret walls. Yeah, okay. All right, confirmed. So we have that confirmed. So let's go to 72. Let's finish off that path. Perfect. Looking for a secret door. Secret the door. Wahoo. Wahoo. Yep, you found one. Slap bang in the middle of the southern wall of the chamber. Uh, it opens into a roomy corridor. Running due south for 50 feet or so before ending in a closed door. You which, which you may try to open on page 46. Or ignore by returning to the chamber you just left from on 23. Why would we ever just? Unless we know that this is bad. Nope. We don't know it's bad. We've got to figure that out manually. Yeah, let's let's go to 46 to find out that it's bad. Hmm. Curse splat the door. Which proves to be one way, after it slams shut automatically behind you. Opens into a corridor running east-west. The western aspect leads into a door on 52. The east, the corridor runs and turns sharp, sharply south to end in a door. Opens to 25. Okay. 52. So either of these lead to somewhere we've been, as far as you know? We've been to 25 before. Okay. So, 
I'm going to say we've been to 25 before. Let's go to the Western aspect on 52. Hmm. You open the door and step forward, boots crunching on the bits of hacked up bone. We've been here. We've been here mm -hmm. or somewhere basically yeah, this, like this. Th this was where we were. Uh, th this was, I guess, the third entrance. This was where we found the skeleton and assaulted ourselves with its inanimate remains. But interestingly enough, that was on page 62. So this is another one of those where it's like, huh. So we're getting, huh. There's so many mo duplicate pages that they're just like, yeah, I'm not going to send mm. you back to 62. You're going to have to go here to find out that you're screwed in the same exact way. All right. Mm -hmm. So that loops us back around all the way back to 43, in which we would choose to descend the steps instead. Yeah, that definitely seems... So th this is taking the passage on the left-hand secret door in the gallery... Uh, in order to get back into that corridor and then descending the steps. I, I like that because descending the steps to me is, you know, the the universal game's way of telling you, hey, you're making progress. That's the hope. 28. Funny smell down here, Pip. A mixture of rot and, and gas. Hold your breath. Quick. No. Too late. You've breathed it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have smelled it. Roll two dice. Score below seven and the gas gets you and you die. Seven or better, and you may stagger up to either 43 or eastward along the corridor to 66. 40. Well, I'll roll one of them if you roll the other. Okay. Mm -hmm. I rolled a four. Okay, I rolled a three. I, was, I thought I beefed it for us. Or, no, wait. that's all good. Seven, oh, seven or, or better, okay. and you okay. can stagger. All right. Either to 43 or eastward along the corridor to 66. 43 is where we came from, right? It seems to be what it's implying, but we came from 46. No, we bent 43 is way back. Yeah, we've been to 43 a while mm. ago. Cool. Let's go eastward along this poisonous corridor to 66. Get our kicks. On page 66. Afraid your troubles aren't over yet, Pip. Inhaling that gas costs you 15 life points of lung damage. If he kills, you go to 14. If not, you can go up to 43 or through the door on 49. Our lungs are now critically wounded, so we're going to need a, a, a stim pack to heal that. But we've got 28 health points remaining, so we can go all the way across to uh, the door on 49. I mean, if the uh, spear thing is anything to go on, this is probably the correct choice. Mm-hmm. You've entered a 10 by 10 chamber with a door in the east wall. Unfortunately, that's not all that's in there. Several flagstones have been removed from the middle of the floor and a hole six by three dug in the ground beneath. At one end of the hole has been set, wait, at one end of the hole has been set, of all things, a tombstone, so that if you weren't in an underground chamber, you'd swear the hole was meant to be a grave. An open grave. But since it can't be an open grave, of course, you take a brave step forward, hesitating only when out of the open grave. <laughs> deep hole! It's just a deep hole! Possibly left by miners. Climbs two rotting corpses of distinctly billous green hue. They look at you and scream which may give you some indication of how the corpses look at you and scream. Terrifying. Wait, wait, which, oh, 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 oh. There's a picture and there's a, there's, there's like a little picture of two guys going, ah! and underneath it, it, it says the this, corpses look at you and scream. It's cut funny. This picture slaps. It's, it's so good. Mm. It's a, it's like a rock and roll or like a death metal album. It's good. A hundred percent. 
uh, which may give you indication of how terrifying you look these days, or may simply suggest you've encountered a brace of dreaded screaming green mummies often used by sorcerers to guard the precious objects or gold. Each mummy has 25 <laughs> life points and hits successfully on a five or better. They do dice damage only, but a score of 12 by the mummy indicates a dreaded scream, which will mangle your brains and instantly kill you. If you survive this encounter, turn to 37 or go to recuperate on page 14. <laughs> All right. Mm. All right. Roll for initiative. Oh, two. Oh, three. Ha. All right. That'll be the mummy first. Eight. That is an eight, which does not do damage anymore, does it? Uh, Wait, on a five or better? Oh, yes, with the dragon skin jacket. Yeah. Exactly. It would have done three damage, but it gets reduced by four. Oh, it's good to be back. <sighs> Remember that glorious period of time where we were wearing the dragon skin and a leather jacket? <laughs> it was like, nothing can harm us. That was great. And then they stopped doing it because they're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just the touch. Uh, we wind up with EJ for his first swing of the adventure and do seven damage to the first mummy. All right. He reaches out and goes, another eight, but a different style. It's a six and a two instead of a four and a four. Mm -hmm. Actually, so you would need to roll a 10 to do one damage, 11 to do two, and then 12 kills us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Been there. EJ does uh, a, a, a very, very solid job of slightly incrementally increasing his damage, doing one more than last time, leaving the first mummy on 10 HP. Ooh, that's a six and a, okay, and a three. That's a nine. All right, that's a damage, right? Wait, no. Uh, no, 10's the first damage. Wait, yeah, yeah. But on a five or better, so that's five, four. Yep, you're right. <laughs> that's, yep, 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 yep. They didn't give him any modifiers. Ooh. That's crazy. EJ, what are you up to? We do 11 with EJ for the final swing on this mummy, uh, which I'm going to say uh, just straight up decapitates it. And we don't even hear the sound of its head hitting the ground of this deep, deep hole. Wah! It screams as it falls. Uh, seven, which is definitely not a damage. All right, you wanna you wanna join your friend? I uh, guess not. EJ uh, swings wide as the mummy dodges. Okay, that is a that is a nine. These are some good rolls that would be annoying if we didn't have armor. Mm-hmm. And yet we do. Uh, and what we also have is another seven damage for the first strike on mummy number two with a slash across its chest. That is. A six, which is a hit, but why even? I basically should just roll like 10 times and see if I get a 12. <laughs> see if I should even care. Uh, perfect. That's another seven damage to the mummy number two. Uh, I'm going to say that EJ was still stuck in the chest of the uh, mummy uh, from the previous one and withdrawing it in a uh, large flourishing blow. Uh, completely shatters the sternum of this mummy. Plow. That's a dead. Oh. oh no 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 no! Sorry, it's still alive. Just a shattered sternum. I mean, it's a mummy. I got a nine, which is nothing. <laughs> and with the final strike, uh, EJ uh, 
I'm going to say EJ uh, doesn't decapitate the second mummy, but removes its body from its head. Decapitation is, of course, <laughs> the process of removing one's head from its body. This is the inverse of that. Uh, and we instead keep the head up on this side and allow the body to go sailing down into the abyss. Second point of experience. Just want to let you know it took me 10 rolls to roll a 10. Oh, and 11 rolls to roll a 12. So. Ooh. Okay, don't roll 12 times. Uh, it could be bad. I got it out. All right. Uh, turn to 37. A lifestyle. That could have been very nasty. In fact, still is very nasty since you've slaughtered them. The screaming green mummies smell even worse than they did before. The good news is, however, there one of them was carrying a healing salve, which will give you f up to five applications, each restoring five life points. If you want to make your way back to this stage, you have to... Face the gas at 28 to press on bravely through the door of the east wall. You should wait. You should turn sword in hand to 29. If you want to make your way back to the stage, you'll have to face the gas at 28. Oh, if you want to make your back, uh, way back at this stage. So it's it would be back to where we came from. It's ah, just we're gotcha. in for a penny. Let's go in for a pound on page 29. 28, 29. You've entered a 10 by 10 chamber with a door in the south wall. Leaning nonchalantly against the wall on either side of it are two zombies, legs crossed at the ankles, picking their teeth. Going somewhere? One of them asks you, smiling. No answer to that, Pip. Except maybe to smash his face in, which you may have to do since both zombies are now attacking you with all the ferocity associated with animated corpses. Who are extremely generally ill-tempted. Each has 25 life points, hit successfully on a 6 or better at plus 2 damage, zombies being somewhat younger than mummies and consequently a bit fitter. On a successful throw of 12, the zombie cornered concerned... Wait, the, the zombie concerned will infect you with a galloping rot which will drain you of your life points at the rate of 3 per combat round or section visited until you take a swig of a healing potion, which you can't do during combat, of course. If you survive, turn to 34. Easy. So for them... Uh, they would need to roll a 9 or above to do any damage. Alright, initiative 2. Ooh, I can beat that. No, I can't. I, I rolled 1. Oh my god! <laughs> Alright, so there's two of them? Yep, both with 25 HP. First one is a 6. That is nothing. Mmm. First one's a 6, which of course, as we know, does a huge amount of damage. Uh, that'll be... Man, for all of these, I believe, I've done 7 damage with the first strike. All of them go from 25 to 18 on the first strike, just by ritual, by tradition. Yeah. I I would suggest maybe we consider spells if we weren't going to absolutely obliterate them. Mm, exactly. Uh, a 6, that's nothing. Ooh, 4, that's only 5 damage. That's the least that, uh, well, on a hit that EJ's done so far. Yeah. If we were to pick a fight to not do that well on, this one's kind of fine, because the 12 is not even an instant kill. Exactly. The other ones are legitimately more terrifying than these two. This is an 11, though. So, <gasps> that's definitely damage. So much damage. That's a 7 minus 4. What's that? 3 damage? Mm-hmm. Oh, no! We're barely going to survive that. Okay, swinging back for six damage. We're really, really not doing much to these zombies. I remember a couple books ago, though, where we were just taking, like, 14 damage at every attack from an enemy. It was like, just mm -hmm. deal with it. Just deal with it, man. 
A four. Finally, they miss completely. They haven't been doing a lot of damage, but now they miss. We don't follow suit and strike down the first zombie nonchalantly. Bop. That is a ten. That's a damage, right? That's a... Yep, that'll be two. A... Yep. Ooh, striking back for a uh, nine ourselves. We'll be doing a full ten points of damage. Wow. to uh, the zombie number two, which I believe is going to be flavored as uh, kicking the corpse of zombie number one at zombie number two. Oh, that's so good. And, <laughs> and he is uh, staggered as he gets hit in the head with another head and is he rolls a four. It's nothing. Two heads are better to stun. No. Uh, and then we do five damage back with the uh, world's worst follow-up as EJ is despirited by that pun. And he goes, he, he gives him a little bit of confidence. He strikes back with a nine, which is going to be uh, one damage. We've only got 22 more hit points left. No. Say it is so. Oh, my now, God. Now, if I didn't Turn murder this guy. Behold. Uh... We did. We did murder this guy. I'm going to say that uh, the the uh, zombie number two attempts to make an aggressive action immediately after its previous one, but stumbles over the corpse of zombie number one at its feet uh, and just shatters as soon as it hits the ground. All right. Kasplat, on to 34 we go. Ooh, just before we do that, though. Oh. We're on 22 HP at this point. Should we consider a couple of HP cells? Sure. Glug, 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 so we've glug. got salves for five apiece. We've got five usages of those. Or we've got a double dice roll on the HP, the uh, healing potion. Let's level it. Let's do one of both. Perfect. I got a nine for the roll. Sounds good to me. So that's a total of plus 14, taking us up to 36 out of our total of 55. All right. A search of the zombies reveals little of interest except for a scrap of parchment on one side, which is a last will and testament. Of somebody whose name has been torn off. Well, the other side has been scrawled a few lines of exorable dog rule reading, reading. If you should fail and find yourself out in the rain and hail, it could be you see you were on a false trail. Interesting rubbish. If you want to retrace your steps, you have to face the gas on 28. If you press on bravely through the door in the south wall, you should turn sword in hand to 41. I mean, it only makes sense to continue persisting. Pretty much. 41. You've entered a 10 by 10 chamber with a door in the east wall immediately flanking it are two coffins out of which rise two Sat Saturnine gentlemen with large canine teeth. They're dressed in dark suits and cloaks. Don't suppose you brought the garlic, did you? Each vampire has 22 life points, strikes on fiber better, does plus three fang damage. If he either throws a 12, you will temporarily become a vampire yourself for one round of combat and attempt to bite yourself in the throat <laughs> instead of attacking. This will this contortion will take you five life points, okay? Uh huh. So five are better in plus three. So these guys they're gonna they got potential to hit. Hmm. Which means if they roll a seven or above, they will be doing some damage. Yes. Uh, initiative is once again a two. Perfect for uh. Well, get another roll one. your attack. Yeah. <laughs> you got to roll. Okay, well, <laughs> I got a three. He bites his own neck. 
Oh, that cost him five life points. Ah. The contortion of it all. Uh, ooh, 10 damage to the vampire number one. Whoa. EJ, uh, ah. as we as we strike, EJ belches a little and goes, oh, oh uh, sorry, I had garlic for breakfast this morning. <gasps> oh, no, bleh. And he rolls a four. It's a critical garlic waft. Perfect, perfect work, EJ. And oh my god, that's two sixes. EJ just eviscerates the first vampire entirely. Uh, and in this one, it's not even uh, trying to stab it. It's just EJ recognizing what the gentle waft of garlic did before and just summoning up a much larger belch. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, next one rolls an 11. That's definitely damage. It's an 8. That's uh, 4 damage. Uh, is it 6? Oh, it's on a 5 or better. 3. Yeah. So it's a total of five. Yeah. That's fine. Better than a 12. Because it sounds like a 12 is uh, the damage and the vampire thing, I would assume. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And it would have to be. Um, EJ tries to uh, summon up the courage and uh, the wherewithal and, frankly, just the gas to do so again uh, and manages a tiny pitiful little uh, pip of a burp uh, and the vampire chuckles to himself, and in doing so, bruises his ribs for five damage. <laughs> and he's been caught chuckling on a six. That is, well, I mean, that's a zero. Zero damage. They caught me chuckling. <laughs> bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, EJ takes just another, just another chunk of the enemy. Takes him down to nine HP. All right. Oh, that is a. I got himself snapped out of it a little bit. That's an eight, which is going to be something. That is a two damage. All right. Oh, come on, come on. All I gotta do is just, just nick him. And I do. EJ nicks the uh, vampire. And as it turns out, the vampire's carotid artery is directly below its fourth rib on the left side, uh, which is so happens to be where EJ struck. Don't ask me how the anatomy works for the carotid artery to be there, but the uh, vampire <laughs> bleeds out. <laughs> as the vampire is bleeding out, he's trying to cup the blood and bring it back up to his mouth to drink at the same speed, but it keeps slipping through his fingers and he loses enough vitality to fall over. That's our sixth point of experience this adventure. Oh, if I knew I was so tasty, I might have just eaten myself. Oh, it's me, vampire. Um, my blood type is a ragu. <laughs> All right, to turn to thirty-five because we are alive. Hell yeah! In the pocket of one of the the, vamp the, 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 the vampires' cloak, find a bottle of bright red healing potion. It looks and tastes a bit odd, but it works okay. Six doses, each restoring a double dice roll of life points. In the pocket of the other, you discover a silver key. And it strikes you that this must be a key to the door in the east wall. What? I, we haven't, I mean, hey. But an investigation discovered this door to be unlocked. 
If you want to retrace your steps, you have to go to 28. Otherwise, keep going, sword in hand, to 55. I mean, why would we turn around now, right? It strikes you that this must be the key to the door in the east wall. So one would assume that means earlier. But then it says, but on investigation, you discover this door to be unlocked. I feel like... But then it says the door is on the southern wall. <laughs> I think the directions in this book are out of whack. It, it feels like you're trying to read a compass inside a giant electromagnet. Like, it's just spinning all around. And I'm like, I guess I must be spinning. What? Yeah. Well... 55? Well, at least this isn't another 10 by 10 room. This chamber's, in fact, much larger. Larger? Larger. <laughs> larger. It's larger. Empty, except for what looks like a series of giant budget perches swinging from the ceiling with a door in the northern wall. This door rivets your attention instantly, since above it is a in a prominent notice you'll find. Grot's treasure room. Keep out. Trespasses will be eaten. You've done it, Pip. You've found the treasure room. Have, huh? Have we? Every evil wizard has an evil wizard's treasure room where they keep the things that we use to kill them. Yeah, but for me, it's more just like I just looked down and we're an hour and 36 minutes in, uh, or ish. Could it be that we? Surely not. Let's see. You've done it, Pip. You found the treasure room. Lo loot and booty beyond your wildest dreams live just within the door. Joyfully, you rush forward, forgetting to check those damn perches, which is a pity, because there's a dragon roosting on one of them, and the creature has 45 <gasps> life points, strikes on a four or better, and does a terrifying plus three damage. What's worth, worse, it will breathe fire on a throw of 10 or better, scoring an extra plus 10 damage. Chances are you'll be heading for 14, but if you get out of this alive, you may turn to 39. Well, I mean, we definitely use some spells it's spells time absolutely i will say a fireball kills it it would it would now we would have to roll to create the fireballs that's true i mean the enemy doesn't reduce incoming damage themselves correct we could also go for the the double attack Mmm, Pip's immense rapid repeater. I do, do like that. Yeah. And we could go in for a double damage blaster or something. I don't know. So what's the plus damage one? It's... The plus 10 damage? Uh, plus 10 damage. Pip's outlandish wallop adds plus 10 to the next damage caused by the weapon, uh, by the next blow, rather, delivered by the user. This is additional to damage shown by dice and weapon damage. But it takes three three health to do that. Yes, so no matter what we try, no matter even if we succeed casting the spell, even if we fail, it costs three HP. Yes. So, I mean, I'm down to try to do that and double the damage for six health, because it could be cool. Uh, so there's Pip's Outlandish Wallop, and then the doubling would be uh, Pip's Obliging Power Sword allows Pip to alter EJ's power. When applied, it will double the damage caused by EJ on the next throw, but halve the damage caused on the roll after that. It needs to be used before rolling to determine a hit. Uh, plus 10 damage caused by the next blow delivered by the user, and will double the damage caused by EJ on the next throw. So I'm assuming 
Only because Pip's obliging power sword, uh, doubling the damage caused by EJ from 5 to 10, as in, like, changing the modifier that EJ gives damage, would make it completely useless. It literally wouldn't be a spell. It has to be doubling the ultimate number, which yeah. means, yeah, I would love to wallop and oblige the power sword. Yeah, so do we have to roll to see if these spells even work? I can't remember for those two. Yes, so we need to roll a 7 or more on throw two dice in order to get the spell to work in the first place. I rolled, I rolled a seven. Is I uh, guess I didn't decide which a, that was for. Probably yeah, the first. I, probably the I'm first one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that that's for Pip's immense rapid repeater. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Cool. Uh, the first. It would uh, be the first for the first one we'd logically do. Yes. So we'll lose three HP as a result of that, and one charge of uh, pi r squared. All right. You want to roll for one of them? Hmm. Um. So that would be... The 10 damage buff, probably? I don't know. Yes. Because the other one gets um, rolled before... before After we decide to attack, but before we know the number. Yeah, so... For, for reference, are we treating the obliging power sword as like a free action, but the other ones are still in action? I guess I thought that that was the whole... I, I Otherwise, it has to be right it, I, it seems to make sense to me so that means if we did pip's outlandish wallop here then the dragon responds and then it's our time to shine that sounds right to me let's roll the wallop and we're trading health no Ooh. matter what that's an 11 okay all right well we should also have rolled for initiative i guess oh technically I, true i rolled a two i rolled a three Woo, great. all legal great <laughs> all legal all right all right and Dragon then, gets to take its first strike against us. Don't roll a 10 or better, please. <laughs> oh, gosh. Eight. Not good, but also fine. Mm, could be worse. Four. So that is a... Oh, my gosh. Wait, so seven? Is that what I said? Seven. Yeah. Three, six, four, um, two damage? No, you rolled an eight. So that would be a uh, four plus three. It's three total. Great. I looked at a five and a three on my desk, and I said, that's a seven, even though I already said mm -hmm. it's an eight. <laughs> oh, that's a six, actually. That five right there, that's <laughs> going to be really good for the four that the enemy rolled. They're not even doing damage with a three. So, <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, first off, the free action here, Pip's Obliging Power Sword. That's a six. So that's a... Uh... Fail on its first cast. We're going to try again. Tips. Obliging. Power sword. Absolutely. That's a six. Okay. That's six health. Gone. Mm-hmm. Final time. We have to. Ooh. Now we have to. Absolutely. Come on. Oh, my God. I rolled a one. I saw that, and I, I freaked out, and then the other hit a six. That's a seven, baby. Hey. Now roll your damage and double it. Mm-hmm. You better be good at this point. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Come on. Big numbers. We do hit. That's a good start. <laughs> for as little damage as is theoretically possible as we hit four, which is what EJ hits with in the first place. So we do 15 damage and we double it. So it's to 30. 30 damage. So I mean, it's, it's not that not, bad. It's not that bad. It did take a lot of our health to do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, a ridiculous amount of our health. Does the enemy have the ability to kill us in a single swing at this point? It would only have to do nine damage. 
which means, yes, if it rolls a 10 or more, we're going down. So uh, we have two different options here. We could roll for the damage. If we rolled nine or above, we actually make the enemy unconscious. Uh, alternatively, I don't know. The... Oh! Firefinger puts him at five, doesn't it? Firefinger would put him at five, but the thing is, the Firefinger spell gives you Firefingers that you can then cast, rather than casting Firefinger. I guess I thought that we always logically did it immediately, and, and like, but I guess maybe we didn't. We, mm, we might have to have to make sure we do that next time. I wait, what allows you to? So we can either roll a spell and make ourselves more vulnerable to the enemy and possibly take them out instantly. An example of being able to do that would be uh, Pip's attacking dart. That's just 10 damage straight to the enemy. It's literally just like a fire finger for us, basically. Yeah. It never misses, provided the spell is properly cast and causes 10 damage points. So we can either roll a seven or above to try and hit that, or we can try and roll a natural attack against the enemy, in which case, does a nine kill us? That'd be five plus three? Minus sure four. No, a nine wouldn't kill us. The enemy would need to roll a ten or a better to kill us on their response. I mean, I'm willing to chance it, but also I'm willing to spend the resources. So, on you, Pip. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend the resource of the Pip's attacking dart, and the reason I believe this is the right thing to do is because, uh, if we fail this, we leave ourselves on eleven HP. And then if the enemy rolls a 9, which is the only safe value for us anyway, we still survive... Do we still fully survive that? 9, 5, plus 3, 4... Yeah, we would only take 4 damage. So we would go down to a, a still standing up value. Uh, whereas if they roll a 10, we're dead no matter what. Yeah. Pips attacking dart. Uh, we're going to... Uh, lift a a, a, a a shoot of bamboo that we keep around our uh, pocket at all times. Take a deep breath, purse our lips up against it, and uh, we fire a dart directly into the roof. That roof's going to be sorry it fought us. Ooh. Wait, hang on. Oh, sorry, that wait, hang on was uh, me uh, in oh, character recognizing the roof. It's not my actual enemy. All right, all right, all right. So now, oh boy. Don't roll 10 or above. The first roll's a one. It's a good sign. Oh, that's not possible, man! Oh, yeah, right. That's not possible. And the second rolls a four, which is a hit, but it doesn't do damage. Bah, 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 bah. Dragon sucks. Now, we <laughs> still have Pyar Repeater activated. Exactly. It's time to attack step, step one is, yeah, attack and then see how we feel after that. You know, I really been liking the, the sound of it when people call you Pip the Dragon Slayer. I wonder what that's all like. Let me figure it out. EJ figures it out with a plum as he strikes across the uh, point on a dragon and it's really difficult to tell this point because it happens for a long area the bottom of the neck and the top of the torso any of that general space ej strikes Kerplan. all of that available space frankly and the dragon goes down for the count curse splat would you like to heal for many. Oh, I would love to heal. We Let's have for many eight unused potions from uh, HP. <laughs> okay. I'll roll. I got a seven. I got a nine. 
So 16, 16 total for from me. your two usages. I'm going to roll two as well. A seven and a six is another 13, 16 for a total of 29. That would take us back up to 40. That seems good to me. Cool, cool. We have four remaining health pot charges. We have some salve too, right? We do. We have four remaining salves right. as well. Each of those for plus five HP. If we wanted to get back to maximum, we could use three salves. But I, I fear that there is still a likelihood of turning to a page that's like, you're dead, buddy. Go to 14. Yeah. All right. If you get out of this alive, you may now turn to page 39. Okay. Just. 39. <laughs> Wait, 39? Yeah, 39. If you take the time to skin the dragon, you can use the hide to make yourself a dragon skin jacket, which will act as a minus five on any damage scored against you in any future adventure. It won't be any good to you now, of course, since tailoring dragon is skin is slow, painstaking job, only to be tackled when the present adventure is finished, which won't be too long now by the look of it, so swiftly you race towards the door to the north, and it is locked. But if you happen to be carrying a silver key, turn to page 42. We got a dragon right before we do jacket. that. Hmm. That is, that is uh, going to be handy in the Minus future. five instead, yeah. Um... Right before we do this, though, should we prepare ourselves with fireballs and yes. and fire fingers, and then maybe we potion up after that? If this if this actually is the finale, I don't, which I, I, it, it would be wild. They wouldn't have used any numbers from one hundred up. <laughs> they would have, I bet, on the other locations. That's true. That's true. So you roll in the potion. Uh, the spell? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I'm rolling for Firefinger first, which we cast immediately without a problem, which is great. Uh, oh no, Firefinger is one of the spells that says once cast successfully, it may not be cast again. Same for Fireball. Gotcha. So we can do it as many times as we want, but it keeps on taking health? Because uh, it's once cast successfully. You So it would still probably have the same thing of the others, of you can try and cast it three times and gotcha. then it's done. Yeah, that's right, that is, that's right. Yeah, for Firefinger itself, just if you ever cast it successfully, you now have ten charges of Firefinger for the future. Great. Oh, um, for Fireball. Perfect. That Please is do. an eight. Love it. And then maybe we take a salve or so. Uh, we are down now on 34 uh so like two solves gets us back up to 44 let's do it let's uh, do it all right uh if you happen to be carrying a silver key turn to page 42 otherwise retrace your steps through the gas on 28 which they really want us to do but on to 42 have a quick look at our inventory a silver key is in here oh well 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 carefully you insert the silver key in the lock and carefully you try to turn it it won't turn. It's the wrong key. You scream in anguish and beat your head violently against the door. Then you pull yourself together and try turning the key the other way. And the door opens, allowing you to peer in and view the incredible scene on page 64. What a breathtaking sight. What an incredible display. What a dazzling cornucopia. You've entered a chamber so stacked with treasure that it almost unhinges your mind. Chests of gold and silver, caskets of gem, racks of ivory, piles of jade everywhere you look is booty worth a king's ransom. This is the big one, Pip. There's enough here to keep a Merlin happy and give you a small bonus. Say a few hundred thousand billion. For living expenses. 
There's even a solid gold wheelbarrow in one corner to help you carry off the loot. And best of all, you've won through again. Your skill, courage, and intelligence have beaten off every adversary and taken you directly to your destination. All that remains is to collect up as much as you can shovel into that wheelbarrow and troll back to Merlin's rock egg house. Oh, I don't trust any. I don't trust this, it this at all. It feels too easy. It feels too easy. To determine the value of the loot, you can pack into the golden wheelbarrow, roll two dice ten times, and add the results. Uh, now multiply your answer by a million, <laughs> add 500,000 as the value of the wheelbarrow itself, <laughs> and your final total is the value of your haul in gold pieces. There's half a, a half-hidden door in the west wall, which opens to a narrow tunnel directly leading outside again. From whence you can trundle your wheelbarrow directly to 45, where Merlin is waiting to lavish his gratitude upon your deserving shoulders. Asterisk. I mean, I put that there. I don't... Mm. This... We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see if that's the case. Would you like to roll uh, five sets of these two dice and just add them up yourself, yeah. and I will uh, do the same? Cool, cool. 38. That makes the math very easy, as I rolled 32, taking us to a total of 70. We have 70.5 uh, 70. million. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Let's go to 45. Mm-hmm. All right. What? Says Merlin. Back already? He glances greedily at the golden wheelbarrow and nonchalantly picks up a gold piece which might otherwise have fallen off. It was nothing, you say, grinning. As you said, just a dull, boring little routine money-collecting adventure, as you predicted. There was one dragon, though, before I found the gold, but I... You hesitate suddenly, having caught a sight of Merlin's expression as he bites the gold piece to test it. What's the matter? You ask. Oh, this isn't gold, you idiot! Screams Merlin. It's chocolate wrapped in foil! <laughs> Screams Merlin. Wait, the he leaps forward, robes flying, and begins to scrabble in the wheelbarrow. No, oh, more chocolate! Uh, jelly babies painted silver! These gems are really sugar crystals! Oh, you've been sold a pup-pip! This isn't real loot at all! The whole load could be worth more than one and a half gold pieces at Glastonbury Market! The enormity of the development hits him and the begin and begins to foam at the mouth, partly from distress and partly from the absent-minded instinct, which caused him to to stuff in several jelly babies. Dumkopf! He shouts, lapsing momentarily into his native Welsh. Grot the huddle must have pulled the wool over your eyes. He begins to wave his hand wildly, muttering terrible spells into his beard. Hey, what are you doing? You cry in sudden alarm. I was sending you back, of course! Shrieks Merlin furiously. I want my money! At which a silent thunderclap carries you back in time and space to page 36. What? That being directly outside Grot's tomb. Okay. So there's a... Oh. Well, what was the wheelbarrow made out of? Yeah, it's big chocolate wheelbarrow. I'm it, certain that wasn't just chocolate. You wouldn't be able to wheel around the rest of it in chocolate. Interesting. Interesting. 
<laughs> so it's like the story of that guy who uh, <laughs> who would leave his work with a wheelbarrow that the uh, the security would check every single day when he left work to make sure he wasn't stealing anything, and they never found anything in there. He quit 20 years later, having stolen 371 wheelbarrows. <laughs> uh, hmm. You know? This seems, is interesting. This seems like a... Because here's what I kind of want to do. Is I kind of want to take time to look and cross-reference... The, oh God, the pages we've been to with the secret doors to see if we got screwed over. But, because we definitely did not roll every time. We didn't roll every single time because that's tedious. Mm. Uh, but there are a couple other, yeah, there's a couple other things here too. There's, there's the I... secret door and then the portal. But I think perhaps that might be something for us to handle tomorrow. Sounds like a good idea. All right. It's a whole new day, and we're in the same place. <gasps> Outside of the four different tomb options uh, that would purport Grot to be dead, though we seem to uh, believe otherwise. I think at this point, it'd be... Oh, I'd, okay, you know what? There's two options that I'd be okay with. He's not dead, or he is mm -hmm. undead. Those are both fine. Okay, okay. Could I interest you in the possibility that he's extremely dead and we just have to hunt down a bunch of red herrings until we find his grave and then grave rob? No. Okay, fair enough then. All cool, right. I hope he's undead too. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of so, a ghost, ghoulie, etc. So we had on page 32, we had a couple loose ends. This was Kersplat. Oh, Oh, this is the page where we've opened the door with the spring-loaded spear for the third time, hoping we didn't get impaled, and it actually did not mm -hmm. impale. Uh, we had two options unexplored here. Mm -hmm. 67, which... It, wait, what? Wait. No. 67, sorry? 60, 67, which comes from page 50. Page 50, which is the secret door right, in the yes. left-hand wall on page 50. So that leads be... to 67. Those would be, I believe, the ones behind the portraits of uh, every single so. person Grot ever met in their entire life. Yes. And then there's also the dark archway on page 69 mm -hmm. that leads to page 48. So do you have one you want to uh, examine first? The part of me that, uh, that, that begs towards the simplicity of symmetry yeah. uh, definitely wants to yeah. go to the left-hand wall yeah. after that. That's, yeah, me too. Me too. Hell yeah. 67. But with how much symmetry there's been in here, I almost feel like we're going to get to Merlin and he's going to teleport us back in the exact same way. Mm -hmm. This is, this is not, this is just also chocolate. This one's melted even. How did you even, why did you even, I don't, all right. All right, 67. Uh, the corridor runs due west for some distance before depositing you into page 23. Have we been here? I we have been here. Don't know. Oh, yes. This is the room that was lined with the blue metal sheeting, uh, which yes. I don't fully understand. Yeah. It seems relevant, but. Uh, yeah. So, okay. All right. Dark portal it is on page 48. If that's a page we've, we've just already been there. Uh, dark portal? Wasn't the darkness on. Dark archway? 
Oh, right, yeah, the, the Dark Archway is on 69, and then that leads immediately to uh, 48 of Correct. proceeding down it. Got it. Correct. All right. So far, so good. You're in a gloomy corridor running due north for a short distance before reaching a three-way fork. The left leg of the fork runs to 54. The right leg runs to 63. The corridor in the middle continues to 73. Or you can go back through the dark portal on 82. Wait. 82? Mmm. Okay, that's not where we came from. Yeah, let me just... Okay, first of all, let's mark Wait. down all these, because this is a whole new set of options, I think. Yes, I was going to ask, do any of these ring familiar? 63, 73, 82. Uh, 54? No, 63? A lot of these are one number off of places we've been, mm -hmm. which is honestly a good sign. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think all of these are new, including returning, trying to return through the dark archway, which I'm exceptionally curious if that's just a death. Let's do it. Yeah, let's just do it. Let's find out. 82. Something's wrong here. You've stepped in, but you're certainly not stepping out. A rising tone is ringing in your ears. You're beginning to vibrate. The atoms of your body are pulling apart. Do we need to go on with this? Yes, we do. Your feet are exploding. Your head is simultaneously expanding and contracting. Your eyes are crossing. Your sight is dimming. The world is revolving and the universe exploding also. <laughs> but all will revert to normal. Or as normal as it ever gets. On page 14. Okay. Oh, the two so you're 100% right? Yeah. The two things that explode are feet and the universe. Everything else? No. Yeah, no, no, no. Everything else is fine. Our eyes crossing, no sight dimming, yeah, uh, head is expanding and contracting. That's all fine. Just no feet. Mm. All right. Well, I'm glad to have to know that that is death. So I'm not like, was that, are they trying to get us with a cheeky little, you know, just turn around in the uh, dark forest mm. and then go yeah, through where exactly. you came to teleport to the right, yeah. Do you want to go forward, left, or right? Haha, -ha, all of them were bad. You were supposed to go backwards. Yeah. Ooh, aren't I tricky? You're supposed to go backwards while looking forwards. Okay. Uh, <gasps> all right. So, back to 48. There is a left leg of the fork, right leg of the fork, middle. None of these are... Wait, oh, northeast. Right leg runs northeast on 62. Uh, I think that our decision was made for mm. us then. Absolutely. Does it not run on 63? Yes. The corridor runs northeast for what feels like a very long distance, then turns due east. Just beyond turning, you see a door. Between you and the door, you can see a lizard, which has been on a very rich diet since it stands nearly four feet tall at high at the shoulder. It's not attacking, so you can certainly retrace your steps safely to 48 and select another option, but... If you want to keep on the way you're going, you should know that this overgrown brute has 35 life points, claws at plus 2 damage. The real problem with the lizard is its tongue. Flicks out on a throw of 3, 6, 9, or 12, holding you immobile for a combat round. If you survive, you're free to continue east through the door to 78. I mean, it feels as though we should do a lizard attack. It Wait. feels absolutely like we should. Do we want to consider any of our spells? Because we're not even in combat yet. That's true. Um... Let's see, 35 life points. Um, 35 life points. The damage is not that scary. Plus two 
on a six or higher is fine. Yeah, for plus two on a six or higher, what, they have to roll a nine or above still to do any damage to us? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, yeah, worst I case scenario, even if they immobilize us, they're probably not doing damage on the next round anyway. I, I think that it's going to be a tedious fight, but I don't think it's going to be that bad because of our armor. All right, let's get but this on then. Rolling initiative. Two. Six. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, getting the absolute drop on this lizard, uh, EJ runs into the fray. The lizard tries to catch us unawares with a quick tongue swipe, but EJ's even faster and slashes the lizard's tongue for a total of... That is damage, certainly. Ten. Slaps back with a... What is that? It is a ten, which is damage, but is not a stun. One damage! It's not a stun. So, as far as scary numbers go, we actually probably want a ten or a twelve, I guess. Yeah, legitimately. Blah. He goes, bong. Uh... He, he tries to do another one of those, uh, this this uh, Yoshi tongue smack from a distance situation. Yeah. Uh, and uh, instead of managing to grab around our arm, which we were otherwise protecting with, we've substituted EJ, and the tongue finds itself uh, effectively just wrapped around a blade in uh, quite a body horror sort of fashion. I only describe this to this detail as we've rolled two sixes. This is maximum damage for EJ. Oh my lord. Uh, which would be 8 plus 5, th 13. Alright. Uh, he hits for an 8, which is not damage, and not even a stun. This poor idiot. <gasps> I am so sorry, Yoshi. Is <laughs> that a 12 again? So. <laughs> uh, yeah, and EJ strikes him and he's dead. It's it's a twelve, but I was like, nope. Uh, the, the the extension of this joke requires something so extreme that I'm not comfortable with it. It's also just like the most brutal thing at this point would be disregarding his life so bluntly that you just say, and then he dies. It's like it's almost so cold that it's worse. So. You know what? EJ is about to strike the killing blow. We get a close-up in the eyes of this lizard as it flashes back through its lizard life. And EJ stops millimeters away from the eyeballs of this lizard about to slice and goes, Eh, you're not even worth it. Get out of here, kid. Oh, my lord. And he scrambles. Bang. Yoshi. He does say his name, doesn't he? He doesn't just say bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we're free to continue east to 78, which I guess we shall do. That makes the most sense. It's either that, backwards, or we wait here until we starve and die. All right. Free to continue east to door 78. Remember that lizard you killed to get in here? Nope. Nope. <laughs> didn't kill him. Didn't kill. Didn't, didn't think about him. Didn't regard him once. I d actually, yeah, I don't even remember. There was a lizard. <laughs> lizard? <laughs> you mean Yoshi? This must have been where EJ, he lived. EJ, do you know anything about this? Nah. <laughs> uh, this must have been where he lived with four of his friends. <laughs> Each giant lizard has 35 life points, claws at two damage, the tongue flicks out on the throw of three, eight, nine, or 12, holding you immobile for a combat ride is the same thing. 
the lizard kills you, you go to 14. If you survive, you can examine a chamber at 84. Oh, boy. Y'all, of, of the things that, that are occasionally missed uh, from the visual aspect of this, oftentimes the thing I lament the most is not being able to show the, the artwork that is, is in the book. Uh, in this instance, it's yeah. the pure comedy of the formatting, where at the very end of one page is, remember that lizard you killed to get in here? This is where he must have lived. And then waiting until you roll over to the next page to say, with four of his friends. Yeah. Single sentence starts with a with. Incredible. Yeah. It is pretty good. It is pretty good. Uh, I would not mind rolling or using something for the sake of speeding things up. Maybe. Mm, mm, mm. How about um, we resolve two of the lizards at once? So effectively, if uh, EJ attacks, EJ does the same damage to two lizards. Uh, if they attack, they do twice as much damage as they otherwise would have done. That seems about right. Yeah. Cool, cool. So then we just have to resolve against effectively two even gianter lizards. Five initiative. Also five, that's a bush. Fight a game. Two. The flip. The number on the opposite side of the die. Thank you, Dicey Dungeons. 535, 535. Um. <laughs> uh, with the first strike, uh, EJ says something like, um, do you recognize these fools? Uh, and in doing so, strikes for three, eight damage to, uh, two of them. Alright. There's, oh, that's a, okay, that's a one, that's a four, that's a five, that's a no damage, and a no stun. Oh, oh, you poor sweet summer children. Oh. EJ's getting slightly less effective swing after swing here, is is perhaps blunting the blade on their scales. Uh, still manages to score through six damage to each of them, taking both to 21. All right, we get a... Well, okay. It's annoying. It's a six, so it's no damage, but it's a that's a turn. So I guess I just roll again. Mm-hmm. Which is a much less annoying eight. That's nothing. Mm. It's nothing for either of them. Uh, could you roll for them again as uh, both of them effectively have stunned us for a round? I guess that is true. Uh, that's another eight. <laughs> oh. Ooh, that's a seven. EJ, you shouldn't have. As in, I really would have preferred you do more damage. Regardless, <laughs> that's eight damage. The enemies now both move down to 13 in an unremarkable fashion, EJ. That's a 10. So that's a absolutely giga to damage. <laughs> We're down to 41. We're bleeding. <laughs> oh no, an owie. No, my thumb is Uchi. No, I'm gonna need a bandage. Um, <laughs> ho, ho, ho. EJ uh, is is uh, inspired uh, into bloodlust by seeing them harm us, especially seeing them harm the hand that holds him. Otherwise, hey, I need that thing steady. Uh, and attacks for eleven to each of them, knocking both unconscious. Yoshi. <laughs> Uh, that is going to be a fairly annoying nine. So let me just roll two more times, I guess. That is an eight, so that's nothing. 
that is a seven. So that's nothing. That's not a stun either. Oh, it's not odds. It's divisible by three. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my god. They just can't. It's 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 such a. If we didn't have the armor, this fight would be really annoying and scary. With the oh, armor, absolutely. this fight is just like, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, along that note, a special thanks uh, to the commenter who mentioned that we were supposed to have had it in the previous one, as it changed the way in which we approached reading the uh, documentation yes. for this Grail quest, and is almost certainly exactly why we have it right now, and aren't feeling quite you're maligned by the way the game is treating us it's true this is it's our reward for reading all of the books exactly it's the completionist's it. reward it's true uh so that will be another 11 damage to each of our creatures on the first strike there get him aj speaking of 11 they rolled an 11 which is Ooh. four damage to the face Oh no. But no stun. If they do 37 more damage, we're gonna be in real trouble, because then we'll only have one health left. Um, <laughs> that's... That's another... Uh, what did that make? That'd make seven for the enemies to go down to 17 easily. That is gonna be an embarrassing pour. <laughs> you shouldn't have. Really. <laughs> You should have done more, um, you sad, sorry, waste of creature. Exactly. If you wanted to live, or rather, you know, not get callously disregarded by the sword that defeats you, mm -hmm. then you should have acted differently in this instance. Unfortunately, you haven't done so, and we've scored another 11 damage, which is one short of knocking each of these unconscious on six. There's <clears throat> a... That's what is that? Ten. That is two damage, but no stun. Oh boy. These little lizards. You poor things. You poor do things. we roll a two or a three, or do both of them explode? We didn't roll a two or a three. And both of them explode. All right. 12 experience total. If you survive, you can examine the chamber on page 84. It's huge, it's bare, and it's full of giant lizard droppings. In short, not the sort of place you'd select to entertain your friends. Yeah, who's to say? Mm, my uh, friends are uh, giant lizards who really need to go to the restroom. There are no doors. Exclusively. <laughs> In short, it's not the sort of place you'd select to entertain your friends. There's no doors other than the one through which you entered which allows you to retrace your steps to 48 or search among the droppings in case there's anything of interest. I also want to roll for a door in which I get a four, in which I say, oh my goodness, there's secret doors here, Raps. Mmm, there's multiple There's three of them. secret doors. One to the northwest, one to the southwest, and one to the east-west. <laughs> So, which is what so we stay here? This is what it says. It's to the east, northwest, NW, 96, SW, 127, EW, 143. Northwest, southwest, east-west. Of course. Okay. So, I mean, we have that, but we also, I think we, I'm, I, I don't mind looking in the poop. I don't mind either. It's not it's my just, We're going to have to come back to 84 in order to, to look for the secret doors to exit from here. Yeah, it's fine. If we die, we die. Cool, cool. 
And also, for what it's worth, like, the last time we went fumbling around in Remains, we found a tingle ring about it. We did find a tingle ring about it. Uh, you really get the most disgusting ideas in your head sometimes, Pip. In moments, you're even covered in the stuff and ponging the high heaven. Needless to say, there's absolutely nothing to be found in lizard droppings except for more lizard droppings. There is one bonus, however. You now smell so dreadful that in your next three fights, your enemy is going to be so overcome by nausea that you can subtract three from any damage they score against you. Go back to 84 and reconsider your options. So we'd subtract seven. We subtract seven in the next three fights. Yeah, I feel like we need to <laughs> effectively rumble down the dungeon. Like, where is the biggest boss? Come on, I'm ready. Please, I smell. <laughs> Direct me to the boss. I stink real good. That's <laughs> Link just walks up to Ganon's castle with his pants full of his to-do, saying, this is the best time to fight. I will smell so bad that Ganon shall not nary striketh me. No, sir. He won't even bother playing ping pong with me. Just drops his sword and holds his nose. Oh. Aha! Sh <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, my marking down the other east-west one. 43. Okay. Uh... So there's northwest, southwest, east-west uh, of the <laughs> secret rooms from 84. Which do we... I mean, I I just want to understand what east-west is. As I do want to That's I kind of want to go that way. I, wanna, I, I need to know what east-west is. 143. You've entered... <laughs> oh. You've entered an east-west running corridor, which... No. Right. No. You've entered the east-west corridor, which ends in a secret door at the western end, which seems to be a natural cave entrance to the east. West through the secret door takes you to 78. If you want to have a closer look at the cave, go east to 153. Hmm. I feel like 78's going to take us back to somewhere we've been. Yeah, I feel like too. Is it? Is it not possible it have is? Been? Yeah, yeah. 78 is where we killed the, um, the lizards. Oh. The plural of them. I don't remember that. Sorry, uh, when we disregarded... Sorry. When we disregarded and then briefly forgot... <laughs> the what now? I've never. I don't I've, recall. I've never. Who? What? Are we doing a podcast? Um. Okay. So one fifty three. Exhaust the option. Uh, one fifty three. <gasps> this is definitely something different. Everywhere else in Grot's grotty tomb was decidedly man-made chambers, rooms, corridors, passageways, floors, walls, ceilings, like, and the like. But this vast cavern is entirely natural. A tortured limestone formation full of the sort of nooks, crannies, ledges, and so on you'd normally find in a den of a dragon or something of that ilk. You move forward, attracted by a curious ruddy glow in the eastern end of the cavern. The light seems to be coming from a pit of some sort. As you start towards it, your eye catches to notice a scrawled-on piece of wood jammed in a crevice between two rocks that says... Go back! Uh... One bold adventurer. You can continue towards the pit on 168, or if you the notice has upset you that much, backtrack to 78. Wait, 168 or 78? Which already been. So, okay. Uh, is that a cipher? It's like CFXBSFZPVBSFBQQSP. Uh, those listening at home, you want to just translate to that? 
for us real quick? It it feels like it definitely should be. Um, I'm not certain exactly what cipher it would be. It is not just a a reverse of the alphabet cipher. Um, because that that gets us Zuchu, Ake Yahoo, Jules, Yil Uf Run. Um, which I don't know that maybe that means something to you, but it doesn't to me. I mean, go the back. the placement of the letters, the fact that there's like B Q Q, and at the end like I F M M makes me feel like it's definitely like a straight substitution cipher. It's just like it, it has to have some sort of an offset, perhaps. Yeah, but it also it's weird. The notice says, "Go back," quotation or go back parentheses one bold adventurers or bold adventurer mm. which if we go back one that takes us to a page 152 which doesn't feel right yes that wouldn't wouldn't make sense go back one so if we it can't just be danger no because none of those would work because the first is six letters and then an exclamation mark. So what's, like, typically in that position? It can't be notice. Beware. Beware. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's beware oh, and, and the it's F's. a cipher. Yeah. It's beware because it's C, F for the E. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that would make sense. All right. If I modify this alphabet that I'm decrypting by, can I get the right answer? The answer to that so far has been no. I'm... Okay, so it's beware. You are... I was going to... Yeah. BSF has to be R, is what I was going to say. Because the SF of RE, beware. Approaching an... Oh. I've got it. Going on? Sorry? What's going on? I've got it. Oh, you got it? What is it? Uh, Beware. You are approaching an entrance to hell. I mean, is that bad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we closed the portal between <laughs> the realms before. I'll do it again. Yeah. I guess the question is like, yeah, it, now that we know that, does that matter? I, I mean, I guess we could go to Not- the other path first if we really want to, but... Oh, I mean, theoretically, but this is either, like, progression or it's important. Hey, Raps, go to hell. Yeah. Let's do it on page 168. (laughs) There's something crawling out of that pit, Pip. Something nasty. It's muscular and leathery with bat wings, little sharp horns, big sharp teeth. If you don't know any better, you'd swear it was a demon. And that's exactly what it is. This particular demon has 30 life points, strikes on a 5, does plus 3 damage... It gets minus two on damage scored against it. Like most demons, it dislikes adventurers. If you survive this and are nuts enough, you may peer down the pit on 177. So, alternatively, you are free to ignore it and backtrack to 78. The question is just like, at this point, is do we want to waste our stinky buff? That's really all it is. Mmm, right, right. It would effectively uh, completely invalidate this. Yeah, we just wouldn't have... We basically would just say, all right, we we win. It can't do damage to us. Uh, Negative three, negative four, negative seven total. Oh, on a five. 
Yeah, it would have to do, it would have to roll a 10, 11, or 12 to do any damage. Hmm. So it doesn't fully invalidate, we'd have to. <laughs> Alas. Um, I don't have a problem with slaying this fool and looking down the hole behind them. Yeah, I think it's fine. Let's go to hell. Let's do it. All right, initiative five. That's a sick, baby. Oh, my lord. EJ stays ready. That was clearly a roll off the table as I moved into the distance there. EJ stays ready, but not prepared. Ready, but not prepared. It was uh, the running up motto for the scouts. Uh, this was a total of seven Well, da -da -da -da, not seven damage. The enemy has leathery skin as armor, so it's only five. All right. And then it <clears> rolls <throat> a nine, which is a... Oh, gosh. Seven. Oh, wow. Which would... Okay, that's nothing. Because we, because we smell bad, so it's nothing. <laughs> Perfectly. So, in, in flavor, effectively, at this point, the enemy tried to strike at us and was so close to landing a claw, but had to pull it back in order to cover their own nose, because we just smell that bad. <sighs> EJ uh, likes spending time with this enemy and doesn't want the fight to end. Uh, and it's represented in the way that he rolls damage here. That's a total of six. We're only four damage to the enemy, taking him down to 21. All right. Uh, nope. <laughs> that's, an, that's an eight, which we know we are too stinky for that to matter. <laughs> it's, it's the, it's the Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged to set Okaiba, screw the rules, I have money, except screw the rules, I smell awful. He's, yeah, I smell so bad that I'm overpowered. In the least remarkable fashion, we chunk off another 4 HP from this demon, taking it down to 17. That's a 6. We're just keeping on going down. The non-impressive hits keep getting less impressive. Mm-hmm. EJ is siphoning some impressiveness off of it and manages to do a little bit more damage this time, for a total of 6, taking the enemy down to 11. All right. Last one wouldn't hit, even if we didn't stink. And this one definitely wouldn't hit. That's a five. I mean, well, it hits, but it doesn't do damage. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's also a five, which does hit, and it does do damage. Uh, for a total of four to the enemy, leaving him on seven. Any successful hit will now drop this demon. That's a nine, which those keeping track at home is an exact miss. <clears throat> this guy sucks. <laughs> uh, I'm going to... Uh, flavor their miss and our follow-up success of a hit uh, as them staggering around the edge of this giant pit that seems endlessly deep. Uh, and uh, at one point, we recognize the stench is overpowering them and boldly just move towards their nose, making them reel back and ah. fall into the pit. We don't ah. hear them hit the bottom. Oh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Splat. <laughs> uh, you. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little taken aback. This is very. It's, it's hard Nazgul, right? It's, oh. <laughs> Splat. So good. My nose. <laughs> That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's still what he's worried about after the splat. <laughs> I can it lingers! I can ah! still smell it! 
Alright, 177. What? Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's just I didn't expect the first word of this. Struth! There are more of them. <laughs> just like the one you finally managed to slaughter, wings, horns, muscles, they're having a bath in a lava flow. Which is what's causing their ruddy glow. And amusing themselves by playing a game of chance using the incredibly rare Hellfire Halfpenny so prized by the older generation of Avalonian adventurers. Roll two dice to discover how many demons are in the pit and then think a bit. You obviously can't go down there into the lava flow, but since the pit isn't all that wide, you might be able to jump across it, which you can attempt at 185, or you can back off quickly before the demons see you and retrace your steps to 78. Or if you're feeling really wild, you might chuck the corpse down and hope that it'll provoke the rest of them to come out of the pit on 190. I mean, we have... We have the buff. We have the buff. They would probably all be in the same fight, which means you know, they're all dealing with that. I, I do wish that, uh, or rather, I, I do wish to quickly look at our combined spellbook to see if there is anything that could uh, render this fight against however... Actually, you know what? Uh, how many demons are there? <gasps> Ten! Um, how do we make that a very quick fight for us. The The most powerful way for us to accomplish that is pi r uh, squared, obviously, being able to strike twice. Um, I would also say we these. could pretty justifiably condense that. Why did it have to be 10? Why couldn't it be? Honestly, 12 would be less annoying, because then we could condense it down mm. threefold. Uh, hell, we could just fight 12. <laughs> we could just fight 12 and condense it down threefold, I guess. <laughs> we could take the... Uh, yeah, I mean, if we just, make them even more of them. Yeah. I mean, how, why would anyone be mad at us fudging it to make the make there be more? <laughs> Just, um, well, yeah. I mean... uh, the the actually. <laughs> okay, okay. I've got a pitch. Okay. You know how they can only do damage on a 10, 11, or twelve? Sure. If we successfully cast Panic, Pip's armor of nearly impenetrable coruscation, uh, for the. <laughs> Uh, for the next battle, uh, right? Is it for the next battle? Throws a shimmering, spinning wall of light around the user. It acts exactly like plate armor, subtracting four points from any damage scored against the user. What's more, this effect is additional in uh, to any deductions made for actual armor, dragon synergetic, etc. I I have to assume that lasts yeah. for a battle. Yeah, let's do that. Let's literally be impossible to kill. Yeah, at which point um, there's no point to automating the combat. Yeah. I, I will happily give like a, a, a flavorful description of how the combat occurs, uh, but we don't need to roll the die because you yeah. literally cannot damage us as I, long as we can cast that spell. I rolled an eight. That's a cast successful. That's right? a cast, baby. Uh, were there any failures beforehand? No. Oh, six. So we even have two more charges of this for later. I mean, it's, yeah. We're, uh, we're kind of... Just the thought of us jump. <laughs> I kind of want to move to 190 and see if we can flavorfully spin this. Like, instead of dropping the corpse down, trying to get their attention at this point, it's so cowardly compared to what we're doing, which is just coming down and massacring them. Well, but I mean, I assume that's what really provokes them because we haven't even actually started the battle, technically, to be fair. We have cast panic, though, for our next upcoming combat. True. Uh, well, I think we should provoke them. And also, for what it's worth, that is what we'd flavorfully already said we'd done, kicking the corpse down the well. That is true. All right, 190. One thing about adventuring, Pip, you can never really tell that what result a given action will have. 
Take your decision to throw a corpse down the demons, uh, for instance. You'd imagine a smelly great cadaver drop in the middle of their game would enrage them so much they'd swarm out of their pit like maggots, but no. All you get for your pains is a hellfire halfpenny flipped up in a half-hearted attempt to hit you in the nose. Grab the penny, since you might be able to pawn it sometimes as a curio, then figure out what to do next. You might jump across the pit on 185 or jump back down. Okay, so um. we don't even have to fight. But we also haven't used our debuff or our armor, because that didn't happen. Okay, well, the next fight we mm. have, we're basically invincible. Uh, okay. How how do we want to deal with that? Are, are we going to keep the, the panic in escrow, or would we like to uh, just decide when we want to use that again later and re-roll then? I think we logically keep it for the next combat based off of freeze uh, the way it's phrased. Fair I would enough. I would imagine as much as I you know it would be better to save it for when we want it perfectly, but mm -hmm. I think the least it's like kind of already a meet in the middle because you would, some people would maybe be like oh well that's wasted then, but the phrasing on it does say in the next combat, which just just didn't happen. So I would say the next combat. So I guess we're gonna cool. jump across the pit, huh? Love it on page 185. You take a step back, a deep breath, limber up for a moment, and then run forward with an ever-increasing speed and hurl two dice. Scroll. That's scroll a nine. Below a six, go to 197. Six or better, turn to 206. Could be one of those times where failing is good. We will see. 206, though. You've made it! A superb jump! And now you've made it, you can see a narrow fissure in the rock beyond, which you can explore on page 215. The fissure runs deep into the rock face, so narrow at times you have to turn sideways and breathe out in order to squeeze through. You're just beginning to wonder if it was a mistake coming all this way, and you see the first faint glow of light ahead. You press on... I mean, it's not the first faint glow, but hey. Second. What's up? What you're about to see. You press on towards it, the light becomes brighter and brighter. You go, grow excited and press forward so quickly you disturb some rocks and slip to block the fissure behind you. You pay a little attention. Little attention. The fissure widens. You leap forward into bright sunlight. You're out. You're out. Which isn't much to shout about, really. However, the sunshine feels good after the dark tomb. If you want to round a bit, you'll find yourself back at the cliff face with the four entrances. Mm-hmm. We're back, baby. Straight outside Grot's tomb. We do have a coin now. We do have a coin, the Hellfire Heart Penny. I guess logically we would retrace our steps all the way back to 112. So what, that that would be Wait. the uh, going through the the dark corridor, going out to the north. Sorry, sorry, eighty four is what I meant to say. Yeah, right. Oh, that's where what we that's where we found all the secret rooms. Yes, yes, of course. So this was where we took the east-west running yes. corridor secret room and then found ourselves uh, in in the other area outside hell. Uh, were there any paths in hell that were unexplored? I don't believe so. Uh, only failing the jump. Okay, right. Which One could... assumes that's not great. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think we save that for later. <laughs> I assume we don't want to fall to our death. But exactly, we'll, this book we'll is crazy sometimes. When we come to it, yeah, <laughs> this book's crazy sometimes. It could be the thing that we want to do. All right, so northwest, southwest. I mean, northwest is more our thing than southwest. Going off of sounds our, good to me. Our normal dealio. 
All right, 96. You've entered a narrow crawl space, dark and dusty, leading north. Cautiously, you edge your way forward, hoping you won't meet anything, since it's too cramped in here to even draw EJ. I really don't think we should have come here. EJ remarks. It's just, it's exactly the sort of place you'd meet like a, you know, giant spider. Shut up, EJ! You tell him impatiently, not at all impressed with his obsession with spiders, giant or otherwise. Mark my words, says EJ. You turn that corner up, Ed, and you'll be going straight into some ravenous moor of a giant spider. Will you shut up? I've had enough problems without you rabbiting on about spiders and so forth every adventure, EJ! Uh, you'll see, mutters EJ. You turn the corner and come face to face with... No, not a giant spider, but a dead end. Which means the best you can hope for is to crawl all the way back again. With EJ still going on about spiders. Uh, but I'm also going to roll a die to see if we find a secret Good point. Uh, I, we don't. <laughs> I rolled a three. Mmm, mmm. That's unfortunate. So we have to go back to 84, and then from 84, we uh, already have the secret door open. So we just come back here? So we just come back here, which gives us the ability to uh, test for a secret room here again. I got a three. <laughs> That's a no. So, uh... Ooh, we're gonna keep doing that until we roll a four or above, and what would happen? I got a two. Uh... I got a five. Alright. I Ooh, found the secret it. door! What? Wow! Northwest 87. Mm. What a mechanic that is. <laughs> It's like if you can hit one of the said, most mechanics of all time. It's like the fact that you, it says you can check every time you come back to it, but you can always, like almost every single room, you can just keep coming back to it. It's like why is mm -hmm. then why is it a roll? I don't. It's just anyways. It, I the only circumstance I can even possibly imagine is a circumstance where it is a room that you cannot come back to, and it's a one-off possibility of trying the thing. Yeah, but. Mechanics that are effectively like leveraging your your. <laughs> this is as unkind as possible to say, but like frustration with the mechanic against your willingness to continue utilizing it is is uh, certainly a mechanic. It's true, by definition. All right. Um. Okay. So we move on to eighty-seven then, as we find mm, a secret, secret passage in a secret passage. All right. A block slides back abruptly with a scrape of stone on stone. You inch forward and peer through. The secret doorway is open some five feet above the floor in a diamond-shaped chamber, the northern half of which is separated from the south by a network of tightly strung cables. Beyond the cables, in the northernmost point of the chamber, you can make out a small altar which, on which rests a massive gemstone, glittering with an inner light. You drop down, cat-like, and cautiously approach the cables. Although stretched tightly, there seems to be enough room to squeeze between them. And if not, it should certainly be easy enough to cut through them using EJ's razor-sharp blade. What do you want to do? Squeeze through on 103, cut through at 130, or ignore the gemstone on the altar altogether and go home? <laughs> yeah, let's go home to Freeman John. And the cows and sheep. Squeeze through on 103... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, so is is the implication there that if we were squeezing through, we would be going to the gemstone to try and take it? I think 
so. And it's just how do we get there, whether or not we squeeze through the cables or we cut through them. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, like, if if you've got the cables involved in a trap that is protecting something, you know, special, like a gemstone or something like that, one imagines that if we are slip sliding between them, they suddenly become more taut on both sides and we are uh, bisected would be very generous, probably trisected or more. Yeah. Uh, so do we just like cut them? Yeah. Let's try 130. Let's do it. 130. You're stuck. Well, at least CJ is. The minute he touched the cables, he stuck fast into them. The glue with which they're covered is the strongest you've ever experienced. As you struggle furiously to free your sword, you feel a vibration on the cables, apparently originating in the gloom high above your head. Help! Oh, God, help! Remarks EJ and contorts your hand into a point upwards. You follow his indication and discover a giant spider is walking purposefully along the cables, a hungry glint in her bloodshot eyes. That brute looks like a real shortcut to page 14, Pip, but at least you can put up some sort of fight. Spider's 55 life points, tears plus three lumps out of your life points with a throw of five or better. And to make matters a great deal worse, EJ's trap position, well-known terror, uh, means you need to hit on a full hit of six or better to score only dice damage. But in case you thought you were getting off easy, the spider will inject you with a paralyzing poison on a throw of 12, holding you off immobile long enough for her to eat your head off, a circumstance which means 14 for sure. If you survive this nasty encounter, turn to 124, otherwise you know where to go. Um, mm. Mm. Rito! You fireball? But I would love to fireball! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly what it's made for! It's Let's just... roll initiative to see if they strike at all. Yeah. We do have to roll to see if we hit with fireball, for what it's worth. Right? That is also true. It's a seven or more to be able to actually strike with it. Uh, one Three. on initiative for us. Okay. Yes. Don't uh, roll 12! Don't you dare roll 12! That is a six, and that's it. It's a six. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so. Fireball. You know what? I'm going to throw these one at a time because it's a momentous moment. The first one. Oh, God. That's a one. The second one's going to be a six, or that's a missed fireball. I have incredible news. Uh. We unsteadily raise one palm, and EJ is 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 uh, watching on with th this this uh, the the what's it it's like a, a Kairos moment happens in in grief or fear where the world stops for just a moment and you feel like you're perceiving things at a ridiculous speed. EJ sees that we're not making exactly the right sigil and gestures with our hand and shouts out, "Ah, goddamn it! Just cast the fireball!" And we follow up. We come through for our friend and cast Fireball directly into the chest and through the other side of this spider for a total of 75 life points, which means <laughs> it's a smoking corpse, baby. I want to say I rolled in solidarity and I got a seven as well. <laughs> oh! So. Legitimately, the reason that I wanted to roll them one by one in that circumstance was for the exact possibility of the tension of rolling a one and then a six, and then it happened. I'm over yep. about that. All right, uh, 124, if you survive this test again, I mean, that's, that's gotta be what that's for. Like, it, you've got a fireball blast. I just, that, otherwise, you just yeah. have to get so lucky, it's annoying. <laughs> it has to be. 
Mm -hmm. You become, you move yourself into a position where it feels like you suddenly have to start using so many spells to account for the fact that you are otherwise not using a fireball. Yeah. Like, attacking twice per round and both of them are fire fingers. And it's like, we'll just use the fireball. Yeah. <laughs> We're fine. We'll probably have EJ in the later fight. Yeah. Anyway, right. uh, 124. Oh, <laughs> that was, oh, so nasty, Pip. Remarks EJ. Who you would swear was sweating, if you didn't know that was poss impossible, rather. Yeah, you mutter grimly. Your eyes fasten greedily on the altar with the massive gemstone now within your reach. You step over the massive corpse of the giant spider and move on. Hey, says EJ. Are you sure that it's all right to take that gem? I mean, it's on an altar. What's that got to do with anything? You ask him testily. Well, it could be cursed. Or, uh, you know, under the protections of the Elder God, which is really much the same thing. Or, or magically protected. Or even trapped. Or... He may have a point, even though he does tend to run on a bit. If you examine the altar and the gem carefully before touching either, go to 91. If you want to grab the gem and run, try 101. Where you can, of course, completely ignore the gem and go home. I'm sorry. <laughs> go big is the only available option here. Go home is grayed out. Yeah, I... I do we want to examine inspect... it. Yeah, exactly. We could inspect. I, I do wonder what could possibly happen if we were trying to be quick instead, though. The only thought I... would be like, uh, there's something that's going to destroy it the the second, you know, because we get it now or it's going to be smashed by like a smasher. I don't know. but I... Yeah, like, did that spider have a dead man switch on it? I don't expect so. <laughs> uh, I had eight, and I pressed them all! <laughs> uh, I think 90, yeah, I think 91. I think we examine. I think it seems let's logical. It. It's, it, it, let's be real. It's trapped. The question is, does it matter? Uh, the gemstone really is very beautiful indeed, emitting that sort of inner radiance you would associate with magic. Or a curse, mutters EJ grimly. It sits upon a velvet cushion on the altar, which is itself a block of highly polished granite carved with curious designs. You just look at those designs carefully, EJ advises. You bend forward to examine the designs. Close up, or they're no longer abstract, but writhe and flow magically to form moving pictures of an adventurer holding the gemstone and being bitten time after time by hideous snakes and scorpions. As you draw back from the disturbing scene, you notice the cushion on the cushion, wait, cushion on which the gem rust has been trapped with what must surely be a poison needle. If you still want to grab the gem and run 101, should you prefer to try your skill at disarming the poison needle trap, turn to 98, where if you succeed, you will be committed to taking the gem, or ignore the gem completely. So do, we have a spell for something. Like, is it we opening do something, or is it... What's the deal? <clears throat> so this, uh, if you are referring to Pip's uh, immunity to poison, Pip, mm -hmm. the spell must be cast before poison is taken, and the spell renders the user immune to its effects, whatever the dice, uh, whatever the results are shown by the dice. The spell does not work if cast after the poison is taken. It comes in useful where the user wishes to sample some substance that might be dangerous. Interesting. Huh. I, I would have, I thought that was much more specific to like, it's still Pip's immunity to poison, so we can still use it, I believe. Logically, it seems like it would apply here. There's also something that opened a, or it was it opened something or disarmed a trap? Is it opens a chest? Yes, yeah, so that's, uh, that would be thing. a uh, Pip's patent lock picker, the plop, uh, will pick one lock per section 
on a throw of six or better on two dice. Okay. Interesting. We should try that at some point. <laughs> on the, we get mm -hmm. to door that says like you need a key. Nope. <laughs> I kind of want to try. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm down to cast the poison thing and then I, I, what? Do it. Cast the poison, then try on ninety eight to disarm it, or what? Yeah, because my suspicion is that if we went to 98, we're already committing to that action. We can either succeed or fail, and in the world where we fail, it would be really nice to be poisoned of you. Yes, that's my thought. So... Ooh, first cast succeeds. Pip's immunity to poison loses one charge. We only have two remaining for the adventure. We also lose three HP, taking us down to 29. Do we want to consider some health? Sure. I've considered Great. it. Great. Um, Excellent. Well, I'll consider it also, and then we can move on. Uh, I'll <laughs> ask you to roll one health potion, please. Mm, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Four. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I rolled a six, so total in our two health potions was ten, and then one salve for a total of fifteen takes us back up to a value of forty-four. Yeehaw! All right. Uh... Let's give it a shot on 98. 98 is writing it down. Okay. Throw two dice to determine the cunning of whoever set the poison needle and make note of the result. Now throw two dice on your own behalf. If you throw, if your throw is higher, you've disarmed a trap and may take the gem on 106. If your throw is lower, you are in a bit of bother, which can be found out on page 116. Would you like to roll for the trap? Or for our disarm. Uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh ooh. wait. I uh, roll. I roll the. What's the higher one? I've been. Have I been really? No, I just rolled a four. You know what? I'm gonna roll the first one. I don't know. What, I don't remember what that means. It's an eleven. I hope it's the good one. Oh boy. Uh, so the first was the cunning of whoever set the poison needle trap. Oh no. <laughs> one twelve, baby. All right, that's um, that's, that's a couple off 12. Let's head over to 116 and see if our poison immunity carries us regardless. Yike, you've been poisoned. You scream, you howl. No, this doesn't happen. This is all, we ignore all this. Uh, let's see. It says you get, if you would get poisoned, you would need to drink three doses of health potion to cure this poison. Otherwise, you lose 10 life points. Or interesting. Beautiful. Ten life points. You you deduct ten life points every time you move between sections mm -hmm. until you heal. But we don't. We don't need to. That's our immunity to poison. Alright, I'm glad we took that. 106. That was As am I, 106. literally a perfect usage of it. What a magnificent sensation. Like a healing potion, only more so. Mystical green energy flooding your body. You feel fitter. More full of life, stronger, healthier, more wide awake. Colors look brighter and seem sounds seem clearer. And before you start spouting poetry to the wonders of nature, you should know that three things just happened. The first is you're now immune to poison for the rest of the adventure. Ooh. And any poison which may have already been in your system when you picked up the gem is now neutralized, which means you oh. could have just immediately gone from poison to picking this up and you're yeah. fine. So you would have taken 10 damage because it said you would take uh. 10 damage right away and then it would have gone away. Yeah, it, it would have been uh, 20 because you also would have changed section once after that. All right. Uh, the second is that you have become utterly immune to the effects of magical fireballs. That seems relevant. Uh-huh. 
The third is that your skin has turned light green and you've sprouted a Magnum-style moustache. A small enough price to pay for the first two benefits. Now you can return to the first secret crawl space via 84. What is... What, what, why are we light green and we have a Magnum-style moustache now? Just like, that's a, that's a thick toothbrush kind of like... No, it's like a comb. It's like a big comb across the top lip. Good uh, gosh. All right. Well, so then let's see. What do we... Uh, we've done 87. So we went to 127. So 84 would be taking us all the way back to the uh, very first of the secret room uh, passages. Yep. So, and then yep, we are going to go to a good old... 127 is the other... The final mm. of the secret... Passages. The southwestern direction. The secret passage runs due south for a comparatively short distance before ending in what appears to be a first blank wall. Since it makes no sense to have a secret passage leading to nowhere, you search diligently and discover set into the west wall a panel of three buttons. One red, one green, one amber. Rather like a traffic light, really. Beneath the buttons is a small, neatly lettered notice stating... It is dangerous to press the wrong button. That which traditionally denotes peril, denotes peril. That which traditionally denotes safety, denotes peril. Select wrongly. At your peril. Hmm. If you want to press the red button, go to 136. Amber button, 145. Green button, 157. Throw your hat at the whole thing. Go home on 78. <laughs> when will this game learn? Um... Okay, so that which traditionally denotes peril denotes peril. Great. Red is bad. Uh, that which denotes safety denotes peril. The green is bad. Uh, it's dangerous to press the wrong button. The green and red are bad. It's amber button time on 145. Do we have any disagreement? Uh, yeah, well, no. But the only thing would be select wrongly at your peril is my only is is my only question. Does that double it back? So it is dangerous. To press, press the, the wrong, wrong button, button. Correct. select wrongly at your peril. I don't think so. All right. Uh, 145. The section of the door reveals a... Wait. A one-way door taking you to 23. That is our blue metal sheeting lined room in the tombs again. We've been here many times. This appears to be the terminus for, for multiple different uh, secret entrances. I mean, it didn't give us peril, so I have to imagine we selected correctly. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. But we'll I'll put a little star here and a little star by the jump of death for like, okay, if we get really desperate, here's these. Mm-hmm. Um, Love it. So this brings us all the way to... The portal, huh? The the dark archway. Side? Yes, yes, exactly the dark archway. Um, which means uh, that we have the there's there's one of the direction, two of the directions rather that we haven't gone. We haven't gone down. It's true. The, the middle, and we haven't done the left leg of the fork. That is true. So maybe we do the forks first. Or what do you think? Perfect symmetry. So the left leg of the fork runs northwest to 40, sorry, 54. All right. 54. 
All right. This is a large 30 by 30 square chamber with a door in the center of the west wall, another in the northern end of the east wall, and two more at the east and western walls of the south wall. Of course, the chamber is empty except for a smallish mound of black powdery substance in the middle of the floor. If you want to examine it, turn to 70. The door in the west wall opens at 57. You can open the door of the east at 61. Eastern door in the south wall at 48. Western door on the same wall leads to 75. It's time to examine that mouth! <laughs> 57, 61. This is a lot of 48. There's, there's absolutely going to be a tingle ring in this. I'm certain of it. All right, so 70. Also, wait, what is this, 54? I also roll for a secret door in which I find one. I roll and I find one. On page 54, there's an additional path to freaking 59. Oh. Oh dear. Should okay. we take that or should we head to the. the I, let's the, examine the, the mountain first, right? Yes. Yeah, it's usually there's stuff in here. Uh, This is pretty grody stuff. Pip, the mountain seems to be composed of powdered corpses of thousands, maybe even. Oh, sorry. Maybe a Maybe millions. Of insects. Grody or not, an adventurer of your caliber might wish to take the courage in his hands, hold the old nose, search the mountain, lest it conceal something of importance. You do so, 79. Otherwise, here's the million options again. I mean, we're immune mm -hmm. to poison. We are now. Yes, with the effects of the jam. Oh, I did not write the no, jam. G-E-M. Good. Uh, yes, we totally are. There's no reason not to just fumble around in these. In fact, let's search with our face. Oh, good grief. You've been caught in a giant flypaper. No wonder there are so many insect corpses here. You struggle. Buzzing a little. But in vain. Whoever created this flypaper made sure absolutely nothing could get free from it. So if we're immune to poison, does that help? <laughs> the only way to free you is yourself is to go to page 14 that's death Man. Well, alright that's all right. death number 4 alright jack it up there's another death alright it's fly paper it's not people paper let it's alone pip paper. paper I don't how we just... not a people paper pip pip people pleasing pip paper Peter Piker oh I heard about him hmm He's a jerk. Uh, 59. Let's, I kind of want to go to the secret passage first. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do that. This corridor is damp. Unusual in a place like this, but definitely damp. It runs north-south. Opens to a chamber on 78, or you can go through a door south to 54, which feels familiar. Yes, it's back home. Or back, uh, back to the last room. Perfect, which means it's time to open that chamber to 76. No wonder this corridor was damp. This chamber's full of water. There's a doorway directly opposite, but to reach you're going to have to swim. You may, of course, simply retrace your steps to 59, but if you fancy your chances as a swimmer, roll two dice, score two to four, go to 81, five to eight, go to 92, nine to 12, and go to 107. There's not a swimming spell, is there? There's not, but I was quickly having a look. Uh, Pip's instantaneous levitation uh, allows Pip to levitate, but... You only allowed three times per adventure. Uh, if used indoor, it will lead to banging the head on the ceiling with concussion and loss of half current life points. I mean, we're indoor. I mean, right? We're definitely indoor. We would we would definitely be trading half of our HP as well as three as well as rolling for spell, etc. Do we want to try and swim instead, or do we want to try and invalidate this with a swim, with uh, rather uh, Pip's levitation? I think let's try and swim. All right. Cool, cool. Versus I will roll one of our die. Oh. If you roll the other. All right, but I roll. Ooh. Okay. 
I like the sound of that. That's a five. Well, I got a four, so that works fine. Assuming the <gasps> nine to twelve is what we want. I rolled. One can only assume so. Also, I'm curious. Roll another die. Tell me what you get. Three. Oh. Because I got a nine when I rolled my. I just rolled two die, dice and uh, we got there anyways. So, 107. Mm -hmm. Hoping that we want the best. There are, as you discover, having managed to swim across, underwater steps which will assist you in reaching the door in the northern wall. They will not, however, assist you very much in opening it since the dampness has caused the old wood to swell, jamming it solid. You can always try swimming back, I suppose, doing the same kind of thing. But if you want to try breaking down the door by brute force, throw two dice at a time. If your second throw is less than your first, then you're too exhausted to move to the door and must try swimming back. If your second throw is great in the first, then the door crashes back and shatters with sufficient noise to wake the dead or whatever might be waiting for you on 89. So... All right. Deeply unfortunately, there is no lock that we can pick in this instance, so we yeah. should just smack the door. All right. Uh, First or second? I'll go second this time. I rolled like an 11 last time. <gasps> I rolled a five. Wait, isn't that good? Uh, the second throw needs to be uh, equal to or greater than, so you've got a five or a six to roll. On one die? Uh, yes, yeah, so, so it's, it's throw two die, one at a time. So I rolled a uh, five. Okay. Wait, and what is it? Uh, and is I needed to get a six? Uh, a five or a six? I did get a five. Is that that's a success or that's just a that uh, push? Yeah, if your second throw is less than your first, then. Uh, so if your second throw is equal. Uh, reading is hard. It's weird that we did oh, a reading well, podcast. Hang on. <laughs> You what? know what? This isn't your vault, buddy. The text says, if your second throw is less than your first, then you're too exhausted to move the door and must try swinging back. If your second throw is greater than the first, then you push through. It doesn't say what happens on the tie. That's it's usually I... that the tie is on the positive side here. We've we've seen that established over the course of the series. We could otherwise treat it as a push and re-roll. I'll tell you what, I've already re-rolled. Uh, you re-roll as well. I rolled for the second one. Same same thing. Just don't get a six. I have great news. I rolled a three. I rolled a five again. So, hey, it's irrelevant. All right. So, smashing over to 89. An eerie blue light fills this chamber, flickering and reflecting off marble walls so that you're seized by the sensation of moving underwater, even though the chamber itself is bone dry. It's also a pretty huge colonnaded extravagance that could only be the temple to judge only be a temple to judge by the murals of the devout idiots adorning the east and west walls. These twits, these, this motley collection of men, women, and children all seem to be bowing and scraping to a deity with the body of a man and the head of a fish. This creature, which will give Robert Redford absolutely no competition at all in terms of looks, holds a small black rod. You drag your eyes away from the murals and examine the remainder of the temple. At the end of the twin rows are marble pillars hanging a curtain made of fine gauze, but nonetheless effectively holding back, hiding the northernmost section of the chamber. Before the curtain sits a small closed wooden chest. If you want to risk drawing back the curtain, 99, closer look at the murals, 114, 133 to examine the chest, or you could just go home. <laughs> so. New, new, I think not. 99, 114, 133. And the chest on 133. I mean... 
Do we want to go for 133 first, more information and items, or look at Mural? I just don't want to open the curtain, because if there's someone else on the other side to go, I don't want them to teleport us away. Yeah, I'm with you there. Also, what page are we on? 89? We are currently on 89, yes. Hey, uh, we found another secret door. Where's it go? Uh, East-West. Oh, perfect. East-West to 94. So we have the secret corridor here as well that we can go through. I know, yeah, just, just keep on hitting secret doors. Uh, I definitely want to examine the chest. The question is just, yeah, is it good to do it first or not? I, whatever, right? Let's do it, 133. What could go wrong? There's money in here, gold and silver, both along with a whole collection of seashells and pearls. All this, all in all, it must be worth 1,500 pieces of gold loot. Good, wait, in good, honest loot. Provided you can get it past the crab that's guarding it. You can tackle the crab on 111, risk drawing back the curtain, 99. Murals, 114. Swim back. Mm, mm. Same previous options. So, um, crab tackle? Crab tackle? Yeah. I mean, we still stink, right? This is our last stink fight. Yes, we smell awful. And despite the fact that crabs don't uh, traditionally have, uh, as, as far as I understand it, extremely strong senses of smell, we smell bad enough that he still gets it. Yep. All right. Uh, this crab has Which... 33 life points. Well, mm. hang on. What? Sit, hit successfully on a five or better, causing yeah. plus one damage. We have a negative three and a negative four, which means negative seven to all of their incoming damage, which means if they roll a 12, they would do seven damage. This enemy is incapable of damaging us on their normal strikes. If you survive, collect your 1,500 gold <gasps> stinky crab gold. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Oh. <laughs> I, I was setting up the possibility of, so their normal damage doesn't do anything, but they've got this special hit. The thing is, the special hit is they poison us on a throw oh of 10 or better, God. and we're immune! Da -da 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 1,500 stinky crab gold is ours. Yeah. And select your next option. Okay. Uh, is bribing still a thing? Uh, I believe so. We haven't met anyone we can bribe yet, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's got to be look at the murals. I think so. Uh, so that's 114. Closer examination quickly convinces you that the people in the murals look very frightened, and tracing along the sequence of pictures soon tells you why. In one mural, old Fishbone, maybe? Fishbone, probably? Is, point is pointing his rod at a terrified worshipper. From out the rod is emerging a tidal wave, which is about to engulf the hapless human. Doubtlessly all exaggerated, but all the same, you would clearly want to avoid the thing with the fish head. Stop looking at the pictures, go back to 89 and pick a new option. Okay. Okay, we know to be terrified of the rod of old fish bonds. There was something that we, there was like a phrase we got yesterday that someone said, like, when you find yourself blank and something raining, something, something bad. You know, that. Oh boy, do I remember <laughs> this. I do not. If you something, something, when something, something. It's, nope. It's something like when you're outside or something and it's raining, you've gone the wrong way or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Maybe to, whatever. <laughs> so, do we want to draw back the curtain on 99? Um, I mean, yeah, we have to do that before we leave the area, certainly. 
All right. Uh, just before uh, we move on, though, uh, you are referring to the uh, scrap of the last will and testament off of which a name has been torn uh, that the zombies dropped. And it said, if you should fail and find yourself out in the rain and hail, it could be you would see you were on a false trail. Interesting. Uh, I feel like that since that hasn't happened, we're probably on the right trail is my guess. Yes, that's probably that's precisely. That's probably the. It probably means we're doing things right then. Um, okay. Do I thought you were going to say, do you want to prepare a spell or something? Uh, for would you like to prepare a spell or something before we flick back to the corridor? Yeah, the Wizard of Oz back here. I don't know. Is there something we should have for a fight? The thing that would make the most sense immediately uh, to cast before the fight would be panic for the uh, for more damage reduction. What do you think? I think we should do it. I, I don't want to get, like, so many times we've gotten to the end of an adventure and, like, the spellbook is almost entirely filled <laughs> with spells, not, not usage, rather. Yeah. All right. We fail our first attempt to roll it and lose three HP. Yeah. That's a five instead of a seven or more. Ooh. That's a nine though, baby! That's the that's the last charge of panic, but in our next combat, negative four damage, well, negative four damage on top of negative four damage. And I wasted a crit rolling in solidarity. Which means the enemies don't get it. Regardless. That's true, it's off the queue. Yep. All right. Let's throw back the curtain on 99. Ah, good grief. Standing immediately behind the bold curtain is a huge creature with the body of a man and the head of a fish. It carries a short black rod. You step back. Hi. You say, smiling and waving. With your left hand. Your right hand creeping nonchalantly towards EJ. Sorry to disturb you, sir. I'll just be going now. The creature raises the black rod and points it in your direction. Now, now, there's no need to be hasty. You begin reasonably. I mean, I just happen to be passing here. I haven't really done you any harm, have I? So, we might as well... A wave of blue-black light erupts from the rod, and frantically you hurl yourself to one side, and may even succeed in avoiding it. Throw a die, one to three, go to 108, four to six, go to 118. I've got a six. That's 118, then. That's a 118, which theoretically is a success. The wave passes over harmlessly a little to your right. You tumble expertly, drawing old EJ with a flourish, and you regain your feet and drop into the old familiar fighting stance. You realize this means war, Fishface! You hiss. That is very goosebumps. On which slightly bitter note, the fight is on. Fishface is a tough nut, having a total of 50 life points, striking on a 5 or better, only doing dice damage, but a 9 or better allows him to use that wicked rod which will kill you outright by drowning. The good news is if he hasn't is that he hasn't managed to use the rod if he hasn't managed to use the rod in the first three combat rounds, he can't use it again thereafter. If Fishface kills you go to 14 if you survive. There's some pleasant surprises waiting on 125. Oh. Mm. Mm. So it's it's uh, relatively likely that over the course of three rolls he would manage to roll a 9 or better. Um, which which deeply concerns. He's not capable of doing any damage to us yes. outside of the outright killing, which means if we can invalidate his first three rounds, I don't know, maybe by making him laugh too much to do anything in the yes, first three rounds, absolutely. we exactly would be able to completely invalidate the fight. Yep. Uh, let's even roll, in, let's roll initiative to see if we could... Okay, 
three, please, please, please. Two. Don't do it to us. I roll a die. Dude, yeah, you've got to roll his attack, and please don't roll a nine or above him. I rolled a three. That <gasps> could go. Roll six. That. Oh wait, you're right. I do have to roll a six. I do roll a four. So it's pretty good, but not good enough. It's no damage. It doesn't manage to do any damage to us. For what it's worth, we still need to roll a seven or better on our uh, Pip's yeah. uh, instantaneous uh, levity and laughter spell. Can't exactly recall the name of it. One second. Let me go down to the rules. It is that <laughs> Pip's instant levity and laughter. Oh, I was so far off. So this would cause them to uh, fall about laughing so heartily that they miss three combat rounds. Tasha's hideous style. That's an eight, baby! Hey, Get him, Tasha! Uh, Get him, Igwill! I'll have you know I did a symbolic roll of a crit <laughs> right after that. So, <laughs> all right. So, hee-hee-hoo-hoo, fish giggle uh, for two turns. Mm -hmm. And then it's impossible for us to lose after that. Uh, so, uh, the, the flavor of the, the ending of this fight is we could automate it, uh, but we just did so effectively. Uh, it is incapable to now lose. The ending of this fight is, uh, the, the fish character, uh, lying on the ground, just heaved over in laughter, just curling about the stomach, almost in agony, laughing at the whatever incredible thing we've managed to summon in their head over the course of casting uh, Pip's instantaneous levity and laughter. Uh, while they do so, uh, their spine actually manages to curl past their body and crunches out of their sternum. The fish fan Ew. is dead. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 125. This is pretty sick making, Pip. The moment you napped off... The last of his life points, Fish Face disintegrated into a smelly pool of disgusting slime. But sick making or not, you braid the slime to pick up the black rod, which on a score of nine or better allows you to kill any human or humanoid outright by drowning, but only in the first three combat rounds. <laughs> That's what? so broken. You look around to discover that there's an altar behind the curtain, above which is a coral statuette of Fish Face himself, labeled... Finn Squandrago! God of Cod. The statuette looks quite valuable. About 500 gold pieces is a rough guess. If you want to take it, turn to 135. If not, you can try swimming back or retrace your steps to 59. I mean, we've already got the treasure. We've already got the treasure, but if I had to guess anything, this thing's poisonous. and It doesn't matter to us. All right. 135? 135. Greedily, you snatch the coral statue. Zap something dreadful is happening to you, Pippin. Your whole body is convulsing in agony. Your head feels like it's going to momentarily explode. Horrid tearing sounds fill the air as your skin stretches and rips. This whole nasty process is, is going to absorb 15 painful life points before it's finished. Uh, if this kills, you go to 14. If not, a glance in any mirror will confirm you've just grown gills on your neck and a fin in the middle of your back, which... Definitely no asset to your mayor's prospects. This unsightly development has its good points. You can no longer drown in this entire adventure, no matter what the dice say. Huh. Uh, this allows you to backtrack safely to 59, but unfortunately... Or perhaps fortunately. You will revert back to normal at the end of the adventure. Unfortunately. That's... Yeah, exactly. I would absolutely take gills if it gave me the ability to breathe underwater. That's yeah. what they is. That's what they is do. Uh, okay. We can't be poisoned. We can't drown. 
we can kill people instantly. I think we just do our best to try and sequence break our way to the boss if there's a locked door. A hundred percent. We can so easily finish this. We're we're stacked at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Back to fifty-four. Right? Yeah, large quarter with about a million options here. That's where we had the mound of uh the thing that was the flypaper. Right. This is also, if I recall correctly, where you found a uh, hidden passage running northwest to yes. page 59. Yes, sir. That was indeed the case. Uh, oh, no, that 59 leads to the dampness. Got it. Never mind. That's where we just came from. Yes, that. <laughs> All right. Door in the west wall, 57. East wall, 61. Eastern door in the southern wall, 48. Western door. Okay, so 61 is the most our jam. Let's do it. 61. Kerthunk. It's a rotten spear trap, Pip. The minute you open the door, you're transfixed by the spear propelled by a powerful spring. The door itself is a dummy, of course. Behind it is a trap mechanism and a solid wall. You stand staring at the spear, which is now sticking out of you front to back. As long as you keep staring, you're fine. When you pull it out... Which you'll have to do in order to go anywhere. You'll find you have lost two double dice rolls of life points. Oh. I'll yeah, that hurt. That hurt. Oh, I already automated it. Unfortunately, uh, it hurt. We have eight health remaining. That took 15 from us. Oh, boy. Uh, can we do heals? What do we have? We have two HP, HP, sorry, potions remaining and one uh, salve. Oh, God. Yeah, we don't have that many recovery tools left. Do we use them? I think we have to. I'll use one. I mean, that's pretty good. It's a nine. Ooh. That could be better. That's could also be a worse. nine. Hey. 18. Could be a little bit better. Could definitely be worse. And then 23. We're back up to 31 HP, and we no longer have any health potions. All right. And we no longer have a spear in our chest we have so many spear through chest wounds you would imagine they would stop hurting so much like it's like you're know, pushing a, a, a pin through one's ear hurts a lot the first time but then you have a piercing and you just push things through that instead yeah it's kind of like it's just all sealed up at this point it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's ju it's just had enough time to heal over before we get thanked by the next dang spear. it God, jeez, man. Oh, God, that smarts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has to be in the realm of that smarts for our character to have canonically shrugged off at this point five spears to the chest through <laughs> the body spears to the chest. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <sighs> yep. Yep, indeed. Uh... All right. So wait, where are we at? We're at back to 54. Back to 54. This was a, uh, a bad ending. Um, so we have the Western Wall. And if I, if I call, recall correctly, right, we've got Western Wall, the Eastern Wall on the Southern Door, and the Western Door on the same wall, right? Yep. You pick this time. Cool. Take it away. Let's go to the Eastern Door on the Southern Wall on page 48. So far, so good. You're in a gloomy corridor. Hmm. Familiar, nope, this is going back into the, the area in the gloomy corridor where we made the initial fork to get to uh, 54. 
So it's uh, nice to have an option. Yes, that helps. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Do the West Wall. Uh, I will select the next one as well. West Wall on fifty-seven is what it's going to be. Good deal. This door opens into a corridor running to west end, ending in a second door. Itself is closed but unlocked, which turns into twenty-three. Which I recognize on sight that twenty-three is blue metal sheeting room. I know it at this point. <laughs> All right, so seventy-five is our only choice then. Excellent. This empty corridor runs due south with two branch corridors running off west and a door in the wall between them. Has have we been here? A second door is set to the east wall, so. almost opposite the entrance to the southernmost branch corridor. Sorry, when the page is like that, it's like, uh, this feels like I've been here. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of directions. The last mentioned door leads to 85. You may explore the northernmost corridor west at 100, southernmost corridor west at 117, or the door between them on 150. And i got to go up to a whole new section in my page here. This is the most writing I've had to do in, in the branches because we don't mm -hmm. have maps. And in lieu of that, mm -hmm. we just have a whole bunch of... Which I, I will say, I do prefer this. Yeah, which I prefer, I like, the, the plotting of, a, like, a tree rather than trying to draw a cogent map because, good lord, the dimensions are impossible. Yeah. All right, so... Second door to the east. So the last mentioned door is 85. That one goes east. That's the best we've got. Oh, also 75. I feel uh, like I should... Oh, no, I'm not even going to bother. For no reason, I'm not even going to bother rolling. Uh... That's 85. Uh-huh. Have we been? Have we been? I've not been to 85. Go for your sword, Pip. You've entered a 10 by 10 marble crypt. Uh, in the center of which is a... A what? A beer? Beer. Yeah. Yeah. On which... I... So, th this is interesting. I don't know how to pronounce this word either. It's it's something that I've read only. It, it, I'm like, March. Run with the wind! Um, it's, uh, I think, Bayer? Yes. B-I-E-R. I'm sure it is. It's just one of those, like, eh, this only exists in books. It's not, it doesn't exist in real life, so it doesn't matter. It's one of those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> On which stands a coffin from which rises a deathly pale fanged figure dressed in evening formals and an opera cloak. You stand transfixed by terror as the bloodshot eyes of the creature slowly turn towards your knees, turning to jelly. Your blood turns to ice as it speaks. You turn to flee, but it's too late. Is it a ghoul, the creature says, trapped in the crypt for the rest of its days? Is it a vampire, thirsty and paler, a cousin of Dracula or Vadley and Blaler? Is it a ghost? I don't care to both, but it looks dramatic like Rawl in the Attic or an ogre. By Jove, there's a chance it's a white, although that can't be right. In fact, this slim creature is not what it seemed. It's the handsome and witty, renowned, poetic fiend. If this dreadful rhyme kills, you get a 14. If you survive, you may converse <laughs> with the fiend on 135. Does it kill us? <laughs> no, we survived. That actually, I really like how, I, I like, I, I like the poetic fiend so much. <laughs> I like the poetic fiend as well. Uh, so it's 137. You bow quickly. What a pleasure, you say cynically, to meet once again with the poet laureate of the dungeon, the minstrel of the wilderness, the knight rhymer of Avalon, the desist, exclaims the fiend, not at all displeased. You will turn my noble head with the eloquence of your flattery. Which was, of course, the point. Although you can hardly tell him that in past adventure, the fiend was often helpful, if buttered up sufficiently. Since he seems friendly enough at this juncture, you venture to say, Sir Fiend... My master, Merlin, has charged me to seek out a fellow necromancer by the name of Grot the Hoddle, this being a personage who owes him but 50 golden pieces. 
Merlin assures me that Grodd is alive. The only indication I have of him in this tomb also clearly suggests to me that he must be dead. Can you, in your almost infinite wisdom, throw any light on this puzzle? The fiend smiles broadly, half blinding you with his pearly fangs. Indeed I can, he exclaims. For no more than several hours ago, I was engaged in the composition of a heroic ode in iambic pentameters dedicated to this very mystery. Allow me to read it to you. With which he extracts a piece of parchment from his voluminous cloak, squints at it briefly, then declaims. When Grot, he was a little lad, his interest turned to all things bad. And so it was in later years he turned out worse than most he feared, had become something of a witch, then later changing to a lich. His enemies, so it is said, thought him alive, yet saw him dead. You see, says the fiend, it's all perfectly simple when you have the explanation. What's a lich? You ask curiously, never heard the turn, never having heard the turn before. Uh, a creature, usually a, a warlock or a wizard, a, a sorcerer, a magician, or something of that ilk, who uses foul magics to sustain himself beyond the terms of his natural life. The fiend tells you. Consequently, he becomes something quite similar to a zombie or an animated corpse, a, a similar undead, except, of course, that he's never managed to die in the first place. And that makes him extremely dangerous. And Grot the Hoddle is dangerous? You ask, with a sinking feeling you already know the answer. Lethal, replies the fiend. Unless you're able to recite a four-line death ode when you meet him, none of your magic's gonna work, and you'll fight him at negative three damage on any damage you might even score against him. If I were you, I would take a little time right this minute to compose and learn a death ode in advance. Which sounds like good advice, but should you compose the ode yourself on 126 or ask the fiend to do it for you on 132? Ooh. It feels like... I don't... I kind of... Here's... I, I really want to know, hear more from the fiend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which has me... Cons it has me concerned because it's like a, well, do it yourself. But I... Let's... I... Can we do it? Oh, we absolutely could. Okay. All right. 132. Oh, how very flattering of you to ask. The phoenix claims, blushing with delight. Just, um, how much were you thinking of paying me? Oh, <laughs> in point of fact, you haven't been thinking of paying him anything, but... Better not to mention that in the view of the fiend's notorious temper. If you want to offer him 10 gold pieces, 128, 100 gold pieces, 139, 500 gold pieces, 155, no money to offer, or offering everything you have, however little, go to 166. I mean, I'm down so to just we give have. Him. Yeah. Yeah, we have 100, sorry, 1,500 GP, as well as the coral statue worth another 500. I mean, can we just give him the statue? I, I kind of want him to have everything he deserves. I, the only reason I don't want to give him the statue is because uh, I marked it in the inventory rather than as 500 GP as the coral statuette, just in case uh, there's ever a point in the future of like, well, then we'll if you the have the coral statuette. Well, we'll just give him the gold then. Perfect. We now have 1,000 GPs remaining and head over to 155. <laughs> a generous offer, <laughs> marks the fiend. 
for which I shall compile the finest death all this world has ever heard. Now, um, let me see. He begins to pace backwards and forwards in search of inspiration. Then, as the muse seizes him, extemporizes grandly. A death ode by the poetic fiend. One should not coddle, grot the huddle, but rather bonk him on the noddle. Write this down. Write this down. Write down this short but expensive poem and keep it with you for the remainder of your adventure until you encounter Grout the Hoddle, at which point read it aloud before engaging any spells in combat. Now get back to the corridor on 75 before this poetry sends you completely batty. Alright. I mean, that seems exceptionally useful and puts us even further in the space of, well, I mean, okay, now how do we get to the boss because we can blow him up. <laughs> He is, mm -hmm. he is nothing to us at all. If only the poetic thing would also tell us about the location where we could find this man. All right, northernmost, southernmost, or between them. Uh, I guess northernmost, right? Isn't that one of our things on 100? I guess we go with that. Let's do it. This corridor runs east-west, forming T-junction with the north-south corridor to the east. We can turn due south at the west. Uh-huh. Go to the north-south corridor on 75, return to the southern corridor west by going to 88, which, as far as I'm aware, we have not done. I don't believe so. Have we done 75? 75 is, uh, yeah, that's the corridor that, that's the branch. Right. Where we got Cool, here. cool. 88 then. All right, 88. Let me just roll for a, okay, secret room, which I, I failed. All right, so we'll go to 88 and see if we can find a way back here to check again. The northern corridor runs north-south, turning east at both northern and southern extremities. Going north will take you to 100, which okay, which is where we were. South will take mm -hmm. you to 117. I have a great so, idea. I'm going to 100, and I'm coming back to 88. I'm looking for a secret room. I rolled a 3. I'm going 100 and come back to 88. We're looking for a secret room. I rolled a 5. There's a secret room in room 88, dude. No? Oh, my goodness. That takes us to 93. So, now, I will note at this point... I think it like relatively unlikely at this juncture that the secret rooms would continue towards the enemy. This it's true. feels like it would more be the scenic route rather than the uh, bonk grot hoddles noddle. Oh, so let's put a star by it and go to it when we absolutely run out of options. How about that then? Love it. Love it. Which means we're heading south and then east on 117. We redeem that south with an eastern direction afterwards, thankfully. <laughs> this corridor runs east-west, joining with the north and southern corridor, something east turning north corridor west. You can enter the western corridor on 88 or the north-south. Wait. Hang on. We've been to both of those. We have. Oh, which means if we go back to yeah, 75, yeah. we have the ability to take the other option, which is not 100, not 117, not 85, but 150. Wow, wow. Pop up, wow. And it's a door rather than a corridor. Bats, Pip. Thousands of them. This is a real nightmare. They're flying all over the room like a swarm of bees. But they're bats. Most of them are trying to avoid... Not just like a swarm of bats. They're trying to avoid yeah. you. Admittedly, there are several vampire bats among them, which are trying to have you for lunch. Roll two dice to determine how many vampire bats are sucking at your life points. Uh, each one has five life points. We'll strike on a four and drain three life points per round, irrespective of what the dice may indicate until you kill it. Oof. Uh, I, I rolled for the, the number of bats in the room, by the way. How many uh, are there? And we have eight. Eight bats. Okay. 
That's not good. It's not excellent. Like, I'd prefer if it weren't because of our health. So, how do we utilize our abilities in such a fashion that we can render these nerds dead? The only thing I could Is it even possible? think of would be to go twice a turn, which mm. feels like it's, a, it's our last charge of it, right? Uh, no, pi r squared, we actually only have used one charge and we oh. used it successfully. Huh. Okay. Uh... Strike successfully on a four and drain three life points, irrespective of what the dice may indicate. That doesn't get reduced, does it? Uh, no, one assumes, irrespective of what the dice may indicate. So, uh, that assumes it bypasses. Yeah, it does. Well, step one, let's roll initiative and find out. So that's a two. Uh-huh. That's a four. We're going first. All right. Should we give him the old pie I guess. Because this, it's, yeah, it's going to be, it hard counters our Fail our first cast of pie all right. Uh, believe it or not, they succeed on their four. <laughs> what? That's three HP away. You lose another three as I attempt to cast Pyar again. Come on, come on, come on. This is going to be really embarrassing if it doesn't work. That's an eight. <gasps> Yay. Uh, and then in a follow-up strike, yep. uh, because we have two attacks this round, I'm going to just absolute. EJ doesn't even use the, the sharp side. It just smacks with the blunt side uh, the, uh, the bat bubble. out of the air straight into the ground. All right. Another bat goes... Would you believe it? A success of a 10. Rude. All right, well, we at least. 19 health remaining and seven bats. bats remaining. Please cut down two bats. Uh? <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to say that uh, at this point, the bats are flying directly towards us, and uh, Pip stands over to the side and says, Swing, batter, batter! and knocks one bat as it comes uh, within striking range of EJ, again, with the blunt side, and sends it hurtling directly into another bat, uh, taking two birds out with uh, one swing. One scone. Uh, all right. Would you believe it? They get a success of six. You know what? I don't. I don't believe it. Yeah, what are we doing now? Do an attack! I will murder them in response. We are down to 16 HP. <sighs> but. I do think we live. They're but down to three bats. Yeah, we're going to have to consider, like, dreaming after this. You're not going to believe this. What? They, they, they didn't possibly hit us again, right? They hit us with a five. It was close, what? though. Oh, no. Uh, we have managed to reach our first not killing. So uh, the second one still does, which means the next combat round, we could still take out the remaining two, which means it would be indistinct. All right. You're going to believe this. <gasps> they didn't hit us? Oh, I, I guess I was... I guess we have I guess I expected you to know by now that they were going to hit us with a nine. <laughs> 
<laughs> my approach is to be naive and allow the world to betray, be on, on its own conscience. This is going to be a lot of experience at the absolute least by the end of this. We're almost oh, at the... Don't even need to roll the second dice on that one. The first one's a six. That smacks a bat. And the second one does also. Uh, I, I'm going to say that... Uh, <laughs> the the other bats, the non-vampire bats, recognizing that uh, I am exclusively targeting the vampire bats, notice there are only two remaining, and just swarm them. And then by the time they disappear, we have the the cartoon effect of like just a completely uh, completely uh, cleaned, stripped completely clean uh, bat skeleton just falling to the ground. All right, and that is. Eight full experience points for us, which would you believe? Yes. Level up. Yes. Um. So yeah, that brings us back to seventy-five. Which would you believe we've been before, and also uh, have exhausted pretty much everything we could possibly have exhausted in this general area, huh? What do we think about the possibility that Grot actually is in the false keep after all, and this has all just been like a giant side quest for picking up uh, tools? Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, no, I have not considered that, and I don't want to. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang uh, on. If I recall correctly, we've not visited 73, which was the left-hand path in the darkened shadows. We have not gone to 73. Uh, okay. I'll trust you on that. 73. I mean, like, 69 yep. leads to 48, which is... yeah. Oh, so that's not the... We were doing both of the forks first, right? We just exhausted the second fork. Yes. And now there is straight down the middle of this gloomy corridor that's to right. 73. 73. Which, Wait. of course, where is it going to be if not straight down the center of the corridor, right? Yeah. Bravely, you press forward until you fall into a pit. Uh, why can't you just look where you're going? Grumbles EJ irritatingly as you crawl out ca to calculate the damage, which actually might be quite extensive, not to say lethal. The fall itself will cost you a single die roll of life points, but the spikes at the bottom will cost you an additional double roll of life points. The poison on the spikes will cost you an effort. I mean, that's relevant. I mean, we die, right? We don't. Uh, oh. Four was the first roll. Six was the second for a total of ten damage. Well, we die. <laughs> and I, I, I was looking at the number 19, but as it turns out, our health number is 10 at the moment. Uh, and anymore, baby. <laughs> Ooh, it's zero. Hell yeah. Uh, which means we chalk up another bet. Yeah, that's another death for the deathometer. We're no longer capable of getting even the second best score. We're down in the adventuring rank. Um, although, we're now back at 73. It's true. I'm going to quickly roll for the damage it would do to us. <laughs> it's, it's really taken as much as it can. That's a, that's a 14, leaving us on 41 HP at the bottom of this pit. Well, right. Uh, so... Now, for no reason whatsoever, I'm just going to quickly roll for a secret. Oh, that's a four. As it turns out, by the way, there's a secret room on 73. Oh, my God. Which is... What does that say? It is 
leading west west on west, page west 122. to 122 parentheses oh. zero oh. oh oh yeah maybe uh well let's i'll put a star by that same thing like since it seems like mm -hmm. it seems like those are not guaranteed or like required paths who knows and then maybe we go to 48 first or wait uh wasn't 48 where we just came from wait 73 oh shoot wait 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 Oh, is there not? Oh, oh, so we have to go to the secret. Mm-hmm. Oh, because it's a... oh, okay, all right, secret, secret it is then. Let's do it on ninety. Not? Is it some? Wait, is it ninety? Mine says one twenty-two. Oh yeah, go to one twenty-two. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Does it take us to? <laughs> this is interesting, Pip. Not to say a little disturbing. The past wager run uh, runs west east. And descends towards the west. Board of the point is filled with a dim but definite and extremely eerie green glow, the source of which you cannot immediately discover. The easternmost end of the passage is sealed by a door leading with an nasty trap to a dark corridor, which will eventually take you to 48. The westmost end leads to a flight of narrow steps descending to a gloomy depth of 90, which... Why does that feel familiar? Mmm, because you just said it twice. Because <laughs> I mistook. I looked at that passage and I was yeah. like, oh, we're going to 90. But like, have we not been to 90 already, though? All right. We'll I see. can confirm that we have not. All right. Steps to the east descend into a square stone chamber dimly illuminated by the ubiquitous eerie green light. A figure stands in the center of the chamber as you drop your hand to the hilt of your sword before your eyes adjust sufficiently. You realize this is no living being, but rather a life-sized statue in granite. You move closer to inspect the figure, noting as you do, there's no exit from this chamber except for the stairs leading to a secret passage and the pit. The chamber itself is a granite flagged and walled with the ceiling comprising massive interlocking slabs of granite. The statue on closer inspection is a horror. It crouches, leering on a granite pedestal, blank eyes staring eerily to the statue of a creature that was once a man but is now little more than a wasted animated corpse richly dressed yet somehow exuding evil. Uh, you know, good on, good on Grot. For being transformed into a lich and wanting the statue to represent him as the lich. Yeah, good exactly. Too many of them have their form of visage yeah, there. Just absolutely good on you for being comfortable in your not-so-skin. <laughs> on the plinth beneath the sandaled feet is the inscription. Grot the Horror. Beneath the inscription is a keyhole, and as you inspect it, you notice something else. The pedestal in on which the statue stands might, with a little effort, be revolved to face the statue in different directions. Welcome, says a quiet voice. You leap back in terror, drawing EJ in a single movement, but nothing else moves. No attack comes. The chamber remains as empty as before. I must congratulate you, the quiet voice continues. And now you can see it's emerging from the mouth of the statue, which seems to be impregnated with some sort of magical recording medium. You have been so clever as to find this room, but the question is not that you have found it, but whether you will leave it alive. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> There is a pause broken only by the pounding of your heart before the voice continues. There are four exits from this chamber, and the key is in your stomach. <laughs> the staircase to the east and three others. To open any of the others, you merely insert the golden key and turn the direction of the statue you wish to go north 
south or west. Those be warned. Those who set foot within my tomb may never return the way they came. And the voice fades. What do you make of all that, Pip? And what's this about a golden key, then? If you happen to have it, insert into the keyhole and turn the statue north to 95, south to 102, and west to 111, or 113 at your choice. If you don't have the mysterious key and you may like to return to the secret passage 48, you may begin your search for it. Oh, boy. Or you may, of course, attempt to move the statue without the key, in which case the place to try is 97. So that kills us for sure. Um, Absolutely. What's the phrasing on the unlock? And we can do it, right? That's what I'm trying to think of, right? Because like it's it's put the golden key in as as an artifact that allows us to you know turn something in this and then turn the statue for for effect. Pit, uh, Pip's patent lock picker says we'll pick one lock per section on a throw of a six or better on two dice, uh, which actually means that we have to cast that spell and then we have to succeed the roll as well. Interesting. Given the fact that they never actually make clear when you can use the lockpick, I can only assume that it is fair and reasonable in this instance to use the lockpick. I, I am one to think so as well. And also, I'm fine right. with it, because again, we are so overpowered that at this point, we want to just get to the... We want to find ourselves in a place that would be theoretically uh, not so easy to normally handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we successfully cast the lockpick. However, we now need to successfully pick the lock. Which we also do. Wow, both of those were absolute squeakers. A seven for the cast and a six for the lockpick. Do we want to go with the statue north, south, or west? I mean, yeah, north, right there. Don't have east, unfortunately. Sorry, we're all out of east. The east machine don't work. North, south, or west. It's true. It's been uh, decided for us. 95 it is. With a slight grinding noise, a section of the northern wall slides back to reveal a wide stone flagged passageway leading northwards. You step forward into the passage, and the section of the wall slides back, effectively blocking your retreat. With a fatalistic shrug, you loosen EJ and his scabbard ready for action and begin to move off north to meet your destiny. Which, at this precise moment, involves rolling two dice. Seven or more, turn to 105, less than seven, 115. Seven or more, we'll be going to 105. Okay. Yipes, rolling down the corridor towards you is a giant fireball. <gasps> you recognize it instantly, of course. This is exactly the sort of magical fireball you've used before in various adventures. It never misses. And it never misses. It totally can miss. It never misses. It never misses. Scores a straight 75 points of damage. If this kills you... And it's difficult to see how it wouldn't. Go to 14. If you've somehow been sneaky enough to fortify yourself against fireballs, you can continue on to 115. Okay, so... Ooh, 105. great that we got that gem. Yeah, 105 was the bad roll anyways. Mm-hmm, yeah, we wanted to roll low. It was a good example of the old uh, low being better in this instance. Oh, I or, also do minute. like... <laughs> Sorry? No, 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 you'll see. Oh. Keep going. You like what? Uh, I, I, I do also like in this instance, um, yes, the fireball never misses. If you roll lower than seven, you just do 75 points of damage to the sky or a nearby tree or some stones or whatever happens <laughs> to be about, as long as it's not your enemy. Yeah. Poor David gets hit by so many stray fireballs. 
<laughs> yeah, I just turned the page. <laughs> yeah. 115. Yipes! Rolling down the corridor towards you is a giant fireball. You recognize it instantly, of course. This is exactly the sort of magical fireball you used to have in Some of course, the spell is properly cast, which may not actually be the case with this one, since the fireball is now beginning to sputter and fizzle out. Oh. Okay, so 115, we could have... Uh, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so 115 is the success. There may be some sort of lesson to be learned from that, Pip, but in the interim, you have reached a, a fork with corridors branching northwest to 123. Northeast to 131. North, east, north, north east, east, north, north east. east, north, and then east, north, and then east. <gasps> the corridor runs northeast some 50 feet, ending in an open shaft. You approach this carefully, but well aware of how dangerous this whole place can be. The shaft is circular some 10 feet in diameter and runs upwards and downwards from the level you're on. Although you look in both directions, you can see nothing. Each time, the shaft simply disappears into darkness. You can, however, hear something. A low sighing noise, like a wind through a tunnel. And unless you're very much mistaken, you can smell something as well. A faint whiff of old, familiar ozone scent magic. Scent of magic. The thing is, will you chance entering the shaft, leap without a care in the world, turn to 142. If you still have your rope, try and climb down to 149, or backtrack to 115. We definitely still have our rope. We definitely do. So, do you want to do that? Sure. I mean, if it's a thing that could have been uh, taken away from us and it has not, you would think that this would be good. But we shall see. Mm -hmm. uh, which page is that? 149. 149. Even with your rope, you find you can't get all the way down to the bottom. You hang there in the shaft trying to make your mind up on what to do. Which is not at all easy in these circumstances. You may, of course, be quite close to the bottom. The trouble is you can't see more than a few yards down. If you want to risk letting go of the rope and jumping, turn to 162 or climb back up the rope. Uh, no. <laughs> no. That's the go home. We're going big on 162. Let's be, uh, let's be very large on 162, please. With some vague thought that you might be dropping into water, you hold your nose and let go of the rope. Unfortunately, your vague thought proves totally inaccurate. That crunching nose, no, noise... Oh. That crunching noise is your bones. As you eventually reach the bottom of the shaft, you can pull yourself up together again on page 14. Okay, so that's just a death. Death number six. So this is just a... We do all of this for a death hole? Yep. Oh. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm gonna pitch something stupid. What's that? I, in the, this is just like the death tally book anyways, right? Yeah. Surely 142 isn't good, right? But what if it was? But what if it was? I like it. I mean, I, I just want to know. I just want to know. We died. We just come back. We come back. We just mark this, off another tally on the you lose stinker points. Mm-hmm. I mean, for what it's worth, the adventure is becoming harder as we have zero health potions, zero salves, zero charges of panic left, things like that. Yep. The deaths are costing us something. It's true, it's true. Uh, 142. What a funny thing to do. But let's see if you got away with it. Throw two... What? Throw two dice, score seven or more, you float up to 152, score less, and you... I got a nine. That's great. Score less and you drop like a stone to 14. This is one of the instances where we're certain that the lower roll is not better. Yeah. Uh, well, unless 152 is somehow worse than death. Unlikely. Wait, what? Wait. What? Who wrote this book? Oh, 
152. R.L. Stein? Stone the Crows? To use a quaint old... I'm almost certain that's... It says Avalonian here. I'm pretty sure Stone the Crows is Australian. Mm. It, we might have inherited it. Is it, it, it that it, that and Struth? I'm like, what? Huh? Who? Huh? A country folk? I see. Uh, you're floating, levitating to be precise, zipping upwards like a rocket, or more accurately, a hot air balloon. Heading for clunk. That was the sound of your poor old noddle striking the top of the levitation <laughs> shaft, losing a full ten life points in the process. Uh, if you if it kills you, go to 14, or you can step out of the shaft at a higher, more interesting level of 164. What? I'm going to be honest, Raps. Yep. I wanted to see how we died. <laughs> I'm upset that this is a path. I'm so sorry we got bonked on the noddle instead. My noddle! But there had to be something. Like, th th it, it is wild that if you try and use the rope to climb down, you are guaranteed to die. It makes no if sense. you try and go further, rather than if you just jump from the top. This is like the very first uh, Give Yourself Goosebumps books of jump off the bridge and then, yay, wind saved you! Like, mm -hmm. instead of trying to cross the bridge. It, it, I, I, yeah. All right, you step out of the, the shaft. The wind that would remove your skin. Exactly. Into the blinding sunlight. You blink a few times until your eyes become accustomed to the light. You look around you, standing by the side of a winding road. What? Which will, if you take it, lead you to 36. If you have any users of PIL left, you can go back down the shaft. Leap into the shaft, cast a spell, turn to 174. If the spell doesn't work or you want to decide you want to jump without casting it, turn to 180. Uh, I hate we tried the... jumping without casting. It was a bad idea. Uh, have we been to 174? Uh, no, we have not. We're going to have to cast a pill to get there, though. But, huh. For what it's worth, that is the one that I am all aboard. Yeah. Okay, so 36 star 174. Or, I mean, okay. I'm not certain 36 needs to be a star. If I recall correctly, it's like one of the very early. Oh, you're pages that right. That's no, that's the that's the initial four doors. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, never mind. Absolute throwback. All right. So, yeah, it's, it's just pill at this point, right? Yep. I got a seven. That's good, right? Oh, that, that's so much better. And you said your seven before I saw my three. Oh, good. I win. Uh, so 174. I mean, who knows? With with what just happened, maybe... I don't... I don't know. Mm, maybe ill preparation is better preparation in, uh, with respect to this well? It's so strange, yeah. Nice move, Pip. You float down like a, as light as a feather as you reach the very bottom of the sap, which proves to be totally uninteresting, but for the bones of previous adventures who have come down the hard way. With no other way out, you use the remaining energy of your pill spell to levitate back up the level you were at before you transported to the top, at which stage you can continue levitating to 36. No. Step out of this level and backtrack to the fork with the corridors branching northwest to 123 or northeast to 131. Okay. Wait, so you're telling me that there was nothing? This this whole hole is nothing? So let's go to 123 before we uh, examine it too much and get upset. Yep. The northwest... Wait, the corridor runs northwest for about 50 feet before turning due north and ending in a stout wooden door. You reach the door and listen... But there's no sound. Cautiously, you try the door. It opens silently, allowing you to access the long but narrow chamber running east-west. In the northern wall of the chamber are three doors. Directly in front of each one is a closed coffin. You edge suspiciously forward, and as you do so, your movement seems to trigger a spell of some description. 
for there is the familiar blue lightning flash of magic before soft voice speaks from the air above. Welcome, you grat-faced little pune, if I may say so without giving offense. Here is an opportunity to test that pea-sized brain of yours. Before you are three coffins. They're numbered one, two, and three in case you won't count them. Or rather can't. Now, you cross-eyed, ugly, groveling worm. This creep is really rude. It'll be a pleasure to hack him into stock cubes when you finally meet up face-to-face. Your problem is to find the lady, or in this case, find the lady vampire. Two of the coffins are empty, and thus the door they guard may be opened safely. The third contains Draculina, a nasty piece of work as ever drained the jugular. In order to assist you, let me give you this clue. The coffin in which Draculina uh, rests is numbered with the first digit of her age, which is half that of her brother Dracula, who is himself 25 times the age of their cousin Babyfang, who was one last birthday. Choose wisely, Birdbrain. 25 times double the age of their cousin Babyfang. Right? Wait, what? So Baby Fang was one their last birthday. I have to assume they turned one on their last birthday, which means double the age of their cousin was two, which means uh, Dracula is 25 times that, so 50, uh, which means that Draculina's uh, age is 25, as is half of her brother Dracula. So, I mean, that also leads us to picking two which we like anyways. Mm-hmm. The coffin in which she rests is numbered with the first digit of her age, which is two. Gotta be it. Let's do it. Fifty-four. As you move toward, wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 turn to mission it. Sa- mission failed successfully. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait wait. Mission wait. failed successfully. Wait. We yes. perfectly found <laughs> where Draculina is. The thing is, we didn't avoid it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot we were supposed to. I... <laughs> I've played in so many years of three skull monty. I was uh, you. You want to find the thing, dude? Watch where the where. Watch where the little ball goes. Not where the little ball goes. In double or nothing. Double or nothing. Yeah, double or nothing. I right, let's do it again. Okay, all right. That's on us. <laughs> that we made the 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 re- revelation in both of our voices at the exact same time. Of like, wait, we didn't <laughs> want to be good. <laughs> Um, we got mathed. As you move towards the door, the coffin lid abruptly crashes open to reveal a slim, pale, beautiful lady with straight black hair, low-cut gown, and eye teeth that reach halfway down to her ankles. Kissy, kissy. She says teasingly. This is Draculina for sure, and you're going to have to get past if you want to open that door. Or just survive, come to that. Draculina has 40 life points, hits on a four, and drains your life points in a most peculiar manner. When she manages to hit successfully, use three life points for every combat round additional to dice damage, including the rounds when you strike back and the rounds where she misses you altogether. If you survive, you may open your chosen door at 141. If not, you'll find some sticking plasters for your throat on 14. Mm. Okay. If four or most, when she manages to hit successfully, well, that's pretty likely. Do we have the giggle blaster? Still? Uh, so we... We have one, right? 
Uh, Pip's instantaneous levity and laughter. We've only used one, and we used it successfully. All right, roll initiative. I, okay, well, I, I got a one, so don't beef it. Three. We roll initiative higher. Now, do we actually want to use that one? Or, uh, anytime we roll a nine or above, we just straight up murder a humanoid. You're right! I forgot we were that overpowered. You're right. Let's not even bother. Uh, EJ, uh, looks on as we, uh, hold EJ in one hand, similar to Gandalf, I guess, in this way. We've got a sword in one hand and a staff in the other, and we are ready to back this Balrog to hell. Uh, that's an eight. One short of an instant kill, but it will, however, do a total of four, nine damage to Draculina. Does it? Oh, oh yeah, it does... It does damage too? Wait, I can't remember. Oh, uh, so if I read the rod correctly, and I will quickly look for its rules, but it was effectively just if you roll above, uh, where is it? Uh, if you roll, uh, above the nine, it instantly kill. I guess, do we have to select what weapon we're fighting with? I guess I thought so. That would, that would make sense. But it'll probably be fine. So, roll. That's a one. That's uh, not. That's not a one. That's a four. So that is five. So that is a hit. But it is mostly just the three uh, life points a turn is the problem. Yes. She'll. Uh, we'll lose three life points for every combat round, additional to dice damage, including those rounds when you strike back and those rounds when she misses you altogether so does that mean in our turn and then her turn yes because a combat round is both of our turns yeah no it's it's saying for every combat round uh so strike twice back per combat round it says including those yes including those rounds where oh, you okay. strike back and the cool. rounds where she misses you altogether. so yeah it's okay coming to our turn um just, so we will have done no damage to her because we're attacking with the rod but just roll good. another rod attack just roll good oh never mind about that Struggled? I tried my hardest, but uh, I did not. We'll lose three HP. Uh, great news. He misses <gasps> with the only thing that can be a miss. But the truth is it doesn't really matter. It's only the three damage drain that's going to really do anything to us. Exactly. She's got to roll really well to do anything else. So that's another three I... and then another three. So mm -hmm. another three for our turn as we miss again. Are we too reliant on this 9+, plus? is that uncommon? Have I made a mistake? Well, you've also rolled it three times and we can't, it doesn't work anymore. Oh, yeah. So, here we are. <laughs> Good news, she doesn't do well. damage, but she does damage. Hmm. Mark down another six, basically. So, if we take a turn, we're taking six damage now? Yes. Oh, boy. I don't think there's a world where, uh, at six damage a turn, we ever survive this fight against the enemy right now. How much health do we have? 27 remaining. So we're about to take six damage when striking back, and then her strike back on us is at least six damage, if not incrementing us up to nine. Um, we start oh. getting quickly towards the point no, where I meant, we don't uh, have enough time to make enough attacks. No, I don't think that, the, I don't think that it stacks... I, I thought you were saying six damages in, it was three three on her turn, and then three when it gets back to you. I don't think that stacks. Oh, okay, yeah, I've been stacking it. 
Oh, no, no, no. I don't think so. I, I was saying, I don't, based on the way it's written, I don't think so. Okay. I th I th we're all good then. We're, we're on 30, and we do have the time to actually strike back. Oh, EJ. Uh, so even if we hit with the rod, the rod would have done two damage because it was an eight and a six or above is a hit. So the enemy is still on 38 from the initial strike. And EJ follows up to take out another seven, taking him down to 31. Uh, we go down to 27 on that I, turn, though. I'm actually kind of upset to see a three here, because the fact that I rolled two misses on a four, but it wasn't the first turn, is actually upsetting. <laughs> mm. Oh, well. Those would have been useful. Uh, we'll take another three damage for that turn, another three after this roll. This roll, oh my god. EJ really, really doesn't want to take her out. That's uh, six more damage, down to 25 for the enemy, and down to 21 on ourselves. That is a six, so no damage, but still damage. EJ's still taking his absolute sweet time on this, with another seven damage to the enemy for a total of 18. And uh, we're down, oh, this is, this is getting pretty dire. We're down to 15. Uh... That is a six, so no extra damage, but still damage. Is there ever a point where we fire finger? Uh, even if we fire finger, we would still need an another 18? combat round afterwards. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> EJ, five damage. We fire finger in the next round. We yeah. absolutely need. <laughs> the good news is she hits, but no damage once again, which is not hard to believe with doing die damage. Mm -hmm. Which means uh, after we strike, we will be on nine remaining HP, and that strike is going to be manifest as a Firefinger. Uh, Firefingers can't miss, they just do 10 damage, so Firefinger! Ah. After all that, she just, <laughs> she just falls to the ground. Just, just a tiny, tiny little puff of smoke from over the top of the corpse, like <laughs> the least visual effects possible. All right. If you survive, you may open the chosen door to 141. Hmm. Good grief. It's a garlic store. No wonder Draculina was so anxious to prevent your coming in here. Strings of garlic onions hanging from the rafters from a sort of garlic bread curtain, which makes it impossible to see very far into the room. I want a garlic bread curtain. <laughs> Not that it worries you, of course, since with so much garlic about, the chances of being attacked by a vampire are precisely zilch. Which is more than you can say about your chances of being attacked by a werewolf. The creature's leaping at your throat before you can say Jack Robinson. Although, why you'd want to say that? It's a mystery. The werewolf has 25 life points. Fangs for plus three. Absorbs minus two. Unless you happen to be fighting it with a silver sword. Uh, this is significantly less scary. Is it? My only reasoning for it not being uh, less scary is that we currently have nine health points. Oh, I actually still think it's less scary. Very, very fair. I, I am keen to see you're working. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he hits on a six with plus three. I mean, it's not great. Okay, it's not good. We should have definitely he pushed Podeones. He's doing one damage. Yeah, I mean, if we had any Podeones, that would have been great. That's we would have right. had to start using Dream Time. All right, well, step one, let's roll for initiative. Once again, you're going to have to bungle it. I got a one. I also bungled it. That's a push. All right. Two. I got a two as well. That's another push, baby. All right. Three. I'm two. walking up. Oh, my God. 
I liked to. I, I stayed. I, don't don't hit me. We're supposed to. We're supposed to walk up together. All right. I'm so sorry. That is a. I got good news. That's a five, so it's a miss. So we have one round of messing up. Mm. So that's fine. That's fine. So could I possibly sell you? on uh we firefinger and then just hope that he doesn't kill us next round because firefinger doesn't get reduced by their armor does it no wait hang on did we fight what did we decide on that it was one of the other uh i think it was that it does not i thought but i could i don't remember <laughs> we we made so many rules and uh what about the um the hit him and then stun him dart uh, so that would be the Pip's Attacking Dart. Allows user to launch a magical dart against an enemy out of combat range. It never misses and is properly cast. Uh, and if properly cast, rather. <laughs> if we cast a spell, we go down to 6 HP, which means anything will put us on the ground. Um, uh, dart yes. never misses, will do 10 damage. An enemy so attacked cannot immediately strike back. Unless he has a long-range weapon. I see. All right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going for the the pips attacking, doing 10 damage to the enemy, and then, uh, boy. How do we not die? Uh, I suspect... Luck and fireball. <laughs> oh, boy. I, don't I wanna... would prefer luck yes. out of these. Yeah. All right, then. I I should we just try and strike normally is, is rather I than guess. spend resources? And we, yeah, and we die, we we mark a loser point. Exactly. I'm not I'm not trying to play towards that out. Oh, I'm so glad I said that. Oh, that's snake eyes, baby. Alright. That's a five again. So start rolling good. <laughs> I'd love to. EJ, care to meet me halfway? About as halfway as you possibly could be. That is an eight. That's nine damage. The enemy reduced by two by the rough skin. Uh, to a total of seven. Uh, they're down on 18 HP. Okay. That's a three. That's There's there's still a world. That's a one. Okay. Wait. I That's a four. That's a miss. This maybe actually is going to be fine. Luck is legitimate. It's, it's EJ is cooperating. That's a ten. That's a six. I'm gonna give him five. Four plus five. Enemy is down to nine HP. Firefinger will take him out next round. And we don't have to spend HP to cast Firefinger. We already did. All right, that is a seven. Which, if I remember correctly, is not anything. That's. Four damage, which is completely prevented by our dragon skin jacket. In response to that, we raise a fist and then extend the pinky. Firefinger! Duh! <laughs> and the wolf howls off into the distance safely and runs away with its tail between its legs. If you don't kill the wolf, but it runs away into the distance with its tail between its legs, turn to 151. Hmm. I'm so glad they had an entry for that. And there's nothing we can do to heal ourselves at this point. We could sleep. How do you feel about sleeping? Never done it. What do you think? Mm, <laughs> I mean, worst case scenario, we yeah. die. Yeah, but if we do don't it. do it. <laughs> so, uh, would you like to roll for the, the dream time, whether or not Is we it get a, a five or a six, which would save us from having to even dream? I got a five. 
But cool. I'm not, we just I'm get a double dice that. roll of health. I mean, I mean, do that, but I'm gonna roll again. Sure, we get eight health back. All right, this is one of those times where I kind of want to lie and say I got something else because I got a five again. But, and then I got a three. I because I wanted to go until we until we failed. So we get two for free, and then a third one that is not for free. Up to 25 HP, and then we have a dream on our third rest. And that is a dream of a faulty wand creates a magical counter resonance when you are casting a spell. Throw two dice. Score above a six and add the result to your current life points. Score six or less and deduct it from your current life points. We roll seven. We just get seven more HP. Uh, In addition to the roll that you get for resting as well, by the way. Dreamtime can just be so generous. Like Twelve. Yeah, Dreamtime okay. can be good. Okay. Uh, so that's 19 more health. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I, the amount of times in this is that we've healed. Sleeping can be good for you, apparently. <laughs> the amount of times that we have healed to exactly 44 in this campaign is wild. We're back up wow. on 44. Wow. Uh, all right. Uh, 151. <laughs> You're not out of the woods yet, Pip. The body of the wolf is changing, elongating, twisting, shuddering, distorting, until it changes into a rather hairy, very squat thug of a man who launches himself upon you, growling furiously like he's from a B movie that also has 25 life points, fangs for plus three, absorbs minus three, unless you happen to have the silver sword. Okay. So same thing. But this it's time- It's literally the healthy. same fight. Uh, I rolled a one for the love of God, Raps. Three! Wow, sorry, what a roll. I can't with you this time. I got a two on the next one. Oh, and then a six. Okay, never mind. Can't walk up. Uh, so I feel comfortable killing this guy. Just That's fine. Yeah, it's, we just, it's not a dog. It's a man. This is expendable. Uh, that is seven, which is five. The enemy takes five damage and goes down to 20. All right. Rolls and gets a, okay, a 10, which is gotta be damage, right? Uh, mm -hmm. That's be four plus three for a total of seven, three minus damage. four for three damage to us. I'd rather take it now. Mm -hmm. One more strike back against him. That's a confident one, EJ. Love to see you mustering that up. That's a nine for a total of uh, five, five, negative two, eight damage to the enemy, taking them down to 12. All right. Swingeths again for a seven, which I believe is not damage. No. That's the exact number they would need to beat in order to do any damage to us. We could, if we so wanted, expend a Firefinger to completely just end the fight, or we could continue fighting normally. It really comes down to whether or not we think losing any additional HP is a risk at this point. Eh, let's just fire finger. Why not? We have Go so on. many. Bzz. Beep. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I said fire finger! And we extend this time the ring finger directly next to the pinky we previously used. It nulls up as it sends a bolt of lightning through the chest of the very squat thug of a man who'd launched himself at us. It just I, I like visualizing the the fire finger just being like like and just like a very quick it it's that mm -hmm. in like literally one frame they're like on the floor like <laughs> all right it, it's it's one of those things they show in a show and it, you know none of the characters can discern what's happened and then they have to later go back to freeze frame footage yeah. to be like oh look you can see the, the you can see the proton going here. Yeah, that's right. He's firing individual subatomic particles. Yeah. 
If you killed this man, turn to page 163. All the hassle with the werewolf has hacked down quite a few of those strings of garlic onions that you were hanging down all over the place, allowing you to see the most curious artifact lying among the bits of werewolf strewn about the floor. It's a beautifully made golden replica of a golden clove, garlic clove, which, needless to say, you promptly add to whatever small accumulation of booty you've already managed to loot. You can also see the exit door in the north wall chamber leading to 173. If you don't want to go there, you can always backtrack. I mean, 173, right? We mm -hmm. Yeah, 123 and 131. We'd previously gone to both of the other forks. You've entered a metal-lined room with no visible exit on the northern wall, a lever above it, which is neatly engraved with a notice stating, Pull! You hesitate. On occasions before, you have pulled a lever like that. The floor is given away. The ceiling's fallen in. You examine the floor carefully, but solid as a rock. You reach up with EJ, prod the ceiling, but as far as you can tell, it's perfectly sound. You look back at the lever. If you decide to pull, you can find out what happens on 208, or you can go home. Rito, I yoink it. Boink. Yoink. It, it, no, it said pull, not yoink. Damn it. Bop it. Twist it. <laughs> All right. You're momentarily... Wait. Oh. No. Yeah, this is it. It's 208. You're momentarily blinded by a sudden flash of light, but you blink things back into focus. You're still in the same metal line room, or are you? Better go to page 23 to find out. <laughs> Hmm, I happen to recognize that as a blue metal lined room that is just in the middle of the caves. So it looks like very commonly here, uh, they teleport us back to to this constantly. That That's a point, a thing they intend to do. I'm seeing 23 at the accumulation of too many of these pages. So I guess the question is, yes. do we check a different coffin? Because it seemed to imply we're picking a door behind them. Oh, so there right. are actually you're three. Right. There are three doors there, so we're, we're not actually at a dead end. We did also get the golden clove while we were doing that. Let's check one of the other doors. So one or three from the uh, coffins. Let's go three. Uh, I'm gonna go with three. One fifty-four. I'll go with three too. <laughs> so I jumped on it. The gun <laughs> jumped on it. The gun. Uh, as you move towards the door, the coffin lid abruptly crashes open to reveal nothing. An empty coffin, which allows you to open the door safely and enter the chamber on 129. Okay. <laughs> what? Have we, what? Uh, um, I, oh. I, I will not steal narration in general from you, but uh, as you open the door, there's a flash of light, baby. It's checking for it, Robert. You guys, you can open it again on 23. We're back to 23. All right, let's try uh, chest number one. All right, one. What's behind door number one, Monty? It's disappointment. As you move towards the door, the coffin lid abruptly crashes open to reveal nothing. An empty lid. Go to 129. <laughs> what? Okay, okay. So that's 129, which is our brief flash of light before we find ourselves back in 23 again, which means that whoever was telling us don't fight the uh, Draculina in this one, Lied. The only way to get anything from that entire branching path was to fight Draculina. But, 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 it's, 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 it's time. It's a very experience to have been through. Hopefully that golden clove is important. So, huh. So, huh. 
The only thing I could think is turning the statue a different way. Yeah, that's that's the only last thing that I can possibly think of. So let's do that, I guess, on page 90. <laughs> I'll just do the next one. 102? Yeah, I don't like south or west. Let's go 102. I just, yeah. When it comes to those, it's uh, whatever's first. I don't want to have yeah, to... Exactly. I don't want to give it the power of thinking about it. But it's like grinding noise. Or have we been to 102? It wouldn't make sense if you would, but who knows? Not a lot has made sense in this book. With a slight grinding noise, a section of the southern wall slides back to reveal a wide stone flag passageway leading southwards. You step forward in the passage. The section of walls retreat back, effectively blocking your retreat. With a fatalistic shrug, you loosen EJ and your scabbard, ready for action, move off north to meet your destiny. That exact page has been listed before, but I think it was... No. I'm no. not certain they have. Wait. No, wait. No, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't think we... We, 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 we did another path from 95 that had basically the same writing. But yes, we have exactly, not, yes. but it was referring to yes. 101 and 111, if I recall correctly. Yes. Or 102 and 112. Yeah. It was also separated by 10, but uh, I will say, I simulated the roll. We've got an 8. We're going to be landing over on 109. Oops. Good grief, a bolt of lightning crackles down the corridor towards you. Then there may be more where that came from. Throw two dice to determine how many bolts are headed your direction. Any throw above 10 counts as only one, since, as you'll instantly recognize, these are magical Firefinger lightning bolts. For each bolt, deduct 10 from your current life points. Oh, okay, so uh, Firefinger is not deducted by armor, because otherwise it would not say... If this kills, you go to 14. Mm. If you survive, you may continue on to 119. That's a good point well made. Uh, well, I hope I roll really badly or really well. I rolled really badly. We only have four of these suckers coming at us. That will kill us. <laughs> <laughs> but we could be deader. Yeah, we could be deader. I could have. We could be deader. All right. So that. how about... Here's this. It's mark death. Uh, and I'm going to roll to simulate. I got a six. Is that Was that what you got to... You got an death eight. Death number two. No, 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 a six, a six yeah. to uh, see which path we go to. Oh, that would be going to 119. Is that the, the other one? That's what I was asking. So it's not a death yet, then. It could be a death, but I. it's not a death yet. Good grief! A, a bolt of lightning crackles down the corridor towards you. You have no chance to jump aside, but as the bolt arcs towards your chest, it fizzles slightly and drops with a limp plop on the floor. So someone didn't cast a spell effectively. Interesting, but at least... Right now, you have another problem altogether. You've reached a fork where the southwestern quarter branches to 138, other one southeastern 144. I see east, I go east. 144, and we'll mark 138 as a different time to go to. 144. Ever have one of those days when absolutely nothing goes right, Pip? Yes. Coming down the vampire corridor... What? Well, hey, sorry to be the lead. Uh, the golden corridor is a group of wandering vampires... Throw one die to determine how many. Ba ba ba. If you happen to slaughter the vampires, and or happen to be carrying a special clove of golden garlic from which they will flee as if it were the plague, then you just turn to one sixty instead. Which let's do that one. Mm hmm. We do indeed. Um. There were five vampires, and we gain five experience. No longer. All right. In the movies, when you kill a vampire, it crumbles into dust, leaving nothing but a huge signet ring. In this place, it just lies there, clutching the floor. 
It's littered with vampire corpses in the moment, sprawled on tightly and twitching so that... Twi twitching? Kill those vampires. Stone cold dead. Not really. Stone cold dead. Not a life point. Not really. Left between them. Not really. So what's this twitching? One of the vampires isn't just twitching. It's staggering to his feet and running right towards you. If you run like mad now, you'll find yourself back at 90. If you're prepared to face an undead, which you've already served your best efforts once. You have my blessing as you turn to 171. Very kind of the book to offer that. I think we should turn to 171. It'd be rude to reject its yeah. offer. 171. Have at you, gruesome creature of the darkling nightside, hideous denizen of crypts and tombs, you foul distortion of... You stop in amazement as the vampire, which was staggering towards you and with hunger in its eyes, is toppling down again to crumble into dust, leaving only a massive signet ring. That last effort must have been its dying gasp. Its undying gasp? Ever hungry for booty, you swiftly swoop down on the ring, which, large though it is, is just about to write for the third finger of your left hand. And has the curious property of temporarily turning you into a bat when rubbed three times. Rubbing the ring takes up one combat round in a fight, but once it's done, means the opponent needs to require... Wait, needs to roll a seven or better to hit you for the remainder of combat. But you also won't be able to use EJ, but you can bite on a four, but draw blood at a plus four damage, which is nearly as good. Now better stir yourself up before any more of those vampires start to twitch. You can continue on your merry way out to 181. Huh. I'd say that's it a worthy trade-off. turn you into a bat when you rub it three times. Rubbing the ring takes up a round of combat. But when done... There's no duration on this. this no, it's forever. It's sorry, so. like, you know, to the period of the combat, but, like, there's, there's no usage. You just do yeah. this whenever you want. Yeah. No, it's busted. It's just That's busted. wild as hell. The question that, that we're getting to now, which is a very weird one, which is we have so many overpowered things... That we have to decide what we use. Thankfully, I think we have so many overpowered things that are mutually exclusive in use condition. Like, we don't have a better combat buff than Signet Ring now. That's true. Especially if the enemy has something like, you know, they hit but, uh, on a four or greater or something basically like that. Basically, though... so different. It's like, do we want to use that in the first three rounds where we could potentially instant kill instead is kind of where I'm getting at. <laughs> I mean, three rounds of trying to instant kill and then we become a bat. <laughs> yeah, basically. All right, 181. The corridor continues oh, southeast for nearly 150 yards, during which you notice the side walls are gradually turning red. For danger? Well, maybe. You take time to examine them, wondering vaguely if they're growing red hot or anything nasty like that, but closer look reveals nothing intimidating, more intimidating than a peculiar graduated paint job. Presumably done to tone in tastefully with the bright red door with which corridor ends. You stop momentarily nonplussed and stand looking at the red door, which has prominently displayed a large notice. Grot's private quarters. Keep out if you value your life. Uh, puzzle. It, it, it's a puzzle. Uh, Grot's private quarters, eh? The first... Just the place you were looking for, if you can trust this notice. But whether you can or can't, you're at, you're at liberty to try the door at 192. If you are, of course, equally at liberty to travel back. Never! Never! You can't make me do that. So what does the cipher say, though? Mmm. What do it? What do it say? So one would think it's like a bump down by one? No, but it can't be. Like, KU would be JT. And Justin Timberlake isn't involved in this series at all. Not yet. 
That's true. Oh, there's a heavy presence of Q. Tasting notes of Q? Ah, yes. This is from a summer vintage just outside the Alpha Bet ruins in the Hoenn region. It could be a bump down by two cipher. U becomes S, K becomes I. I believe it's a bump down by uh, two cipher. So Q would be, first words, only? Okay, I've got it. Great. Uh, only part of this notice is T-R-U-E, true. Only part of this notice is true. And the notice itself, of course, still being uh, Grot's private quarters, keep out if you value your life. All right, which part's true? This ain't his, this is not his private quarters. Yeah, exactly. It's got to still be keep out, value your life, but there's only one way to find out in there. I suppose that is indeed the case. One, okay, so wait. Oh god, my my notebook is so messy for this book. It's crazy. So 192. Mm -hmm. All right, 192. <laughs> this isn't Grot's private quarters. It's not anybody's private quarters. In fact, it's not even quarters. There's no room of any sort behind the door. Just a red painted quarter which continues the way you're going. No different from, well, just a little different from the quarter you've been traveling. This one has highly polished floor. Very highly polished floor, which is tilting. Your feet slip from under you. The corridor tilts further. Desperately, you fight to retain your balance. You're beginning to slide forward down the corridor. Visions of monstrous maws or lava-filled pits crowd your mind. You hurl yourself backwards, hoping to hope, ag hoping against hope to reach a door again. But will you succeed? Throw one die, five or six. You scramble back to the door you came from. Uh, anything else? And go to 220. All right. Would you like to roll that? I mean, I did get a five, but that means... That'll do it. But that just brings that us we, back. We just don't die. Yes, we just don't die. But we do have the ability to take uh, either of the corridors. Okay. Oops. Uh, I lost the page. One, 192. 192. But haven't we done these corridors? We have not done these corridors? Uh, if I recall correctly, we have done one of these uh, corridors. Yeah, and I'm just trying to... Oh, yeah, we've not done 138. Yes, because the other one was uh, had an eastern direction in it. So 138, southwest. The passageway, passageway runs southwest for less than 30 feet before you notice something odd. A slab of red sandstone has been sent to the floor of the corridor immediately ahead. The slab itself is wide enough to stretch the width of the corridor so that you would not notice it. You would have certainly walked over it. Fortunately, you can. If you wish, jump over the slab fairly easily. But do you want to, if you want to jump across the slab, 147. If you want to walk on it, 159. A red sandstone? I don't know. I feel like jumping over it is right. I don't, I, I, there is some part about the book so far that makes me think that uh, if it's offering us to take caution, we should. Yeah, 147. You leap nimbly over the inlaid sandstone slab, landing firmly on the granite flagstone beyond, which tilts to drop you into a pit for the loss of 15 life points. Hilarious. If it kills you, 14. If it doesn't, you certainly have further opportunities for getting killed as you continue on your passageway to 161. Oh, this the is still a new passageway at the absolute least. We do lose 15 HP, but we'll uh, go down the corridor. The passageway you've been following ends in a stout wooden door, which stands slightly ajar as most doors in do in tombs, since the majority of their inhabitants aren't going anywhere. You push it further open and peer into a low ceiling chamber with no indication of an exit. The smell tells you that there was once a troll in here. 
Even before you spot the creature itself, Sid, uh, seated on a metal-bound wooden chest, cleaning its rotten nails with a crystal dagger. And the last time you've seen a dagger like this was on an island near Greece, and a poetic fiend was using it to kill things with a single blow. If you're prepared to risk being killed by a single blow, you may fight the troll on 172, but since it's not attacking, you can also use the alternative option of backtracking. Uh, I will note, we can definitely use the ranged attack since he's out of combat, and we're at a distance. Mmm. Could try that. Yeah, we could initiate combat with that. Do 10 damage and try and pause him. Yeah. Um, another option would be, uh, okay. Is a troll technically humanoid? I'm gonna look online. Troll? I mean, it's, it's anthropomorphic, certainly. Uh, which literally anthropomorphic, right? We're working in the Greek realm of human-shaped. So humanoid, one would assume, but... Because trolls are not humanoids, they are giants. Wait, they're a race of particularly giant humanoid. Oh, inconsistency of fantasy. I mean, we can just do the distance attack, and then if it works, then we can get the the other the giggle fit. Oh no, because he's a humanoid and kills humanoids. Is that what you're saying? The wand instinct. Is that what? Yes, the rolls. Hey, uh, cross the bridge if we come to it. Sounds good. Because it might not even be All a right. fight. <laughs> I saw the one land first, and then the six followed it. Hell uh, yeah. That's a pips attacking dart. That, uh, okay. So what page was that? 172? 172. Yeah! You cry, leaping into the room dramatically in your best samurai manner, flashing EJ above your head so violently that the poor thing is quite seasick. Your doom is upon you, troll! Which may or may not be. The troll shouldn't prove at all that difficult to knack her, having only 12 life points. <laughs> so he's dead. <laughs> mm -hmm. He doesn't ever strike on a six or better, and he doesn't have to do much damage because the crystal dagger will kill you outright. Uh, okay, so <laughs> did you kill him with the dart before we even get there. So over the chest mm -hmm. on, on 183. Canonically, we fire the dart and then cry, Yeah! Your doom is upon you, troll! <laughs> and then he just dies. <laughs> We're yelling this to his corpse. Yeah. Let's get that dagger. Look at those gems. There must be 2,347 gold pieces worth in here with a rough guess. Emeralds, rubies, sapphires, diamonds. None of them very big, admittedly, but what do you expect for slaughtering a puny little troll? <laughs> and then, of course, there's that lethal crystal knife the troll was trying to do you mischief with. If you'd like to use that instead of EJ at any time. Just a minute. EJ mumbles, mind eavesdropping again, picking up thoughts he doesn't like at all. Uh, Yeah. Then you'll have to throw a six to strike, but once you get your roll, you'll kill the opponent stone dead with a single blow. Bad news is it'll shatter on impact, only good for one kill. We only need it for one, baby. Mm-hmm. Then continue on to 195. The corridor, which has been running southwest, turns south uh, before entering a large open chamber with no discernible exits. In the chamber of which stands a huge crystalline cube, a curious humming noise fills the air as you step into the chamber, humming which increases in intensity as you approach the cube and decreases as you move away. Cautiously, you circle this odd artifact. Actually wondering if it might be a giant die, giving you some flashbacks, but it isn't. 
and discover that on the southern face, deeply inscribed into the crystalline surface, is the number 90. Even more cautiously, you take another step closer and realize as the humming increases, you suddenly discover where it's coming from. Rising from the top of the crystal cube is a near-transparent swarm of crystal bees. They do not attack, but instead engage in some very fancy flying to form a word midair, and the word is... In halt! In bee-speak. You halt, not out of urge towards obedience, but rather considering your options. These appear to be limited by the fact that if you want to get any closer to the cube, you'll have to fight some crystal bees, which you can do on 223, or go home. Obviously, we've got to go big, and that is uh, fighting these crystal bees on 223. What is the the 90 inscribed on this? I'm assuming that's the, just, because that's the page where the statue is. is. I don't know why that's my thought. Oh. Which my guess is it's saying, or wait, is that not where the, I don't even think that's where that is. No, it is. It is. Okay. Which makes me think it's telling us we're going the wrong way, but I don't know. I think that's entirely possible, yes. You step forward bravely. The bees break formation, mill around a bit, and reform into the face of a very crabby, fanged school teacher. If you, however, have a crystal bee training kit on your person, you can ignore this threat. <laughs> and any other bees might make. Uh, and proceed directly to 212. Otherwise, you're going to have to fight a very peculiar way. First, roll two dice. Double the result to determine how many bees will actually attack you. Each attacker will definitely sting you. Oh my god, no need to roll dice, but no I need to roll dice. Each sting will cost you two life points. Oh boy. Oh, I rolled a four! There's only eight bees! That's uh, 16 life points! Oh. Wait, oh wait, we don't even fight them. That's... I see. No, yeah, bees don't survive stinging you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, on to 212, I guess it is. Wait, hang on. That was technically a fight. We get eight experience. We level up again. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Uh, cautiously approach the crystal cube, which sparkles slightly, changes color depending on what angle you look at it. You reach out to tap one of its surfaces gently, and zap. Without the slightest warning or sensation, you find yourself in a familiar chamber, granite flagged and walled, with a ceiling comprising of massive interlocked stone slabs of granite. In the center is a lifelike statue of Grot the Hoddle. And here's the three options, all of which bring us back to, yeah, the north, south, or west. For what it's worth, we've also just learned that a, uh, a a crystalline structure will teleport us to the page inscribed upon it. Or it's to true. an equivalent of the page inscribed upon it. Um, so we have one remaining direction here, and that is west at 113. Curse said west. Curse splunk. Scoundrels live west. You got a dart on the end of your nose. You pull it out and look at it. It looks exactly like the sort of dart that's generated by a PAV spell. Causes some damage, i.e. 10. If it kills you, 14. Otherwise, continue to 121. It doesn't kill us, but we do go to 14. Does it make us stronger? Health, that is. Uh, we go down from 24 to 14. Uh, it, it does make us stronger. We now have uh, a very tiny spot of resilience to PAD at the very tip of our nose. Great. Uh, however, perhaps we should consider having a little bit of a nap in this corridor before we move on with 14 health. All right, I'm a roll. That's a two. So. <gasps> we dream. For what's worth, well, I guess we should see how this resolves first, but I did get a six for a second one. Mm, perfect. Um, dream number the first one. 
You open an iron-bound chest to find a brass bottle inside. When you remove the stopper, green smoke solidifies into a three-dimensional holographic technicolor image of yourself so realistic that it will last until the next combat. When it will so confuse your opponent that he will miss every second strike, whatever the dice indicate. That's just a buff. That's just a buff. And I got good news. I rolled a six and then a five, so we get two Healy Healy's. Uh, oh, I have great news. I rolled 10 God. for the heal of the, the first heal. result. I got a crit heal for the second. This whole book is us and being so overpowered and overprepared for this final fight that we just <laughs> needed to get there. And we've took every possible wraps, every possible wrong path. Mm-hmm. Full completion, baby. Every possible wrong path the second we got to Grotz 2. Literally every possible it's crazy all right uh i also rolled the final of our heals there as well which was a three so we got a bad roll in there in the end uh we heal for 25 health going all the way back up to 39 all right one. i'm more than happy to proceed along this corridor to 121 an interesting development since there's no sign whatsoever of anyone ahead who might have been responsible for throwing the dart in fact all you can see is a fork which Quarters branching northwest to 156 and southwest to 165. Well, one of these is north at, at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. 156, we go! The corridor runs northwest for no more than 50 feet before ending abruptly in the most remarkable and disturbing device you've ever seen. A caged door of iron bars blocks your way forward. Not possibly that you'd be all that keen to go forward anyways, since what you see beyond the bars is clearly a nightmare creature resembling a hairy octopus with poison fangs and horn-brimmed spectacles. To one side... The right, if you want to be strictly accurate. Before you reach the bars is a gleaming metal box with no fewer than 17 levers poking out of it, below the which is a bank of buttons, below which again is a series of wildly flashing lights. Squatting beside this contraption is an elderly punk nerd. A species not uncommon in tombs. Tastefully dressed in a studded leather jacket, black watch tartan ankle-length kilt, and banana boots. Hello, he says, grinning and wiping his nose with the back of his hand. Got your toll money ready? Toll money, this sounds ominous. Stand aside, punk nerd! You exclaim grandly. For I am Pip the Adventurer Bold, known as Dragon Slayer, Wizard Basher, Realm Saver, and other sundry titles, and if I wish to pass, no creepy weirdo in yellow wellies is about to stop me. Ah, bravely said, remarks the punk nerd, not at all put out. But I won't be the one to stop you, unless you have a hellfire halfpenny to put in this slot. <gasps> This machine won't work. And if the machine doesn't work, nothing raises the bars on Fido's cage. And until the bars go up, there's no way through. Mark you. He adds thoughtfully. Even when the bars are up, you still have the problem of Fido. The hairy octopus thing jumps up and down with a little agreed excitement. What are you going to do about this then? There's a coin slot visible, and if you have the Hellfire Halfpenny, you might like to insert it on 169. I mean, let's do that, right? I mean, yeah, we have the, the Hellfire Halfpenny. Why would we not? Is, we would want to consider possibly before that, though, anything that we want to cast for an upcoming combat. Like, hey. an example might be, what if we just kept uh, the, the, the Pip's, Pip's big old big hit? Yeah, let's do, let's do Pip's big old big hit. Mm -hmm. That costs it, baby. So that's the plus uh, 10 or, or the double? That's the plus 10. 
uh, for only three health. All right. I mean, should we also cast the double for our next strike? Why not? I mean, we're going to use the instant kill on our dagger for the final boss. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, which is the spell name for that one? Just quickly checking. Pip's big boy blast. Obliging. Uh, Pip's obliging power sword. Okay, we only have one possibility of trying this. Uh, it's fine. And we fail it. That's so. fine. All right, 169. Swiftly, you pop the Hellfire Halfpenny into the slot. Not at all sorry to be rid of it, truth be told. At once, the bars start to slide upwards into the roof. What? I'm off! <laughs> Remarks the punk nerd, making himself scarce at the great at a great rate of knots. <laughs> Says Fido, leaping towards you. The slot machine business may not be the best idea you've ever had, Pip, but you've done it now, and there's nothing else but to get on with it. Fido is a lethal haggis of a monster, one of the worst in the whole room, whole rotten tomb, whole room. <laughs> he has 30 life points, strikes on a 4, does plus 1 damage, which doesn't sound too bad until you realize with all those arms. He gets in 2 attacks for every one of yours. Still doesn't yeah, sound yeah, that yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't. He sees a mirror image of us. He gets 1 strike per round, buddy. Oh, baby. Fido will do his level Never. best to send you to 14 as quickly as possible. If you survive, go to 178. Initiative says four. Initiative for us. Says two. The enemy will be going first. Initiative uh, leads to an attack, and the attack leads to snake eyes for the first time. This is the first time I've rolled snake eyes. Beautiful. Um, Do we, because this is definitely not a humanoid, it's two different ways not humanoid. It's dog and octopus, neither of which... We kill blast. Anthropomorphic. Sword style. Two. I mean, do we go sword style, or do we want to rub the signet? Do we even need the signet ring at this point to try and get through this fight? I don't think we need it. It's a waste of time. Let's you know what, EJ? I'm going to put my faith in you. EJ is innovated to hear... Sorry, innovated, rather, to hear this. Uh, one of those means to take power away, right? Innovate, I think. In Anyhow, that, he is powered up to hear this. He's all jazzed about it. Uh, and as a result, does six plus... 5 plus 10 for uh, 21 damage, taking the enemy immediately down to 9 life points. Goes, and he strikes back with a 7, which I'm pretty sure has to be nothing, right? It's 3 that plus 1, exactly. that's actually perfect nothing. Mm -hmm. Oh, and now the enemy joins in being perfect nothing as we reduce them to sub five hit points on four and then uh, walk out of the room because it's an octopus dog. You may proceed merrily to 178. With Fido demolished, it now becomes possible to proceed past the section of the passageway which was pressed into use as his cage and moved northwestern until the passage begins to descend quite noticeably. You follow it along until it levels out and opens up abruptly into a long gallery where mirror-lined walls reflect the light of your torch in a sudden explosion which banishes the familiar gloom of the tomb altogether. Congratulations. A voice whispers. You glance around you nervously. The last time you entered a mirror-lined room, distorted doppelganger reflection stepped out of the glass to attack you. What? Yeah. Remember yeah. the the uh, the warped adventurer that we fought? It was a copy of Oh us. my god, yeah, that's been a while. Uh, but mm -hmm. this chamber does not appear to be anything like that. Yet. All the same, there's no indication that at all as to where the voice is coming from. 
uh, I, I do love when this occasionally happens when you get deep into a voice you've assigned for a character and it's like in a dry whisper and I'm like oh no but I went throaty and wet for this voice so no I'm just gonna continue you have done extremely well the voice continues still in its throaty wet <laughs> If I didn't know you were going to die soon, I would be quite worried. Who are you? You call, looking around you, grabbing your dagger of instant kill the man. But all you can see are the reflections of yourself looking around you. Who am I? Why, I am Grot, to be sure. Grot, the naughty hoddle they call me. Perhaps you smell poison gas? You gasp in horror, which was perhaps not the wisest possible response. No, of course you can't. Grot whispers. Because there isn't any in this room. Yet. And even if there was, it would disperse through an open entrance. Kachunk. A great stone block slides across the passageway behind you, blocking the gallery entrance completely. Or at least, Grot voice, Grot's voice continues, it would have dispersed. You can't frighten me! You call, feeling it was time you said something, however silly. No, indeed. But perhaps I can kill you. Do you notice there are three mirrors on the wall directly ahead of you? This In is... 30 seconds, precisely. One will magically spew out the poison gas for which there is no known antidote. Your only chance is to cast a pin spell on the mirror, thus neutralizing it and preventing the gas. However, you will have time to cast only one spell, so you'd better get it right on your first throw. And you'd better cast it on the right mirror, which is, I might tell you, the most sinister of the three. I mean, we have poison immunity, is that not? I don't know. We have poison immunity, but we may not need it, because I think I figured out his puzzle. Oh, don't know what he's talking about. Sinister for all those three mirrors look exactly the same, but no time for philosophical discussion, Pip. Better get your pin spell mobilized. You have one chance to throw it successfully and incidentally throw it successfully on the right mirror. Start by casting the spell. If you fail, go gasping to 14. If you succeed on the spell roll, there's still the problem of hurling the neutralizer on the correct mirror. Left-hand mirror, 188. Middle mirror, 200. Right-handed mirror, 210. What do you got? Have Have you picked up on on uh, what it is? Uh, no. Okay, so... I mean, yes. This is, is one of my favorite things... Uh, that in, uh, in old Latin, uh, dexterity, uh, was, uh, the use of one's right hand. Sinister is the use of one's left. The most sinister of these is the left-hand mirror. Uh, alright. Sounds good to me. 188. Uh, well, we still need to cast the spell successfully. <laughs> Although, even if we fail, I imagine uh, poison cannot kill us. So, well, actually, of which there's no known antidote. But also, we have a thing I that says a you're poison immune. <laughs> that works. <laughs> we lose three health regardless for casting yeah. it. And, oh, no. 
That's P-I-N, which we haven't cast yet, so we lose one charge. Let's end to 188. All right. With the familiar flash and brief ethereal burst of the William Tell Overture, which marks the working of so much of your magic, the pin spell limbs the left-hand mirror into a halo of blue light. Though the two mirrors probably shatter with a deadly hiss of evil-smelling gas, which, however, does you no harm at all beyond spoiling your appetite and for the next three sections. Uh, you're just spoiling your appetite for the next three sections. There's doors behind each of the two shattered mirrors. Uh, the middle mirror, 199, right-hand mirror, 207. I mean, let's work our way across. 199. All right. You fling the door open and gasp to find yourself teetering on the very edge of what appears to be a bottomless pit. What a rotten place to put another trap, and without warning, too, you must be getting grot worried. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Maybe while you're teetering on the edge of doom, roll two dice quickly, six or better, you can catch your balance and then back off to examine what will hopefully be a less lethal door at 207. And anything else you're on your way to 14. Let's head back to 207 as we roll perfectly with, well, perfectly. It's an eight. That's good enough. A perfect eight. <laughs> Kerplunk, the familiar sound of a spear trap. Except for this one doesn't have a spear in it. <gasps> Lucky for you. And when you examine the mechanism carefully, you find the secret door cuddly hidden behind it. You step through to find yourself in a metal-lined room with a single lever on the far wall, hanging from which is a pewter medallion with a six-pointed star inscribed upon it. The door shuts behind you, and a moment's examination convinces you it's not about to open again. You move, move forward to the lever, remove the medallion. Which is rather well made. Take a deep breath, and for want of any better idea, pull the lever... The room grows, glows brightly, and you teleport to page 23. Um. Okay. Sorry? Uh, we definitely, oh, we have again. a path on here somewhere. We do? I've forgotten where it is if we have one. Uh, 165, we've not done. So where is this branching off from? Instead of the place we went that took us to the nerd, I is I think. I got it written down okay. here. I reps, I got about two hundred numbers written down here, and it's like one of the only ones that's not crossed off, so I'm just gonna trust it. <laughs> uh that is all good. I'm just okay, so yes, so that one was uh, after going through the, the pad corridors, there's northwest and southwest. We went northwest for 156, which was all of this this grot area, uh, and we have southwest, the other. All right. 165. The corridor runs southwest for a distance before turning west, and at the corner lounges a lizard, a curious creature which seems to be able to stand on its hind legs and wear a morning suit and a bowler hat. As it catches sight of you, it steps forward with one hand. Paul? Upraised. Halt! Calls the lounge lizard with a slightly sibilant inflection. It is absolutely forbidden, not to say quite the impossible task, to pass beyond this point without first surrendering something of very substantial value. Namely, he pauses dramatically, then concludes, The Vampire's Ring. He smiles, showing crocodile teeth and extending an upraised hand. Paul? Towards you. Do you have the vampire's ring? And if so, are you going to hand it over to the lounge lizard on 182? Honestly, yes, right? We have it, and sure, why not? I believe him. I mean, I don't... We just asked for a ring. I also just don't you mind. You know what? <laughs> Go down on We're one married. knee. What up, nerd? <laughs> Marry me. 
<laughs> the lounge so lizard. this would be the signet ring that we yes. uh, get the bat bonus out of. Uh, places the ring between his teeth in the manner of one testing a coin, but obviously does not know his own strength since it immediately scrunches it into powder. Hey! You protest. That was a really valuable ring! How true. Agrees the lizard. I am doing you a favor in destroying it. I don't see how. Mutters EJ, who's been listening. I don't see how. You remark glumly. And a little annoyed that EJ said it first, since now it sounds like you were copying him. Oh, you will understand when you look around the corner. The lizard tells you cheerfully. He gestures and you peer past him around the corner, only a few steps further on. Two silver pillars flank the sides of the corridor. Between them are a sort of miniature lightning flash, which come, climbs up and down the pillars with a great crackling sound and the distinct smell of ozone. Looks like one of those gizmos the mad scientists used to animate the Frankenstein's monster. What is it? You whisper breathlessly. It's one of those gizmos mad scientists use to animate a Frankenstein's monster. The lizard tells you. It reacts with the vampire ring magic. If you'd walked between those pillars carrying this ring, you'd have been snuffed out for sure. What if I walk between them now without the ring? Good question, nods the lizard without, however, attempting to supply a good answer. But if you want to go on, it seems you're going to have to walk between them on 193 or retrace back to blank or blank places we've already been. So, 193, please, oh god, we don't have other options, do we? Uh, not that I know of. 90 I... is back to the statue room and the other one's the alternative path, right? Yeah. Head high, you step back between the pillars with promptly zap back any life points you happen to be missing at this juncture. Oh, that's cute. What? That, that's legit. That's a 25 point heal. Beyond them, the corridor runs straight for about 50 yards before ending in a heavy metal door with no sign of either a lock or a handle. You approach the door cautiously, having no desire to be zapped to 14 this late in the adventure. <laughs> yeah, because surely the book won't kill me instantly. Uh, hmm. 200 pages in. Right? It would be hilarious if they full healed you and then killed you <laughs> literally within the same section. Unfortunately, the door doesn't open either. Nothing leads out to leech your life points, but not the door doesn't open either. Careful examination shows a curious indentation in the metal uh, about shoulder height. Indentation featuring a six-pointed star would accept a pewter medallion. If you happen to be carrying a pewter medallion... Especially one with a six-pointed star on it. You can place it on 213. Okay. I will say, as much as we've mm -hmm. absolutely bescrewed this and have gone the exact wrong way every time, we seem to have needed to. Yeah, exactly. We needed the Hellfire Halfpenny, which we got from the like exhaustive examination of everything around hell. We needed, I, I guess, like the only thing that we needed that we didn't have was a key that instead we used a pick lock spell for. Yeah. Uh-oh. Looks like you're looking into a terribly familiar metal line chamber. This thing may teleport you. Every other metal line chamber seems to. If you want to risk ending up backways, you may step onto the room at 217. Otherwise, your only option is to go back to places we've already been. So, 217. Perhaps. Yeah, I... I mm, the teleports. 217. Let's go. Don't be 23. Don't be 23. Z teleport what a swizz after coming all this way it's brought you back right this way to 23 oh no it hasn't this is never 23 you've ended up in another corridor running north south except that 
out directly behind you is blocked. A dead end. Corridor seems a little different from the others you've been in. Well, a lot different, actually. Far wider, for one thing. Far higher and even colder. Your footsteps echo as you walk along the corridor. A small, lone figure with only one way to go and only your courage to comfort and companionship. Hey, what about me? Mutters EJ sourly in your faithful talking sword, of course. Uh, the corridor runs northwards for more than 100 yards before reaching a wide flight of stone steps, running downwards onto a broad platform to one side of which is a tiny door. But it is not the door which occupies your attention. At the bottom of the steps, rising from the ebony coffin, is a creature such as you've never, ever seen before. A golden-skinned vampire, almost seven feet tall, staring up at the steps, smiling, and with spider-like agility, scutters up, scuttles upwards into your direction. The corridor behind you leads nowhere. Your options are simple. Face the golden vampire or die. You may die by going to 14. <laughs> if anyone asks, tell them you had a sudden heart attack. Or facing the vampire is a bit more complicated. If you happen to be carrying golden garlic, 214. Otherwise, go to 218. We have it. We do. We do indeed, which means we head to 214. As the golden vampire skeeters up the steps, hissing slightly, you whip out the golden garlic and hold it before you very much as the hero does coming up to the end of the Dracula movie when the count, but eh, never mind, that time is running out. The golden vampire stops. Die, foul golden fiend incarnate! You scream excitedly, fairly sure the golden garlic will wither his carnations, although to be absolutely honest, there's no sign yet of him shriveling up into golden dust or even backing off. In fact, he's still coming forward more slowly, admittedly, but towards you all the same. Let me at him! Let me get him! This is EJ, obviously in one of his savage moods. You prepare to drop the stupid garlic and swing EJ, but the golden vampire stops, eyes glazed, beginning to sway slightly like one entranced. Your wish is my command, O oh mighty one. He intones slightly. Holy cow, you hypnotized him. What a break. Now you can enter. Order this joker to fight for you when you meet up with the lich or any other nasty. How many life points you got, baby? <laughs> That's what I always Sorry. Say, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Yes. Just, yep. I, yep. I usually yep. don't need better. to. How many life points have you got, vampy baby? <laughs> you ask cheekily. None. Says the golden vampire hollowly. All right. How many death points do you have if you want to get pedantic? Fifty. Says the golden vampire. And will you fight for me if I tell you to? Your wish is my command, O mighty one. Which is about where you come in. Apart from having 50 life slash death points, if the golden vampire fangs successfully on a 4 with plus 3 damage, and will rip the jugular out of anything that moves with a throw of 12, killing it instantly. Since it's now completely hypnotized in your power, O mighty one, you can take this lethal brute and head on to 219. We have so many ways to instantly kill somebody. Yep. Unfortunately, we can no longer become a vampire, but we do have one as a pet. It's true. Uh, you scrunch down to open a little door, but it feels stiff as if it's not been used for centuries. But it presents no real problem as it swings back, you can see. With some disappointment. It leads to a simple chamber, empty, except for a dried-up ancient skull thrown casually in a corner. You step through and straighten up, looking around you, discovering there's no exits from this room. It's a simple antechamber of some sort, perhaps used for burial, although there's doesn't seem to be any bones here to go with that skull. Frowning, you turn to leave again. The small door through which you've entered has swung shut. You try and open the door and discover to your surprise it has been jammed. Uh, give it a good tug, EJ advises unnecessarily. You give it a good tug, and the door does not budge. Uh, Pip, shut up, EJ! 
Jake! You tell him cross, annoyed at the silly door. You tug again more sharply this time. Uh, Pip. Will you please shut up? Can't you see? I'm busy. I'm trying to open this stupid door. Pip! Oh, what is it, EJ? Can't you? You turn around and your blood runs cold. The skull lying in the corner has risen up and is now floating in midair, staring at you with its empty... Yet faintly bloodshot? Eye sockets. You could do without this, Pip. That skull is a pretty puny in terms of life points, having... 18 of them all together, but has an endless collection of Firefinger lightning bolts magically implanted in the empty cranium, ready to discharge them through each eye socket. Or, as you know, Firefingers always hit whenever the dice roll... Wait. Whatever the dice roll and always do 10 points of damage, better roll your first strike now just to make sure you go first. Make sure to slaughter this nasty bass, because if you don't, it's 14 for sure. That's a three. Three. That's a push. That's a three. <laughs> One. Oh my lord. Firefinger. So we take 10 points. Firefinger. <laughs> Fire socket. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, 18. So I guess we probably attack for once and then zap for the other. Yeah. Possibly. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's probably going to be a zap for the other one. We barely collide with the enemy with a roll of four for a total of five damage. Firefinger. Fine, two can play at that game. Firefinger. Ah, not fair. <laughs> not fair, you cheated. If you survive, turn to 221. You stare down, shaking slightly at the shattered fragments of the ghastly skull, noting with professional interest that it was animated by the means of a magical scroll, which has now fallen on the floor. Curiously, you pick it up and read it. On one side is the animation spell, similar in many respects to the one Merlin used to give EJ his powers of speech. Uh, rubbish. Mutters EJ. Well, on the other side is a cryptic message. It's another cipher. It says. It also says the wise adventurer will decode the brackets first. Because there's a section. Yeah, there's a section in. There's like a cipher and then a cipher in uh, parentheses after it. Mm hmm. And if basically we're presented with the options of the stone door or the, the portal room or like where we turn the statue. So, yeah, we got another cipher. Hmm. Um, this is a long one. And also it has numbers in it. That's that's numbers, baby. Um, yeah, it's a lot. The numbers go all the way up to nine. Or zero, rather. Um, let's go. I'm just going to add those to an alphabet for a, uh, a a push or decoding cipher and see if that helps. It has not so far. Six, nine, V5. I don't even understand. I don't know how to decode this. I have tried a couple of different things. And I'm getting nowhere. Yeah, I I mean I got nothing on this. It's a it's a wild one. I keep I mean I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying futilely to do this as well. Well I <laughs> for what it's worth, I have found the answer online, <laughs> but not the not how we should have gotten it. 
Mm. So leads me leads us in a weird spot where I'm sitting here and I look I'm looking at this garbled up nonsense that the audience can't even see. And I don't know how to because it's like it's a cipher and it's first of all very long, half of it's in parentheses, and that half has half numbers, half letters. Six nine V five space four nine S P L one three five four dot space R five one four two one three K W one R four S space one six T five R space four five three oh four nine N seven crow close parentheses. You know that. So mm. I'm kind of not opposed to getting there. So I'll I'll tell you how uh I uh am also not opposed to that. Which is that uh, I went uh, to find a geocaching website that has uh, a, a ability to try against a number of different code and cipher tools all at the same time to try and see which of those tools you should use. Uh, I gave it our text uh, and <sighs> wait. But if you got it. I don't want to step on no toes, but I'm just saying. Oh, if you never mind. Never mind. Okay, hang on. Sorry. I, no, I looked at all the text it. and I was like, all of this text is complete garbage. The very first entry, Ruof Ro What Por Gidnadal Rud Persis. However, if I said that backwards, it would be something along the lines of the wall, a secret door leading to two or four. 204? Which I can only imagine is 204, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's... That... Yep. I mean, unsurprised... the rest of the text is completely garbled still. I mean... What is this? I think we go to 204, as that, I will say, cross-reference is the the number that seems to be correct. So you got there. Uh, But how do you decode those brackets? I don't understand. Anyway, oh, two or four. Let's go. Why is adventure with the code brackets first? That's so mean that it says that too. The brackets don't even decode to anything. There's 69Q549 NKG1354. Full stop. Rude. By George, that was unexpected. The whole west wall slid back, slid to reveal a vast treasure room, three quarters filled with a huge heap of gold gems, lifetime's collection of which is presumably con- includes the 30, sorry, the 50 gold pieces Thank owed you. to Merlin. <laughs> Although that's probably a bit academic now. Scattered. Through the heap, you can clearly see the precious artifacts in every size, shape, and description. Uh, Ivory is from Africa, jade figurines from China, antique porcelain, trinkets, wood carvings, so on. There's even a golden casket, heavily encrusted with diamonds, rubies, sapphires, emeralds, worth the king's ransom in its own right. Let alone what might be inside an incredibly expensive container. Struth! exclaims EJ, although whether he's impressed by all the booty or just taken aback by what is guarding it is difficult to say. Because here is a creature the like of which you've never seen, a sort of cross between a zombie and a vampire, or a vampire and a ghoul, or even a ghoul and a zombie. Looks like it should have died a thousand years ago, but it didn't. Get out! It screams, dark eyes filled with hate. I think we just found Huddle. EJ tells you unnecessarily, and indeed you have. What's more, you've also met two of Grot's pet flying worms, nasty little sharp-toothed creatures which attack first and ask questions after. Which is what they're doing now. Each has 15 life points, strikes on a 6, bites for plus 2. Extremely difficult to hit, needing a 6, 7, or better. Uh, even when you use EJ, if these little horrors kill you, go to 14. Otherwise, you're going to have to fight Grot, what? who has 25 life points, hits out of 5, scores on a plus 3. 
with his fingernails. More disturbing yet, access to every spell in the first and second spell books, and will certainly use any or all of them to make the fight interesting. If Grot kills, you go to 14. Otherwise, go to 222. So, all right. first of all, before anything happens, would you please recite the poem if you wrote it down? One should not coddle Grot the huddle, but rather bonk him on the noddle. And therefore, he does not have the ability to use his spells, if I remember correctly. What? I... Whoa, hang on. What else would Is it, it that he can't use his spells? So, if I recalled correctly, that was he was immune to our spells, unless... But also, oh, on this page, right. they don't describe that he's immune to our spells, so... Yeah. Oh, you're right. I just assumed it had to be useful, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Uh, I'm I'm going to confirm this, but I you're uh, probably right. Th 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 the ode. Yeah, when you meet him, none of your magic will work against him, and you will fight at negative three on any damage you might score against him, unless you have a death ode. It doesn't tell you. Anything it doesn't about even that. tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's take out these flying worms first. Let's roll for their initiative. Sure. Three, <gasps> five. Oh. I think we just firefinger them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Firefinger for each of them. Blap. And then the other one tries to attack. Uh, that is a 10. That is probably damage, right? That's two damage. Uh, yes. Yes. That'll be two damage through to us. How dare they? How dare they? Uh, and then we firefinger the other one as well. Two firefingers, two experience. Blap, blap. All right. I... It's just... He... He... <laughs> He has 25 life after all this. Yep. Uh-huh. After all this. We don't... I mean, we can't let I... him take a turn. He has spell books, and the easiest thing for us to justify him trying to do would be immobilizing us. I would think so, but the thing is, it is his turn. Is it? Wouldn't it be? You just did the fire finger? Oh, yeah. If, we, if we've been going with the way we've been doing it... Oh, God. Now it's... Where so... Where'd the other die go? So, For him, the most useful thing would probably be uh, Pip's instantaneous levity and laughter. Well, boy, howdy, it doesn't happen. That's a four. He beefed it. <laughs> El Capitan. HP. And he loses three HP, and he's down to 22. After all of this, he has 25 Dude's... health? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know what? You know what? No. No, he doesn't. He's a lich. His whole thing is coming back from the dead. Oh, if we kill wait, him, you're right. we're going to have to kill him again and you're right. again you're and right. again. You're right. So we shouldn't use anything crazy. This is It's a yeah. trap. It's a trap. You're right. Because you're right. You're right. You're right. You're so right. You're so right. Let's just bait. kill him murder style, normal style. Mm, murder and kill style, normal style. Yeah. Um, boy. So... Just a normal attack and then next turn we fire finger, I guess. I'd assume. Could I possibly uh, entreat you for a five finger on each turn? Yeah. We have four of them remaining. Yeah. Cool. All right. Five finger the first turn. All right, Firefinger! So, so what does he try to do? Uh, I mean, he can either attempt to uh, uh, stun us again. He can try and go for the rapid repeater in order to try and get uh, battle advantage. Um, uh, he'd probably do that. Let's be honest. Sure, sure. Uh, which he does. But let's see... And then he would probably so try and what? Stun? Uh, yep. Bibs instantaneous levity and laughter would give him the ability to probably just kill us over the course of the next couple of turns. Which 
He does not. That is a wait. Wait, is it a six or a seven? Because he got a six. A seven or above is a six. Okay, then he does. Then he does not. We have one turn to kill him, in which we do, or sorry, kill in quotations. I'm. I bet Mm -hmm. you're you're right. And Firefinger, the number second one. No more grot. All right. Now turn to 222. Eagerly, you step across the prostrate corpse to get a closer look at the unbelievable horde of golden gems. Look out! You screams EJ. You spin round to find Grot has resurrected himself and is flinging himself upon you. The resurrection gives Grot 25 more life points, allows him fighting abilities and spell usage as before. If he kills you this time, go to 14. If you manage to put him out of his final misery, 209. So I'm thinking that there is still one more opportunity because mm-hmm. he it's going to tell us about the minus three, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Just on it the next page. at some point. Because otherwise it makes no sense is the case. And that's the real extra hint that the Poetic Fiend gives us. That, that has mm-hmm. to be it. Okay, so, well, I guess it's probably re-initiative, I guess, at this point. I think we left and rejoined combat. That's a two. Don't you do it. That's a four. We hey. win the initiative. Now, 25 life points. Do we want to persist as we had previously? I think so. Two fire fingers. Two fire fingers. Let him mm-hmm. get a chance. Five finger the first one. He has 15 HP remaining. Uh, pi R squared lasts for that combat, which means he does not have that anymore. And he, he tries like again, and he fails. <laughs> Ooh, that's a I'm four. so sorry, buddy. That's, that's the four. last failure you're going to have in this lifetime, buddy. Go down to the ground. Go to 14. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you manage to put him out of his final misery, turn to 209. I don't believe this. He's getting up again. Looks like he had another resurrection spell up his sleeve, or maybe you can't kill a lich at all. Whatever the situation is, there's another 25 life points, and he's coming at you. One bright aspect of an otherwise gloomy situation is that his spell power seems to have run out. If Grot kills you, go to 14. Otherwise, keep your sword handy and move on to 224. Well, that's great. Wait, what does he hit? Oh, God. What is his attack at this point? It's, it was two pages back. I. Oh, boy. I barely remember. <laughs> Does he attack or does he just use spells? He, he attacks because otherwise, yeah, he does. Oh yeah, his dirty fingernails have plus three. Let's see, two. I'll go back to two of four, six uh, do, for plus five two or more for plus three. Oh, it's the the gross oh, worms. worms. I believe you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. To two twenty-two, to two oh nine. I'm just gonna get back. Okay, initiative Let's once more. Initiative. Four. One, he will be going first. Uh, you have to roll above a six, so seven or above to do any damage. Hey, I did seven. <laughs> Ooh, that's one damage. Ow! That was basically nothing. Ooh, EJ does not subscribe to the same magazines. Instead, uh, does six plus five. That's 11 back to the enemy, taking him down to a total of 14 remaining. Well, that is an 11, so that is going to be, what, 5 damage? Yep. Still not even that scary. 27 remain on us, and this is an opportunity to put him down on the ground, and that'll do it. That's a 10, uh, which uh, I believe will do enough damage to make them unconscious, and we will finish them off swiftly thereafter. All right. Keep your sword handy. Move to 224. Sit on him. EJ advises. Maybe that'll keep him down. 
But this time, Grot stays knackered. Even poking him in the ticklish places doesn't get a stir. Let's loot this place! EJ remarks triumphantly. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on! I want to see what's inside that jewel chest! Okay. You agree, and nothing loath, since there's a tunnel to the north, clearly marked secret exit, with several platinum wheelbarrows to help you shift the loot. You <laughs> lift the chest down from the top of the heap and carefully throw back the lid. Inside is a glistening golden diamond heart, shining with an unmistakable luster of potent magic. You stare at it entranced. What is it? Asks EJ. I don't know. You whisper. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. I just don't know what it might be. But there is, I suppose, a possibility you might find out by using the secret exit to reach the section headed Pip Triumphant. So he <gasps> doesn't get... We got all of those things that made us overpowered an instant kill. And he has mm -hmm. 25 lifers three times and that's it. You know it. what? We turn around and plant the crystal knife directly into the heart of the golden vampire. Why? <laughs> ah, betrayal! Why did you do it? Alright. On to Pip Triumphant. Here we go. They walk together in growing twilight heads together, lost in conversation. They made a strangely contrasting pair, these two men. Both were tall, but one was muscular, broad-shouldered, with brownish-red hair and a beard. Every inch a warrior, every inch a king. The other was thin to the point of uh, emaciation, dressed in white flowing robes, matched his white flowing beard, wearing perched atop his head a pointed hat, on which was embroidered crescents, stars, mystic symbols, various descriptions. But is success possible? Asked the king. Well, if it is possible at all, then Pip will succeed, replied the wizard. King Arthur nodded dourly. He had been against the adventure from the very beginning. Yet as a fundamentally honest man, he had been against the idea that Pip should be deceived. Yet Merlin had claimed it necessary. Uh, the problem, Merlin had said when the matter was first discussed, is that the heart of Avalon is magic. If you set out to look for it, you'll never find it. It may only be discovered by someone who is searching for something entirely different. By someone who has not the slightest thought of finding the heart. He had sniffed and added. Indeed, by someone who hasn't even heard of the heart of Avalon. How does this grot character then come to have it? The king had asked then. And Merlin, scratching at his beard, had replied sourly. No, oh, stole it, of course. But he didn't set out to steal it. That would have been quite impossible. He was after something else altogether. The sacred Long Johns of John the Baptist. A valuable religious relic believed to be in the possession of the Archbishop of Canterbury. There are heavy magical matters, Your Majesty. The spell was said to filch the long genes, was diverted by their order of sanctity, and instead landed on the heart of Avalon. A dreadful business, and a dreadfully dangerous business. I doubt if Grot knows what he has, but if he ever finds out, he will undoubtedly use the heart to depose you and take control of the entire realm himself. It hardly bears thinking about. Thus it had been decided to try and get the heart of Avalon back before Grot found out quite how powerful a magic artifact he had stolen. And on the basis of past experience, there is only one warrior in the realm with sufficient courage, ingenuity, and sheer dumb luck to do the job, and that is Pip. I'll just say that uh, uh, Grot uh, owes me money, Merlin told the king. Oh, you know that one. He's fool enough to believe anything. 
But now that Pip had disappeared into the nightmare confines of Grot's magically protected tomb, the good King Arthur was having some serious second thoughts. We should have given him something, Merle. Given some hint. I do wish you would stop calling me that, Merlin said. There's nobody listening. Even so. Uh, anyway, what hint could we have given him that wouldn't have given the whole game away? Uh, remember. But... Huh. Sorry, what hint could we have given that wouldn't have given the whole game away? Remember, it's no good looking for the Heart of Avalon. You only find it if you're looking for something else. In this case, Pippin's looking for loot and booty and adventure, greedy little haggis. So there's an excellent chance the Heart will be rescued entirely by accident. Behind them loomed the overpowering greystone bulk of Tint Tintagel. King Arthur's quarters keep since the air was growing chill. They turned back towards it now as if by a prior agreement. It has been a long time. King Arthur murmured. Tell me. Oh, it's a very difficult adventure. Merlin replied. You're telling me. All the same. Or perhaps we should sit vigil in the castle chapel. Merlin suggested. Why there? Asked the king. Oh, well, because the secret passage from Grot's tomb has its exit directly underneath the altar stone. The king stopped appalled. Are you serious? Merlin nodded vaguely. Uh, but we must lock it off. We must... Calm yourself, dear majesty. It has already been magically locked for years. Against uh, Grot, that is. Anyone else can pass through it without a problem. Thus, these two old friends walked together in the growing dusk into the great keep of Tintagel and made their way through the rush-strewn corridors to the castle chapel, and there, amidst the smell of incense and the flickering glow of candles, they sat silent and waited... And waited, and waited. Is it possible? The king asked eventually. That Grot may have won. Merlin shrugged philosophically. Um, all things are possible, great king. Although I would remind you that Pip has a fearsome right hook when aroused. They lapsed into silence again and waited. Is it possible? Asked the king. That Pip might have been killed? Well, all things are possible. Merlin replied. And that particular thing is actually quite likely. Oh, but let us not forget about the magical re-rolling of life points. <laughs> Midnight came and went and they waited. Meanwhile, somewhere in the bowels of the earth, you having, are having your own problems. Having taken the corridor marked exit, you quickly discovered it should actually have been marked Grot's Revenge, since it led directly into a maze as difficult and entangled a plate as spaghetti. A maze in which you are soon well truly lost, nor was it an empty maze as you followed what... Little homing instinct remained in you. Nasty little sounds assailed your ears, clever, clearly indicating that monsters lurked around every single bend. Although, to be fair, you didn't actually see any. Ready to make a meal of you given half a chance. It was in this nervous state, bravely pushing a platinum wheelbarrow on which were piled artifacts of every description, gold gems, and most important of all, that curious casket which you found clenching EJ firmly between your teeth, that you came to the last narrow passageway leading upwards. Follow this route, hopefully, since it was the first passage that did not actually descend, but it stopped abruptly, blocked by a massive stone slab. Uh, you're never gonna get through that. <laughs> you replied, it being difficult to talk with a mouthful of sword. And having put EJ in his place, you proceeded to use a mystic technique beloved of all adventurers when faced with massive stone slabs. You kicked it. The altar stone in the tentacle chapel slid into one side with the grinding of hidden gears. Merlin, who nodded off, snapped fully awake. Pip! He called. Is that you, Pip? And an excited voice from the depths of the newly revealed tunnel called back. 
I've got your 50 gold pieces, Merlin. And a funny sort of jeweled heart thing in a casket. Woo! We did it. The end. Oh, my lord. I do have to say, long and winding and arduous as it were, I think this might be my favorite, like, mechanically. Mmm. What I, sells you on it in particular? I think it's just, okay, like, I don't, uh, the secret door mechanic, yeah, it's a little bit weird. I think what I like about it is kind of, in a way, the nature of, like, you're going to die a lot, keep a tally of the deaths, let's build around that idea, and you come mm. back. And also, not going with the maps anymore, I like that a lot. I think, again, like, as much as we had a really windy, exhaustive kind of approach, I don't think we needed to. I think we got exceptionally unlucky in a lot of senses. Mm. There was only a couple places we needed to go, but, and we could have, and, and uh, like, we obviously did a lot of extra stuff in going to secret rooms, of which I will say in the end, none of which were necessary. We got everything in the secret rooms was not necessary. They were just things that made us immune to something. Mm. So, I don't know. I think I, I kind of liked it in that sense. It felt like traversing an actual, like, dungeon crawler dungeon more than any of the other ones, I think is what it is. But I liked it a lot. I just want to quickly check one thing. It, it's not 173 goes to 122, which takes you to the... There actually is a canon secret that you uh, uh, have to use, unless there's a different way of getting there, which is in the gloomy corridor, uh, after you fail to go down the pit, uh, you, it, or it, instead of going down the pit, uh, you need to use the secret room in order to find the statue room for the teleportation, which... Yeah, the, 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 the strange lopsided implementation of the secret door mechanic is definitely the thing that I will point to the most in this of like, oof, oof. Yeah. It's still less labyrinthine than some of the things we encountered in uh, especially the previous book. Yeah, as much as it is, like, it is, the format is mess, messy and like, conf, you know, winding in a way that actually is pretty easy to track with just doing the branching page path system that I do. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, I think, what I like about it the most is, like, I can look down, look, okay, we just haven't done that page, and I can... Because for those who don't know, and I mean, I guess you probably assume, I literally, I write a number, and then I just do a branching tree path, like a, like a family tree, but sideways. And that's what my notebook looks like. It just looks like a big old messy something so-and-so. And that means we can exhaustively go through. We were able at the whole time to know, well, let me just go back to that one. And I like that instead of being like, I guess this technically means we should be able to go north from here and land, land on something. And half the times it's true. Like, mm -hmm. I like that way better. I don't know. It just, if I think what it was is it really did feel like a kind of, it felt like a penultimate adventure, I think, is what I yes. would really put it as. This felt like the second to last book, and it felt really like an appropriate usage of everything. I like that we got all of our spells back. We got a lot of loot that was interesting and useful. Uh, mm -hmm. I liked all of that. It felt like it brought back a lot of the stuff that I was liking a lot from before and mm -hmm. did away with a couple of things I didn't like. Introduced one thing that I really don't like, but it didn't actually get in the way as much as I thought it would. 
Yeah, I think that's very fair. I think also like a, a large amount of of uh, the initial story setup being like, oh, you know, there's nothing to worry about, and also it's it's just a very simple adventure that you're going on. Uh, and allowing that to be revealed near the very end. The reasoning for that, like, you know, Merlin's mercurial nature, having a magical reasoning behind it that justifies it was really quite satisfying to me. Yeah. Especially uh, as someone who, you know, as we were reading through the opening going, huh? This, yeah. this all seems so contrived. It was, for a reason. Yeah, I, and I think that's the thing, is the Pip Triumphant kind of wrapped it up in a way that felt right and satisfying to me, in a mm-hmm. in an interesting way. I don't know, I I just, I liked it quite a bit. There's bits and bobs of the other ones that I, that is certainly, like, like more as set pieces or, like, little sections, but as an entire whole, I think, like, a tighter, shorter, like, slightly shorter, more streamlined version of this book, I wish there was a bunch of them mm-hmm. is kind of where i'm at uh but anyway any other thoughts from you on this book none in especial well then speaking of special uh you want to thank that special someone who's supporting this episode here I'll thank a special someone named Sean. Thank you, someone named Sean, for being the executive producer of this episode over on the uh, Turn to Page Patreon. That is patreon.com slash turn to page cast. You can uh, support at or above the uh, hardcover tier there to become one of our executive producers, one of which is picked each episode for the executive production role of that episode. Though, of course, any support over there is more than appreciated. It is very true. Uh, again, patreon.com slash turn to page cast. Huge thank you, someone named Sean, and a huge thank you as well to, of course, everybody who has supported over there, whether or not this is your episode or not. Thank you to you as well. Thank you, the special someone named Sean for today's episode. Uh, but yeah, uh, that is that. It's going to do it here. Next episode is the finale of Grail Quest, the final book. And then we are, uh, we're done with the Grail Quest series. It's been an interesting one. I'm sure we'll talk more about rap, like you know, it as a whole and wrapping it up. But it's been very, it's been very pleasant, long and arduous at times. But ultimately, like the some of these characters, I just, I really like, you know, not having Merlin. This book's Merlin in a future mm. book feels wrong. Not having the option of running into the poetic fiend feels wrong. And, not mm-hmm. having Pip be the main character feels wrong. Like those things feel, they feel like they just have a lot of character to them in in such a strong way that I've I have appreciated a lot. And you like get attached to them, and you going through an actual sequential story like this and building up and getting in, you know things from the past and references. It's it's just been very nice to have this big chunky thing. Uh, I would be very sad to say goodbye to Merlin, as we will be doing at the end of next week's episode. I will say as well, though, uh, to entreat, if anyone should like to recommend uh, a series that you would uh, like to see covered uh, on the uh, Turn to Page podcast... um, Oh, I gotta say, two weeks before this series ends, mm, great time to get a couple of your votes in if uh, if you have any in your back pockets. Those would be best left, uh, especially on the YouTube Turn to Page cast page uh, under any of the uh, videos as a comment. It's true. And if you don't want to do it there, if you're listening on like, you know, a streaming service or something like that, you can send an email over to turntopagecast at gmail.com. 
if you don't have a YouTube thing, you just don't want to do that. You don't want to make one. You don't want to go over there or you just want it private or whatever to keep it as more of a surprise or something. You can do that too, of course. But alas, that's going to do it here for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Adios.